Good evening, and welcome to TSC's Nightly Report. Today, the Shield Corporation, the world's largest private company, was accused of monopoly and price fixing. Alan Naiman, president of TSC, was unavailable for comment. At its regular monthly report, the Shield Corporation announced record profits for its fiscal year in November 2024. And now for the weather. The temperature 97, with humidity constant at 97. No rain, no clouds, no thunder, no lightning, no nothing. Zeist! Freeman of Zeist, TME! Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. And boy, oh boy, we have been waiting a long time to tackle this. This is our very special Highlander 2 The Quickening series. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. And this is Eamon, shitheads. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys excited to tackle this movie? I'm something to talk about this movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Uh, so uh, we might have some new listeners that are tuning in for this particular episode or series of episodes. Uh, so we should let you know a little bit about what we do on this Highlander podcast. Uh, so normally we tackle these series because there's like almost 120 episodes of it. So there's a lot to talk about. We talk about it each and every week in detail. But we also talk about other facets of the Highlander universe, including the movies, uh, which is what started it all. So we did a seven-part series on the first movie, and we went deep into all the ins and outs, the trivia, the meaning of it. Deep cuts. Deep cuts. Yeah. Deep so cuts. Um, we thought uh, if anyone out there has not seen the original Highlander and kind of just knows of Highlander 2 as like a classic bad movie, like it always makes lists of like the worst movies of all time or worst sequels. Like this is on there all the time. Yeah. And it's like important to note that this movie does nothing to remind you or really establish what happened last time. No. And I don't know, guys, is it more or less confusing if you've seen the first movie? I think it's more confusing. If I seen... absolutely agree. Yeah. I have so many more questions based on the connection between these two things than like if I just encountered this turd in the wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad either way. Let's get that out of the way. Oh, to be clear. Uh, as we're all Highlander fans, we've dedicated much of our lives to doing this podcast. And oh, Let's try not to think about that too hard. <laughs> uh, but we, we all think Highlander is a worthwhile concept and a great franchise, and we love a lot of parts about it. So anyway, if you haven't seen the first Highlander, I think everyone should go back and check it out. Cause, like, that, that is it's a all, classic it's, movie. It's a great movie. It's cool. It's good stuff. So let's talk about what happens in the original Highlander movie. Like, if you were a Highlander fan in 1991 when this movie came out, and you were like, oh, I love the original Highlander movie that came out in 86. Like, I can't wait to go see this movie. What are you going in there expecting? What knowledge of the franchise do you have already? Well, there are immortal guys, and they're in a fight for the prize, where they all have to kill each other by cutting their heads off. The mantra of the movie is there can be only one. At the end of the movie, there is only one. There is. Right. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah, so... The movie doesn't do a lot to explain who the immortals are, where they come from, and which is all like a, a positive. Like it's all this kind of just mysterious fantasy sort of thing where it's like there's these immortals and they have to kill each other. Who knows why, but it's exciting. And then, yeah, it, the movie ends with the hero of the movie, Connor McCloud, winning the day, defeating the very evil villain. Right. And he also, at the end of the movie, uh, he wins what's called the prize. And that's also a 
very nebulous thing in the movie. And at the end, it's kind of revealed that he can grow old and die for some reason now when he couldn't before. Right, because immortality is a curse, which is explored kind of in this movie. Yeah. It's one of the neat themes of it. It's like a vampire story. So he can grow old and die. He can have children. And I guess he has some kind of oneness with nature. He knows everything. He can read people's thoughts in some way. He's, he's got some kind of supernatural knowledge. Right. It's also very important to note, very important to note, that he meets in the context of this movie, for the first time as an apparently 18-year-old man, a teacher named Ramirez, played by Sean Connery, who teaches him what the rules of all this game are, and it introduces himself for the first time. And said teacher is dispatched by the movie's villain. Right. It's very, very dead. Very much like the Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi scenario. This, right. this character, Ramirez, trains Connor. Like gives him Obi-Wan. a magic sword. <laughs> right. He gives him the magic sword, the whole thing, and then he's cut down by the villain the of the movie. Kurgan. Again. It's a, it's like a Dickensian thing. Ramirez was dead to begin with. Yes. As dead as a doornail. That, that's yeah. a great, that would be a great opening to this movie. <laughs> yeah. This movie is also just like, if you're a fan of the original Highlander, and you're like, wait a minute, they're making another Highlander? Christopher Lambert's in it? Sean Connery's in it? It's the same director? Most of the same writers? It's like, you're going to be pumped to see this thing. Absolutely. So I can't as, imagine. As most of the European movie audience was, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> So this is just like the supreme disappointment (laughs) (laughs) that fans must have felt when this thing came out. And we should talk a little bit about like this. This movie definitely was a cult movie almost instantly. Like in America, it flopped. It did not do well. Uh, There were different cuts of this or not this movie, excuse me, the original Highlander. And I guess 20th Century Fox had the distribution rights. They kind of butchered the movie. And they really stitched it up with the advertising. Yeah. It's it's stunning. In some of the special features for this movie, they show it. It's actually kind of cool. The difference in advertisements between the U.S. release and the European release of the original Highlander. Yeah, let's uh, why don't we take a listen, actually, and uh, check out those differences. Fans was like a rock and roll concert. We came on stage with people screaming, running down the alleys, then the movie started, then we came back on stage afterwards, and I mean, it was a riot. Then I think it really hit us. We've been royally screwed by 20th Century Fox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was uh, producers Bill Panzer and Peter Davis talking about how they were screwed by Fox and that uh, the reception in France was awesome. Yeah, mm. and then at some point in the same feature russell mulcahy the director weighs in on the creepy creepy highlander ad and he's like he looked like a serial rapist yeah. <laughs> right yeah the uh, the ad in america was Connor mcleod just staring at the camera and it was it's yeah just, it's not good grainy yeah, grainy sweaty picture it's, it's like weird. a mugshot it's, yeah, yeah it's weird very strange and it's got like a small white text that's hard to read it's like the worst graphic design i've ever seen <laughs> uh, whereas the the, Fr- the french one it literally is just like here's like an eight foot tall like scottish man in a kilt this looks amazing like woo. so this movie didn't do well in america it was a big success overseas so a number of years later like five years later funding came in from the overseas markets and they were like we want a highlander sequel uh, so that's kind of where this all came from. Right. Uh, but of course, the first movie had a pretty finite ending. So the big challenge was how do we make a sequel to something that kind of didn't really warrant one? That was designed to be completely self-contained. The burdens of giving birth to a franchise are, I think, quite heavy. Because it seems to me that you must be true to the strength of the characters that you have created and the circumstances in which those characters are operating. 
it's vital that they continue to work. And also, like, the producers wanted Sean Connery in, like, a major role in the movie. Again. Yeah, it's like he has to be in there because the, he's the backers a wanted draw. him in it. Right. Yeah. Makes no sense. None of this makes sense. <laughs> uh, so I thought we could kind of maybe paint a little picture of, like, what the time period was like. We were all pretty young. I was myself seven years old and in, like, first grade when this movie came out. Wow. Uh, I, I was three. <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, I think we were probably in first grade as well. Yeah. Um, but just to kind of paint a picture of, like, the climate that this movie came out in. Well, I guess the Gulf War was ending. The first Gulf War, that is, for those younger listeners that don't remember. Uh, but also the, the, the birth the storm of, of the desert. Yes. Uh, the birth of the Internet happened in 1991. Was that, that the year Al Gore created it? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. To the, the, the World Wide Web, oh, as that's we... Right. Uh, no, and so that's a, a pretty momentous occasion. And the other big uh, event at the time was the collapse of the Soviet Union, hmm. which is big stuff. So big things happening in the world. And I think uh, like the original Highlander movie definitely has a lot of Cold War overtones. And I, I think in a lot of early 1990s cinema, you can see kind of a shift in the way things are portrayed. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting time, I think, in especially American cinema. Yeah. So. Yeah, so this like movie's an entire parable about the fall of the Berwyn Wall. Uh, oh boy, it isn't. It's not that. Oh, that's a good way to think about this, though. I like it. Now that the shield is the Berlin Wall, the shield little... is the Berlin Wall. Wow. We've re- we're breaking this case wide open. Oh man, bring down <laughs> that wall. And like you know, he used to be a freedom fighter, fighting that's against, true. fighting for the freedom of Zeist. We're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, but. we are. Uh, other things that were happening uh, at the time, just to paint the picture. Uh, the cost of gas was a dollar twelve a gallon. A pound of bacon cost dollar ninety five, and a dozen eggs were only eighty five cents. And of course, the American public were listening to bands like Nirvana, Teen Spirit. Yeah, man, is that what it smells like in here? Other popular songs that week were like Mariah Carey's "Emotions" or Princess Cream. Uh, other big uh, acts would be like the rise of uh, like Pearl Jam, uh, the grunge scene, grunge. Starbucks. Yep, Michael Jackson's "Black and White" came out in nineteen. It don't matter. <laughs> uh, That's a, a lot more popular than this unknown. Yes. This unknown version. It really does matter if you're black or white. It matters if you're black or white. There's a backlash against that. Yeah, that one wasn't so popular. <laughs> Let's talk about the people that made this movie. In our normal uh, episodes, we always kind of do a little IMDb recap of everybody. So oh, we, do we have about... an IMDb recap of the movie? Oh, <laughs> we do. Uh, so uh, let's talk about the director first. This movie was directed by Russell Mulcahy. He directed the original Highlander movie, and he's mostly famed for being uh, an early MTV music director. Music director? Music video director. Music video kind of inventing director. the genre. Right. Yeah. Of music. Um, and adventure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of music, Russell Mulcahy. That's right. And one interesting thing about him is he tried to get his name removed from this movie and yeah. replaced with the pseudonym Alan Smithy. This is Alan like the universal Smith. code for I don't want to be associated with this picture. Yeah. I was doing some research on Alan Smithy. Apparently it's not a pseudonym that's used anymore. I huh. didn't know that. The Wikipedia article said they stopped in 2000 allowing people to do it. I guess like the Writers Guild of America or Directors Guild. Said, like, so, like, no more. You got to eat it. Yeah, I guess so. Damn. So uh, there's some other famous Alan Smithy movies. Well, one of the most famous is Dune by David Lynch. Oh, which is I have a I would say a love hate relationship with that movie, but it's like I love David Lynch to the core, and that movie is kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah, it uh, is much like this movie in a way that like I don't think Russell McKay is a bad director, but things go wrong at every turn. Yeah. <laughs> Well, some of that's outside of his control, which yes. I'm sure we'll talk about later. Absolutely. Yeah. An interesting absence in this movie is Greg Wyden, who wrote the original screenplay for Highlander. And is the creator of the original concept. Yeah. 
who wrote the screenplay as a college student. Yeah. For the original Highlander. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was not involved in the sequel. I don't know if he was ever asked. Maybe we should try to ask him. Oh, that's an interesting question. Like if he just didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, I know he hasn't really had any involvement in Highlander yeah. since. Boy, is he missed in this. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's very clear because also the, well, we're about to talk about Peter Bellwood wrote the screenplay along with producer Bill Panzer. And he also wrote the screenplay for the original Highlander. Like they right. took Greg Wyden's original script and then I guess Peter Bellwood essentially doctored it and, you know, there's a lot of rewrites as these things go along. But it's really apparent how good Greg Wyden's concept and script was. Yeah. Because Peter Bellwood on his own is not, not hitting any home runs yeah. with this. Like, it is atrocious. Well, there are, like, tons of, like, jokes and, like, funny, and I put the, that in air quotes. He didn't actually because he's got a cup of coffee in his hands, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> the spirit was there. Don't don't lift the curtain, Kyle. <laughs> but we, we watched an interview with Bellwood before where he was, like, oh, saying, yeah. it's important, I think, that there are, like, there's humor in movies and right. we were kind of like really like in all movies all movies need humor like yeah. and i think he did that to the hilt in this movie i think bill panzer and him must have been friends as well peter bellwood wrote the screenplay for bill panzer's previous movie saint helens starring art carney Ooh. and so i've never seen it art carney of the star wars holiday special yes of that wow. <laughs> <laughs> of that of that fame also it's kind of weird this guy peter bellwood like highlander and Highlander 2 were, like, big movies. I mean, like, they spent money on these movies. A lot of money on this movie. He has, like, barely worked outside of this. So, like, I don't know how he met Bill Pant... Like, how his career really got started. Like, he's written two episodes of La Femme Nikita, the TV show, in 97. He wrote a movie in 2002 called Malevolent, starring Lou Diamond Phillips as a framed cop. And he also wrote recently a short film called Monster Butler. <laughs> which i will read the imdb description for because we always right like now, to get this deep into this. uh the true story of serial killing con man roy fontaine who cut a bloody swath through england and scotland hiring himself out as a butler robbing his employees and in some cases murdering them hmm. his killing spree included his hated illegitimate brother and five other people before he was finally arrested and sentenced to prison for life that IMDb description is written by Peter Bellwood. <laughs> Good job. Yep. I thought it was a biopic about the Adams Family Butler Lurch. Lurch. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually just a biopic of their counterparts in the Munsters. <laughs> <laughs> so who's in this movie, guys? Christopher Lambert. That's right. Back, baby. <laughs> As Connor McLeod. I guess his name is also Connor McLeod on the planet Zeist. <laughs> on the planet Zeist. <laughs> Does it make sense? In between Highlander and this, he did the movie Why Me, which I've really wanted to see. And that's with, like, Christopher Lloyd. Oh, and it's my like God. A, like a, a goofy detective movie. Or is it a... I think it's a goofy a heist, heist movie. movie. And that yeah. was written and directed by the guy who did, like, all the Police Academy sequels. <laughs> <laughs> the mark of quality. Sean Connery's back. Paid even more money for a, even less work. A cartoonish amount of money. I, what was it? Three, three million dollars. Or was it more than three? I, I thought, thought it was eight. three point nine. Oh no, I had three. Okay, but, let's go with three. Yeah, I don't know. That's whatever. a lot of money. Yeah, for yeah. six days of work. I think it might have even been less. That's astonishing. That's just ugh, criminal. So another thing was, I've read that Christopher Lambert did not want to do this movie unless 
Connery did it. Because they had such a good relationship from doing the Right, that they're like best friends. In the six days that they shot together in the last movie for a million dollars. Bringing Sean Connery back makes no sense. It's like baffling. Yeah, because again, he gets killed in the first movie. (laughs) Dead Uh, as a doornail. My notes here say Connery received 3.5 million for nine days of filming. And he he donated all his money to charity, which is Mm. good. Uh, But it also says that Christopher Lambert took all his money and invested it with some Argentinian businessmen who were running some sort of like Ponzi scheme and he lost all of it. What? (laughs) That's good. Maybe that's why everybody looks back in this (laughs) poorly. Christopher Lambert, what's he up to recently? We've seen him in Hail Hail Caesar, Caesar. which is a very good movie by the Coen brothers. But very recently, here's a new thing. We got to watch this, guys. He's been in a movie called The Broken Key. It's an Italian finance movie. Here's the IMDb description of this jam. In the near future, due to the effects of an uncompromising law on the eco-sustainability of supports, paper has become a rare item, a luxury possession, controlled by the Big Z Zimmerg Corporation. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it also starts the Zimmerg Bill- Corporation. <laughs> it also starts Billy Baldwin that's- and Michael Madsen. So oh, that's there, like my favorite faction in Starcraft. So so speaking of Madsons, Virginia Madsen. Madsen. Michael Madsen's sister's in this movie. Oh. Also, speaking of other movies with uh, Alan Smithy directors, she was one of the stars of Dune in 1984. Wow. <laughs> she, she can pick them. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> she does a good job, though. She's a swell looker. She's fine. Yeah, she's a does swell she do a looker. Good job? I don't, know I, don't she does. I don't think she's awful. I mean, like, I, I can look is. at Christopher Lambert in this movie and go, not doing a good job. Like, <laughs> I don't know. She's working hard. She's a good, good character actor. She's working hard with barely anything to work with. Uh, well, that's even, like, you got to separate those things. Because, like, you can only, the actor can only control so much. Mm. I think she's doing an okay <laughs> job with what she's working with. All right. And the first movie starred Clancy Brown as the villainous Kurgan. In this movie, we are treated to, well, I'll go out on a limb. Some people love Michael Ironsides. I will say... If Michael Ironsides is in a movie, I'm just like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> this, this movie will probably not be that good. I like Michael Ironsides. What? You're saying Karate Kid 4 is not a good movie? <laughs> uh. <laughs> what about Total Recall? <laughs> That's true. Or Skinner's. <laughs> <laughs> I like Top Gun. All, like all these movies. Starship Troopers. I like Starship Troopers. I think he's perfect in Starship Troopers yeah. because that movie's like, like he's the sort of actor. And actually, I think Total Recall's okay too because Total Recall's Total Recall's amazing. Yeah, what, very are you, like, what are we talking about? Total Recall is like, but those are like very campy movies. I right. guess like Total Recall and Starship Troopers. Well, are they the same director? Is that yeah? Both? Yeah, Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, yeah. I feel like his style, like he chews up the scenery. Like he feels sure. like a stage actor the way he's like so over the top. And I just like his normal speaking voice yeah. sounds like Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. Yeah, I just like, find him to be like so cartoonish that I feel like sometimes that his performances take me out of a movie. Maybe that's just me. I'll probably get a bunch of flack. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to respectfully disagree. Like, I remember when I was watching... Like with Michael Einstein's, you just know exactly what you're getting. Maybe that's it. I don't know. I remember watching uh, X-Men First Class. Did you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. I, in general, actually, I like that movie a lot. And then, like, he's a very small part in it as, like, a captain of a Navy vessel. Mm. And, like, the instant he shows up, I was like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> I was like, why is he in this movie? What's his mutant power? He did the voice of Darkseid on the DC animated universe. That's true. And it was great. Yeah. <laughs> Across from Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor. That's right. Uh, That's so cool. there's a pretty great quote from Michael Ironside about this movie. Let's mm. read it now. Yeah, listen, I hated the script. We all did. 
Me, Sean, Chris, we were all in it for the money on this one. I mean, it read as if it had been written by a 13-year-old boy, but I'd never played a barbarian swordsman before, and this was my first big evil mastermind type. I figured if I was going to do this stupid movie, I might as well have fun and go as far over the top as I possibly could. All that eye-rolling and foaming at the mouth was me deciding that if I was going to be in this piece-of-shit movie, I was going to be the most memorable fucking thing in it. (laughs) And I think I succeeded. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. He's working very hard in this movie. Also, he liked that he got to have hair in the movie. Right? He said he'd been bald since he was like... Really young, like 20-something. <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, Clancy Brown was, Brown was offered a cameo in this movie. Right, I read that. And said, no. No, yeah. thanks. Well, he was, like, going to be an assassin sent to Earth to, like, kill Connor, and that explains the first movie somehow. 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 Yeah. Uh, this movie also, in a small part, has uh, Alan Rich in it as Alan Naiman. Uh, he's his buddy. Another uh, great character actor. Yeah, he's in a bajillion TV shows. Uh, the thing I remember him recently in, he's the Holocaust survivor in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, oh God. It's, <laughs> uh, he, he's an actual Holocaust survivor, and he gets in an argument with a guy who was on the TV show Holocaust. Or, oh, on the TV show Holocaust. On the TV show Highland, Highlander. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Say words. On the TV show Holocaust. <laughs> he plays a Holocaust seems- survivor who gets in an argument with a guy who was on the TV show Survivor on who had a harder time. <laughs> <laughs> That's God. pretty funny. He seems drugged in this movie. <laughs> he, like, seems sedated. He's, like, performance is so, like, spaced out. And a, just a few other people in this movie. We got John C. McGee. Ginley, we all oh, know him. Dr. Cox. Dr. Cox is the sub-villain in this movie. He's, like he's, the, the, he's the B-villain. Yeah. yeah the, the B-plot villain. The mm-hmm. 80s, like, even though this isn't an 80s movie, like, the 80s businessman bad guy. Yeah. With the slick back hair. And the awful, awful 90s suits. Yes. Oh, yeah. God. His suits drive me insane in this movie. Yeah. Ugh. Doctor, it's, like, he, it's like watching a bad episode of The West Wing. He is my favorite part of this movie, by far. John's favorite part? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, I, like, as much as Michael Ironside says he, like, hams it up, and he does, I love the way John C. McKinley acts in this like he's so ridiculous like he cackles all the time he's he's absurd oh i'm done with yo yeah <laughs> it's so weird well we should talk about this later but which what which plot in this movie is the b plot <laughs> we'll get back to that but Very as we were trying to decide who's the real villain of this movie <laughs> and then finally two people pete aniko as corda Ugh. And Peter Bacosi as Reno. Boo. And these guys are, like, not really actors. They're stuntmen and stunt coordinators who have done work on, like, a ton of great stuff. Hmm. The guy Pete, who plays Corda, like, he did stunt coordination on Last Action Hero, The Rock, Ooh. Pearl Ooh. Harbor, uh, uh. the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Mm. Wait, uh, I thought you said great stuff. Oh, man. Well, that's, like, they <laughs> have big stunts. Uh, and then the other guy did stunts on Spider-Man, Men in Black 2, Catch Me If You Can, Captain America, Independence Day. Oh, that oh. guy got the good stuff. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Like, none of them, neither of them did stunts on this movie. They just were actors who, like, they didn't do the stunt coordination. What? Which is really weird. They probably they... should have. Yeah. <laughs> and boy, do I hate those two characters. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Uh, and then finally, we should just mention that Stuart Copeland of The Police did the music. Is the music the best part of this movie? I do not like the music. <laughs> so I didn't notice it, but I recognize the names that his name copeland and i was like what were you thinking of aaron copeland (laughs) aaron copeland (laughs) i was Uh, thinking of the stallone movie copeland oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right so guys our one of our favorite segments on the show is when we read the imdb episode description this one's a treat Ooh. in the future 
Highlander Connor McLeod must prevent the destruction of Earth under an anti-ozone shield. Huh? Anti-ozone <laughs> shield? What does that mean? I don't know. That's it. That means it's something that's protecting us from ozone. Wait, okay, read that one more time. <laughs> In the future, Highlander Connor McLeod must prevent the destruction of Earth under an anti-ozone shield. That's not what the movie's about. No, it isn't. Well, I guess, does this answer is what the a, or plot, the a or B plot is? I guess. I guess the ozone thing's the A plot? Yep. So nature is the villain of this movie. <sighs> <laughs> All right. Zeist. <laughs> this movie has two taglines, which they do not let you forget about the entire oh fucking time. Uh, and it's it's a kind of magic. The, oh my god! There's only one. There's really only one joke in this movie, and it's yeah. a permutation of it's it's a kind of magic. And then the other yeah. tagline was, "It's time for a new kind of magic." Ooh, Ugh. that's terrible. Connor says it's a kind of magic in the first movie once. It's one like time. it's practically a throwaway line, yeah. and I feel like the line. Has become more popular because Queen... it's said twice in that movie. Is it? Yeah, he says it to Rachel then when yeah. he saves her as a small child. Right. Connery, oh. Connery initially says it when he's explaining the game. No, isn't it? I think he says it to Rachel both times. I don't think Connery ever says it's kind of magic. I don't remember. I don't remember because I think that that's like the link between the two. Because I think he says it when he wakes up and after he saves her in World War Two. Yes, he says. And she's like, "Oh, how'd that happen?" And he's like, "It's kind of magic." And then when he's like saying his final goodbye to her on the elevator. Oh, you're right. He's like, oh, it's kind of magic. You're right. So that's like a link just for those characters. But anyway, I It's don't know. not like that big of a line where it needs to be said 72,000 times in this movie. No. <laughs> it's a lot. All right, guys. Are we ready to talk about this movie? Should we be... We should be clear that there are multiple cuts of this movie and which one we're going to be talking about. Oh, yeah. We did not even address this. We need to, we need to, we need to <laughs> hang a lantern on that in a big way. Okay. Yeah. So we got to talk more about the history of this movie before we talk about... I know you're probably sick of this after... 29 minutes. (laughs) We gotta talk about the history of this. So, the movie, this is how this went. The movie got taken over. It was being filmed in Argentina, and it got taken over by the Bond Company. Yeah. uh, Because it was running over budget, and it's because Argentina's economy was collapsing. Yeah. And And we're also at war with England at the time. Right. (laughs) Over the Falkland Islands. The British Empire being at stake. For what? Three rocks. Give it back. Give the rocks to the Argentinian. Who cares? There's nothing on these rocks. Not even a penguin. Fun. Fun, yes. Uh, So they also, like, they decided, the the movie had a budget of $30 million, and they decided. Which is an insane amount of money. Yeah. Yes, that is a lot of money. They decided it would be about, like, what was it, like 30% cheaper or something to film in Argentina as opposed to Hollywood. So they could get some, like. More bang for their buck. But I guess they did not anticipate that, you know, when you go to a country that does not have, like, the infrastructure of the Hollywood movie-making machine. Yeah. yeah that, like, which is, like, a, a whole self-sustaining industry in Hollywood right. full of, like, professionals and items that are expensive but available on demand. Right. So, like, the costume designer, like, is interviewed, and she says, like, we'd have to go to, like, thrift shops and all these places and, like, to get props and all this stuff. And it's, like, this is all available in warehouses to rent in L.A. Easily. And, like, they had to ship a ton of stuff down from America, like lighting and all this stuff because they didn't really have all the equipment in Argentina. And all the scaffolding was secondhand. (laughs) Apparently from, like, other countries. It was very rickety. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and, like, also the crews were not, like, used to, like, American shooting schedules. And, like, the whole thing just sounded like an unmitigated disaster from top to bottom. Yeah. So the Bond company eventually, like, shut down the picture and was like, we're taking over. The whole movie was not finished being filmed. Which is 
evident. Uh, yeah. So they take the movie back. They recut it themselves. Uh, like, there's big debate on, like, who's allowed in the cutting room. Russell really was not allowed to do anything. Like, he kind of lost control of this big time. Uh, and I think so did the producers, really. Um, yeah. So it was just about, like, churning this thing out and mm-hmm. we'll recoup our money. Luckily, um, I guess a, a British company stepped in and so the the version that got released in the uk is not the the release that we saw here in america peter davis and bill panzer actually put up like their own money to shoot a new ending which was their intended ending and we'll talk about that later mm. uh, but that's the version that got seen that's the only way you ever saw what it will be known as the fairy tale the ending. The fairy tale ending. <laughs> so yeah, we got this bizarre, Ugh. chopped up American yeah. cut, similar to what happened with the original Highlander. Britain got a slightly better version, um, but yeah, it really it's not a, a finished movie. And so then years later, Russell McKay like came four in. years later, yeah, uh, and he did a laserdisc edition of it, which was called the Renegade version, uh, which I don't understand why it's called that. Russell's a renegade, I guess man. so, and he's like. Blazing his own trail, redoing Highlander 2. Yeah. Badass. He recuts the movie, uh, adds some new scenes, uh, and the big change is they changed all the mentions of Zeist, which is the alien planet these immortals will come from in this movie. Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> they changed that to make it a bizarre, distant well, past. in the past. Like a right. technologically advanced ancient civilization that has been forgotten. Here's the other weird thing. This With some machine guns. Yeah. This movie's called Highlander 2, The Quickening. And in the, the Russell Mulcahy version, they never say The Quickening. They take out that subtitle. But in the movie, like, they never say it either. They maybe say it once, if that. It's insane. Really? I'm like, I, I remember Connery says I it. thought Connery does say it. Because he does it when they're doing the little finger the finger goop. I think they take it out. Interesting. I didn't notice that change. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's weird. That's even stranger still. <laughs> uh, so then a number of years even after that, in the, what, early 2000s, like 2003, maybe? Then they came up with another version, which was the Ultimate Edition or whatever. And Ooh. basically that was the Renegade version, for the most part. There's still a couple little changes, but with new special effects. They went back and redid basically every special effect in the movie, especially the shield effects, which desperately needed them. Desperately. Really what we're doing here is we're evening out everything and then we're adding to the movie inspirationally where we can really go well beyond where we even thought we could go in the original. The shield is now predominantly a 3D effect. 3D motion graphics didn't exist when we did this movie, not on a commercial level. So we cheated with a lot of, you know, real kind of liquid nitrogen and lasers and stuff. But now we can really control it, which will give it a tremendous amount more synthetic depth. What are we going to be talking about on this show? We decided we're going to talk about the original theatrical cut because I feel like that's what people saw. Like, if if Highlander was going to get soured for people, that's the thing that maybe did it to them. Like, that has a very strong reputation uh, as really fucking this up yeah that and like i don't know i think you kind of get one bite at this apple you know you get to release a movie once and like the improvements in the other one are cool and we'll get into them and like their effect on the overall quality of the picture but you have a premiere and that's like that's the show right you like stick the landing or you don't right so we're gonna be talking about that and we're also going to be talking about the ultimate edition which is basically what that uk version was and the renegade version with updated i mean like that's kind of the best the ultimate edition is the best this movie is ever going to get right with what they did yeah uh and then uh, the theatrical release is like the worst this movie is ever going to get yep uh so we're going to be comparing those two things like frankly it's amazing to think that it could have been worse like if they hadn't gotten the additional funds to like help recut it yeah Yeah. (laughs) although i'm like you know 
well, we'll talk about this, but this isn't a good movie any way you shake it. <laughs> no, not like, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, guys, how did you guys watch these uh, these two versions? I watched the theatrical version first, and then I watched the Ultimate Edition. I did that, and then I went back and had to watch the theatrical version again, because I, st- I just started to get internally confused about what was in what, because the Ultimate Edition also reorders a lot of things. Yeah. Like So a lot of footage that you do see in both versions, they're in wildly different places. So I just started to get fuddled. So I, it was kind of like a Ultimate Edition sandwich. Mm. Mm. Amen. And you watched it, I believe, in the reverse order? Yeah, I watched the Ultimate first and then the theatrical. And was that like a mindfuck? It was. <laughs> it was a little bit of a mindfuck. Because then I was like, wow, the Ultimate Edition is a lot better. And yes. I hated the Ultimate edition <laughs> yeah i guess that's that's interesting that like you probably had a worse reaction i found watching the ultimate edition i was like at every scene change and every special effect and every line change they had i was like oh that makes this so much better like yeah. i came yeah. away being like pretty positive like they did a very good job fixing a lot of stuff like because a lot of things were just like contradicting my notes like i have all these questions in my notes watching the original movie right and it's like those questions are answered in the ultimate edition because mm. like the ordering of the scenes fixes stuff. Yeah. And so I came away thinking the ultimate edition was like pretty okay. I think uh, I had a similar experience, but I think watching it first, you'd probably be like, wow, this is really terrible on its own. Yep. And then, cause then there's nowhere to go, but down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hard to imagine it being worse <laughs> until you see it. Yeah. Is it fair to say that if you're going to watch both of these, watch the theatrical version first, then watch the ultimate edition. It's hard. Yeah. Or if you're only going to watch one, watch the ultimate edition. Yeah. I, that, I feel like is that the fair comment. I and I would say the purpose of watching this movie, like if you're a diehard Highlander fan and you're like, well, what was this thing they tried to do, and you're really kind of interested in what story they wanted to tell, definitely watch the Ultimate Edition. But if you want to watch this, like just for shits and giggles, to be like, I want to watch a bad movie, and you know, I know this is a train wreck, then watch the theatrical one because like it's a, definitely more of a train wreck. Like you'll get more laughs, I think, out of the uh, the original cut. I kind of agree with that. Both of these movies are like bad. But they're, like, in that weird nether region of bad. <laughs> they're almost not bad enough to be, like, genuinely enjoyable at parts. It takes itself, like, a little too seriously. It's yeah. just weird. Well, I, actually, I was going to ask you guys this. Well, Highlander 2... we're all connoisseurs of bad movies. Like, oh, we, yeah. un- we all unapologetically love some bad movies. Like, some Killing American style. Like, serve it up. The Room. All that good stuff. Yeah. And this is, like, it's bad, to be clear. I don't know that I was, like, getting cut up by a lot of this stuff. Yeah, like, I find I watch Samurai Cop almost every year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would not watch this movie every year. No. Maybe if I was, like, hammered with a group of friends, that would be different, but... Are there any... I was thinking about this. Are there any, like, bad movies you, like, like... And I don't mean, like, bad movies like The Room or something or Plan 9 from Outer Space, but, like, movies that are genuinely disliked by the population or the critics that you just, like, want to go back that, you I don't know, have an affinity for. I think last week we talked a little about Hook. Oh, yeah. Uh, it has been a while since I've seen it. I love uh, Hook. A lot of people really hate I like it. I like it. I <laughs> like it. <laughs> I watched Hook, like, last year, and I was surprised how bad it was. Or how bad I thought it was. But I, I really liked it when I was a kid. Hmm. This actually made me think of the Joel Schumacher Batman movies. Oh, boy. Uh, when I was a kid, I really liked Batman Forever. And then I saw Batman Forever or Batman and Robin with my dad in the theater. Good God. And I was, like, kind of too old to do this. But, like, I was so mad when I left Batman and Robin. I was, like, crying because <laughs> I was so excited to see it. And it was so awful. Huh. But now that I'm older, I think Batman and Robin is the better movie. Really? Because it's that it sticks is... 
to its like it sticks to what it is, which it's is just, like which is what a campy like Adam West version of Batman set in like a today. neon gothic universe. Yeah. I don't know. If that movie has an identity crisis. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Batman Forever has an identity crisis. Batman and <laughs> Batman Forever. <laughs> Batman Forever is a half Tim Burton movie, half Joel Schumacher movie. Batman and Robin is totally joel schumacher they play it to the hilt like batman fights hockey players like mr freeze is <laughs> yeah. ridiculous like damage you know who killed the what killed the dinosaurs what's that the ice age uh, <laughs> so like that's like kind of a bad movie that i've grown to appreciate huh. because it's like it stays committed to what it's trying to do mm. whereas batman forever is like still tim burtony enough but sort of also joel schumachery which creates this weird juxtaposition yeah i, f- I feel like other i don't say bad movies just people people they don't like these movies i like the matrix sequels a lot of people oh, really <laughs> <laughs> i really like the whole matrix trilogy top to bottom the third one yeah yeah, I do. Ugh. It's my least favorite. I really like the second one. Yeah, I don't know. That's one of those movies that, for some reason, I'm into it. And also, not a movie. I really like the Sonic the Hedgehog games. Through and through. <laughs> yeah, that's Wait, a good, all that's a good follow-up. Kind of, like, it's the sort of thing like... Like what, the battle for the werehog? <laughs> like Highlander. Oh, yeah. It's like, if they release a new Highlander movie, I'm getting it. Like You know what I mean? Like It's like, I gotta see... Because I love the concept so much. I love the whole world. It's like, oh man, like I gotta see Highlander two. I gotta see Highlander three. There's a Highlander three. Like I know two was terrible. Maybe three's gonna be okay. Oh, there's a fourth one. Like the other ones weren't too hot. I'm still on this train. Like <laughs> I feel like I'm that way with Sonic the Hedgehog. Like there's you're a- always on that train. Yeah, it's like new Sonic game. Sign me up. Like I'm ready uh, to go. That's how I'm approaching it. Kyle, what do you got? I don't know. The thing that kept popping in mind is I fucking love Street Fighter. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> I legitimately like it. Oh, I mean, because it's a I, bad movie. Like it is a bad movie. I could watch that movie anytime, though. <laughs> it just kills me. For me, it was Tuesday. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, Raul Julia's performance in that movie is just spectacular. Also, like, you came here expecting <laughs> to find a man, and instead you found, found a god. A god? <laughs> <laughs> also, there's no street fighting in that movie. Not a bit. Zilch. Actually, no. There's a little bit of street fighting in the beginning. There's like a cage fight. Which is interrupted by Guile crashing, crashing through through. In, a, in a tank. Yeah. <laughs> also, the only American character in the movie is played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Very and there's good. a stealth boat. I don't know. Something about that movie. It's great. It works for me. I, I don't know why. I saw that in the movie theater with my dad after my mom forbade me to see it. <laughs> why? Because there's too much street fighting? Yeah, I guess. Interesting. <laughs> I think she thought it was Mortal Kombat. This is the one where you Hadouken. Yeah. <laughs> mom... <laughs> I am a diehard Highlander fan. I love Highlander so much, and I am a huge fan of this podcast, de facto, because I'm a member of it. How can I show my support and get some really cool shit in the process? Oh, there is one really great way you can support this podcast and support your love of Highlander by heading on over to our Facebook page and picking up a set of our awesome new Highlander magnets, uh, which are available for the price of $25 plus shipping and handling. What do you get for that amazing price? It's an awesome collection of five magnets featuring all your favorite characters. We've got Duncan McLeod, Amanda, Joe, Mythos, and a really cool alternate 1600 Scottish Highlands McLeod. Awesome. Eamon, who made these things? Like, what awesome artist somewhere made these things? 
It was me. Yay! Oh. I made them with the help of you guys and Davis Panzer Productions. Definitely. These are fully authorized Highlander merchandise from the Highlander Rewatch podcast. Yeah. Uh, and if you're an international listener, we can ship these internationally now. Uh, so don't buy them from our Facebook page, but head over to Etsy.com and just search for Highlander Rewatch. And if you place your order through Etsy, we can ship anywhere in the world. Well, I pretty much wherever Etsy can ship, wherever FedEx or whoever's going to ship it can ship. We can't we can- ship to the planet Zeist. Nope. Though. No shipping to Zeist. <laughs> All right, we definitely have to get into this movie now. So, because it's been 42 minutes, <laughs> how does this movie open? We open on a red screen. It's August 1999. And then they party like it's 1999. 1999. Uh, so there's a like voiceover talking about what's going on in the future. Should we listen to like this? This is what sets the stage for the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. No one ever knew we were among you. <laughs> Until now. Until now. This one is not recorded in a bathroom, so far as I can tell. Good morning. Today's top story is the ozone layer. It continues what? to disintegrate, <laughs> taking what? with it our protection from the sun's rays. The White House today declared a state of national emergency. The president urged all Americans to be prepared. Too dangerous, they say. Have the harvest of my state. Damage is what he can find. This is dead to quite an obvious. In Africa, where shelter from the sun is almost non-existent, the dead and dying number in the millions. So. The sun is murdering people. And we're... This, this is like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And we get this big shot of, like, all these people in hospital beds dying. Only a few months now until the ozone layer is completely Solar gone. Solar radiation. A team of international scientists led by Dr. Alan Naiman and supervised by Connor McLeod work around the clock. And this yeah. may be the last so, chance for planet Earth. So to be clear, in the original movie, he was like a barbarian turned antiques dealer. And now he is apparently supervising a team of scientists that are planning to build a shield to prevent solar radiation from killing people. And they all wear goofy goggles and like but none of them like are wearing the goggles. They they're, all have they to hold holding them up. <laughs> Do they not fit? What's going on here? <laughs> they just think they're all being cool. <laughs> The gabs could be like hold it up, be real cool, like. And McLeod is with this Alan Naiman guy, and they're hugging in this whole scene. <laughs> this yeah, hugging it out, constantly patting each other on the back. The they, bromance is strong. They like walk to like the little opening in the base, like hugging each other, <laughs> like they're holding each other <laughs> as they walk. To, I was like, what? They're just super glued together. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? This so, is insane. <laughs> it's a bond of science, bro. So they're about to light it up. Light it, it up. They're gonna light up these. They can spark the this shield. The shield thing. So yeah. in the voiceover, it says the power stations from around the world, they're ready to receive. Like, we're ready to receive their power. Yeah. So I guess these power stations from everywhere are going to send their power to this thing. They're going to turn it on. Uh, so they're like in this A-bunker. A-bunker? A-bomb bunker looking they're thing? They're in this A-bunker. Uh, and so they put on these goggles for these, thi- these things to, to like light up and I, the yeah. whole time i was thinking it's like hold on does everyone in the whole world need to put on goggles because i feel like everyone is blinded right now like yeah why or are they staring at the actual shield generator i, I think guess the- isn't the shield generator in the middle of the city I, it's hard to tell uh, it's hard to tell right that's a problem be, this- why would there be a bunker in the middle of the city yeah. i don't know why do they need to be in a bunker in case it explodes i don't know i don't know oh, yeah maybe that's it also, you keep on saying a bunker. Are we talking about Archie Bunker? Yeah, that's yeah, it, it. Is, it is. That's actually <laughs> this entire podcast is about Archie Bunker. Yeah. So. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise! Can we talk a little bit about ozone depletion? No. Yeah, sure. 
So I was just thinking about this because, like, ozone depletion is not really something we talk about anymore. It used to be a big deal, like, I guess in the 90s. Well, yeah, this is yeah. – it's a fairly topical thing for this movie to cover, I guess. Like, yeah. ish. Well, this is when all those laws, I feel like, were being passed. Like, I remember being a young kid in, like, kindergarten and first grade, like, when this movie came out. And, like, us having, like, lessons about, hey, aerosol cans are bad and, like – if you're going to buy aerosol, make sure to look on the back of the thing to make sure it uses, like, you know, the right chemicals. No CFCs. Yeah. Because uh, chlorofluorocarbons are the main Right. And I don't think that, most of that stuff exists in a lot of our products anymore. It essentially doesn't. Right. Like, and most of it was, like, the a huge portion of it was made illegal in, like, 1985. Okay. Like, by, like, a multi-nation compact. So it's, like, the mm. Vienna Compact. So, like, this problem was already being, like, it was, like, well on its way to being fixed. Like, they think with the laws currently in place, like, by, like, 2060, we'll be, like, pre-80s level of Hmm. ozone depletion. So it's just kind of funny that, like, this is a problem that's, like, I'm not going to go as so far as to say it's been solved, but, like... This entire movie, which essentially takes place in our past now, is about a problem that no longer exists because people just, like, fucking stopped using hairspray. From my own recollections of my youth, I still feel like the recycling movement, like, Earth Day was a big thing. But I don't know. Or maybe that it was a leftover thing. Like, that our Earth Day stuff dealt with a lot of these issues as well. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I still remember hearing about ozone stuff, like, into the late 90s. Yeah. Like, 1985, I was one. (laughs) Right. Now I don't have that good a memory. I was negative three. So, you know. (laughs) Why is this your idea for a sequel to Highlander? This, like, science fiction y ozone shield thing? Good question. Including, well, like, we haven't even been introduced to the alien thing. It's one of those things that, like, why is this movie in the future? That alien plot, why isn't that just in 1988? Right. Like, you could have that plot at any point. Yeah. Literally any point. Yeah. And it would be okay. Like, it does not, like, we're getting too complicated. Like, this is when sci-fi or fantasy movies start to like just mishmash stuff it's like oh like uh, the suspension of disbelief that they're immortal that's a big thing and it's like okay i'm with you it's like oh but they're also like it's also a sci-fi thing oh okay and it's also like an environmental movie it's like oh uh, like uh, uh, okay like, what <laughs> yeah. is the what is this movie about it's like highlander was like a noir movie and a fantasy movie and maybe a science fiction movie no i don't even think the sci- I don't even think I don't the sci-fi think, comes I don't, in like yeah. noir I'd say fantasy. noir fantasy. Yeah. yeah. And the noir elements just come about, like, by the way, it's like film. It's like, like just it's stylistic. Just, yeah. yeah. Well, which I mean, is great. Which helps, like, that movie which so helps, much like, character. The, the... Yeah. yeah. This is getting into a bigger discussion, but I feel like that's a problem with all the subsequent Highlander movies is, like, they all become science fiction movies in a way. In a huge way. Yeah. And I'm like, that was never, like, really the core. Yeah. Like, all these goofy technological characters and alien planets, it's like, already, it's just like, what? Right. This is kind of weird. Guys, I mean, obviously, he's the Highlander because he's from the Scottish Highlands. Um, How much Scottish Highlands do we see in this movie? (laughs) Zero? Zilch? Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, my. Uh, So, I have a couple questions about this, like, shield scene. Because as Mm -hmm. we eventually see in the future, everything's dark. I had questions. Is the shield blocking out the sun? Because in, in some scenes of the movie and dialogue, I feel like that's what's going on. But then in other scenarios, I feel like they are hyping up this, like, it's drained, like, the world's power is going to this. So I'm like, oh, is the world dark because, like, we don't have enough electricity? Like, it's just dark because there's no lights anymore. There's a scene where Sean Connery's in Scotland, and it looks like it's daytime. Yes, and I can't tell if that's... Sh- intentional or just yeah. error. <laughs> yeah. But every... also, Scotland looks pretty nice, by the way, compared to whatever city this is. Yeah. It's bizarre. 
It's super bizarre. Bizarre. How bizarre. All right, so the shield activates. We've saved the planet. They'll remember this day for a thousand years. 25 years later. No. Right. (laughs) It sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I guess, oh, we should talk about the very first difference in the other cut is this opening is non-existent in the... We get like directors. Yeah, we get like in the first Highlander, we get like a longer text, not a scroll, but like text on the screen. Yeah. Saying it's 2024 and there's a shield and a small group believes the shield isn't needed. And then we're at an opera. (laughs) Right. So this basically cuts forward to where the opening credits in the original movie start. Like there's like a a big uh, like pre credit sequence, I guess, in the theatrical cut. And yeah, it does not need to be there at all. So anyway, we're 25 years later and Connor is driving around. Old man Connor. Old man at this point, he has not discovered his old man voice and is still using a relatively normal speaking <laughs> voice. He sounds much like himself. Yeah. His accent in this entire movie is great. He's <laughs> glorious. I want to bring up his age real quick. Connor McLeod. Well, he's immortal, right? Yeah. Well, no. Nope, nope, nope. Okay, nope. so he's an old man. So he's aged, I guess, after the first movie. He's given up his mortality. So following the events of the first movie, he was supposed to be 18 years old when he died. Uh, granted, that's pretty young. I mean, Christopher Lambert did not look 18 no. in that movie. But let's let's go by that and say he was supposed to be 18. Then this movie starts in 1999. Mm-hmm. So when he creates the shield, he's 32 years old. Mm-hmm. And then 25 years later after that, in 2024, he will be 57. And he talks like this. <laughs> yeah, and he it's looks like, 80. Yeah, he looks <laughs> he's so hobbling old. around. Yeah. Like, he looks like a nutty professor character. Like <laughs> Eddie Murphy's Is Eddie Murphy's best character. Nutter, nutty professor the clumps. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, so like, this is like Lambert's like Eddie Murphy role. Actually, Lambert, all those IMD credits we read before are lies. Lambert plays every character in yeah. this movie. <laughs> <laughs> in various degrees of makeup. He looks like Vigo from... Uh, Ghostbusters 2 also. <laughs> yeah, he totally does. Yeah. Guys, only a Carpathian yeah. would choose now and choose Argentina. <laughs> Carpathian 2, the Carpathianing. I don't know. <laughs> so Connor is in his VO. He's like, 25 years ago, it was our savior. Now no sun, no stars. Ugh. It drains the energy from the whole world. We're going backwards. And uh, so he's looking out the window and we see scenes of like, I guess, terribleness. Yeah. Right? Like there's homeless people. Right. There's got, there's a bunch of guys huddled around this weird machine, like sucking something in. I couldn't figure that out until, until, cause until, until the, the, yeah, the special edition. Right? Yeah. Like expounds yeah. on that. And it's like an oxygen machine. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's actually the movie Spaceballs. Yeah. yeah. He has the can of fresh can air. Of air. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this, this oxygen machine, like that raises all sorts of like, the, I don't know. Like, what why? is going like, on in this world? Like, are they supposed to establish that like you have to pay for oxygen? I don't Which know. Which doesn't make sense because they're all breathing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or that's like the good stuff, and it comes out of like a dirty a, gas station it looks, pump. Like, it, yeah. it looks like a Dalek. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just put your mouth on that, and yeah. uh, and one of the scenes that was cut in the American version that's expounded upon in the special edition is like all this depravity and terribleness he sees. <sighs> is there is another instance of sexual assault? Yeah, yeah. They, had, they they felt the need to. It wasn't in the first movie. They had to insert it into yeah. the recut. We right. really need to get this scene in the movie. Yeah, there's like some pre- passed out woman being like fondled by like a vagrant. Yeah, and it's like and like boobs are out and everything. And it's, it's like really real random. And yeah, 
so strange. No need. For and also, that. Connor doesn't like stop to help. <laughs> he's <laughs> yes, just driving by. He just, like, drives by. He just drives by and is like. Neh. So I have another question about this bizarre world they're setting up. So Connor also We're world says, building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says as they're driving around, he's like. There's old cars, old planes, like, and I'm like, why? why? Like, this this movie, again, has this bizarre identity crisis, and they've given it this, like, retro feel, yeah. I think, just because of Tim Burton's Batman. Batman. Absolutely. Also, yeah. That's what we're, we're going to talk about time. later. Like, I feel like this movie statues. has no voice to itself and is purely a bunch of cobbled together influences from other stuff. And I feel like this retro thing is this attempted doing kind of like a tim burton noir like first gotham city designs like aping that but yeah it's like old cars old planes and it's like again i was like why is it like i think he in the context of the movie we're supposed to believe it's because the shield cannibalizes so much of the earth's resources it's like locked it in time i have that written down as well it's like maybe we're not making new cars or anything but it's like why are all the cars from the 40s why aren't all the cars from the 80s 80s. like (laughs) like it's it still doesn't make sense in that respect but why even mention it it's just like that's the aesthetic of this movie all the cars Cars look like this. The planes look like this. Just cause, like I guess, yeah. Nobody cares. In in Batman, that doesn't make any sense. Why any? Like everybody still wears hats. It's nineteen like eighty. There's like kind of computers in yeah. Batman, but I think it works great because it gives it does. this weird other. It's like I don't know what time it is ever. Right. Like it's maybe that's, it's in the forties. Maybe it's fine. in nineteen ninety five. So just don't bring it up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's actually the deleted scene from the original Batman. Yeah. Knox and Vicky Vale have a long conversation about the aesthetic of Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> well, we still wear hats because of the ozone depletion. And <laughs> <laughs> this movie should have been called uh, Highlander 2, Don't Bring It Up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, so then a TV comes on in the car. For more exposition. Yeah, so, so like, the entire movie to now has been exposition also it's been an hour and we've talked about two minutes of this movie so like okay okay good evening and welcome to trc's nightly report today the shield corporation the world's largest private company was accused of monopoly and price fixing alan Naiman, president of tsc was unavailable for comments at its regular monthly report the shield corporation announced record profits for its fiscal year in november 2024 and now for the weather. The temperature 97, with humidity constant at 97. No rain, no clouds, no thunder, no lightning, no nothing. As usual, under the shield. So, so <laughs> the shield has just, like, prevented all weather, I guess? Is that... I don't know if that's how that can work. But it's humid under the shield, apparently. Could you really have, like, the planet Earth without rain? No! I don't <laughs> think so. I'm pretty sure the entire Earth dies. But, yeah. like, this doesn't really make any sense. I mean, I guess whatever. The don't big idea is there's it. a shield. <laughs> right. I, I like the fact that they give a weather report, by the way. Well, why would they? And, be- he, and he's like, same as it every, is every day. It's like, then why are you talking yeah, about why, it? Like, why say this? <laughs> just, it's just a reminder of how shitty your existence yeah. is. You're bad and you should feel bad. This yeah. is the weather report. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Connor has a TV in his car, so. That's this really cool. is the future. Yeah. Which he's watching as driving. <laughs> yeah, driving. So which is it? Is it the future or isn't it? <laughs> Have we stopped making cars? Because, like, I don't remember those TV cars. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess Alan is the president of TSC. The, the Shields Corp. Corp. Mm-hmm. Terrible, 
terrible, terrible. But I guess he's unavailable for comment because they're accused of price gouging. Price fixing. Oh, price fixing. Okay. Which I have a lot of questions about. Talk to me. So how can you be accused of price fixing if you have no competitors? Right. The entire point of price fixing is that you're engaged in collusive behavior to fix the price, basically to agree with your competitors that we will charge X amount such that it's like an anti-competitive scheme that defrauds consumers because normally competition would force the price down and you just agree that you're not going to allow that to happen. Mm. That's the point of like price fixing and antitrust stuff. Is there like another shield corp down the street and they like all shook hands and were like, you know what guys, let's not charge for the shield anymore. <laughs> like let's, uh, let's stop undercutting each other. Like you'll just control the Argentinian market. I'll just control the North American market and it'll all be copacetic. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> it is not also, correct. Also, can you turn off like, parts of the shield like what if they don't pay like okay we're gonna turn off this part of the shield over like your part of the planet that doesn't make sense yeah i want to get into how the shield turns off later because yeah. i have a lot of questions about that too yeah uh, i also have a question that like alan Naiman they say is the president of shield corp it's like i thought he was just like a scientist and i guess he's now like a big wig okay that's fine i guess I've, i'm left with big questions about like why isn't mcleod involved anymore mcleod was the alan's boss. he was supervising it yeah yeah i don't i don't know oh, no, i think alan was the the head of it alan's the lead scientist but oh. supervised by connor mcleod i don't i don't know it's just kind of weird it's like alan's still involved but connor isn't for some reason i guess okay which isn't explained. Right. <laughs> also, yet more questions. Why is this organized into a corporation? Why is this a private entity doing this? Why wouldn't, like, the government be running, of somewhere, be running this thing? How did any private funding entity, like, come up with the money to fund something like this? Like, there's a reason why, like, all these utilities are, like, I, no, I'm baffled by no. this. And I think it's just like another like generic sci-fi theme of like, oh, in the future, corporations run wild, which is like, you know, your generic mm. right. like steampunk, well, not steampunky, yeah. like cyberpunky, ghost in a shell kind of plot Yeah, that would be kicking around in this time. But it's just like, this is not an enterprise that would have been taken on by a private industry. It just wouldn't be. Yeah. And All also these- like the, the world governments wouldn't just like not test for things. It's just bizarre. It's so yeah. strange. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem like this is like a money making venture unless they can like turn off parts of the shield. If it takes the energy from all over the world and they're a private company, how are they getting it? Does that mean that there's a whole separate system of like private power companies? Like that means like Pico and PGW and all these companies still exist and I guess are selling their energy to the Shield Corp, who then turns around and sells Shield services to the rest of the world? Like, yeah, maybe. Or is it just all like, a, <laughs> yeah. or is it all just a massive anti-competitive, vertically integrated scheme where they control all energy production on the Earth? I don't know, but that's insane. Kyle, you bring up a good point about like how, like, why wouldn't the government run this? I didn't think about that. Uh, it's funny that you you thought of it, but uh, but I <laughs> it's mean, like, why you keep this, me around? This movie is full of these sort of moments, and I feel like, like I feel like with any of these things, like the the right answer, maybe not the right answer, is like, well, it's just a movie, right? Fine, but like, there's you can't two, go to that well that often. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing is like, there's so many tiny little things that are like head scratchers in this movie. It's like, oh, wait, what? And it's like those all come together, and it's like you kind of just can't say. That's uh, just a movie. Because yeah. at every turn, ah, I, you don't know what to make of this. Well, and it's not Highlander. When I think of Highlander, I don't want to think about, like, <laughs> where's the government? <laughs> like, <laughs> and there is no government in this movie aside from the mention of the president in the opening scene. Right. Like, 
There's no government presence or like we there, see some there, cop cars. There's some cop cars that get blown up. Yeah, that's <laughs> but about then, it. like the Shield Corporation also operates its a own prison, prison and yeah. it has its own private security force. The Mighty Max Prison. That's right. So, guys, we have made it pretty <laughs> not very far into this movie, uh, but time is running out for this episode. Uh, mm. We obviously have a lot more to say. How many parts do you, do you guys do you want to do an over under right now Ugh. on how many you think we're gonna get? <laughs> At this rate, all right, six. I'm I'm going with six. Sorry, Vince. <laughs> uh, I created to be on the safe side templates for eight episodes. Oh. Amen. I'm going to say seven. Wow. We'll see. No no one was going less than six. Wow. I know when we were planning on this, we were like, this, this won't be more be than two three. episodes. <laughs> two <Yeah>. episodes. <laughs> There's just so much like, what? Stuff to unpack. Yeah. And it's really just a question of how much do we want to unpack any of it. Well, guys, we usually like to play a little game on this show. So I think it's time for game time. Time what, what, for what, game what time. What time is it? All right, so welcome to our game portion, and we're going to play It's a Kind of Clue. So, Kyle and Eamon, you're going head-to-head in this. I'm going to give you each a sack of cards, which have a bad sequel on it. Ooh. So, we're, we're this, this game is themed for bad sequels, uh, and you need to get the other person to guess the name of that bad sequel. Uh, the rules are, though, you cannot tell them the movie that it's a sequel to. Uh, so if it's Back to the Future 2, well, which is not a bad sequel, it's a great sequel, uh, the clue cannot be sequel to Back to the Future 1. That is not allowed. You have to describe the movie or people in it or the plot or whatever it is. So you're going to have uh, one minute to do this. There's going to be five clues. And you're trying to get the sequel or the original? The sequel. You're trying to guess what the name is on the card, which are all bad sequels. Yeah. Okay, and so you're going to try to get Eamon to guess. Okay. On your mark. Gets it. Go. Keanu Reeves movie, he had to make a bus go really Fast. It's just related. Speed two. Cruise control. Uh, okay. He swings. He's a superhero. Fights Doc Ock. Uh, Spider-Man two. The other one. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man two. No, no, the, the worst sequel in that trilogy. Spider-Man three. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Staying alive. Uh, Saturday yeah. Night Fever two. Uh, go Three two. Uh, okay. Another superhero movie. Or just the Kryptonite. Superman Returns. Superman 2. Of the original Chris Reeve ones. Uh, Superman 2? There's uh, only the so many numbers. Three. You've Superman got the right three? tagline, but the wrong number. 4, 5. Superman 5. Superman nope, before four. that. Superman 4. <laughs> What's the tagline? Uh, the Quest for Peace. There you go. Damn. <laughs> Did I make it? You got them all under the wire, and we gotta nice. get rid of this cat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Eamon, you are up. Get the clock ready. All right. Ready, set, go. Uh, there's a snake with an eye patch. And Anaconda, he, he's too? Escaped. Uh, does that count? Did I ruin it? Um, he's running oh, away. Oh, Escape from L.A.? Yes. Uh, 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 Shia LaBeouf is this guy's son, and there is a skull I fucked up again. <laughs> and, uh, uh, an explorer, an archaeologist. Oh, is, uh, uh, Indiana Jones 4. Yes. Crystal Skull. Yes. Uh, I was just talking about this. I like this more than this movie forever. Uh, oh, I Batman and Robin. Again, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> John Belushi... Uh, is not in this movie. Blues Brothers 2? Yes. Blues Brothers uh, in the year... 2000? Yes. Congratulations, guys. There's no one more. No. Oh, is there? Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I 
could see it. Uh, this one has Jamie Kennedy in it. Uh, he's the son of Jim Carrey. Uh, Liar. And he puts on Dumb a... Dumber? <laughs> he puts something on his face and it makes him wacky and magical. Oh, Mask to son of the mask? Yes. Okay, this is a game that legitimately neither person can really win, but, but definitely... definitively Eamon lost. <laughs> Eamon, I think you said the name of the title in almost every single one I of your I didn't say clues. the name of the title, I just said part of the name of the yes. title. Yes, yeah, I think that's fair. There's a skull, oops, uh, <laughs> he puts on a mask. <laughs> I didn't say mask. Oh, I thought you did. No, I said something about Oh, you said face. he's the son of someone. I said... He's the son of someone. Yeah. Oh, I did say that. Damn it. God. Damn it. Sorry. Very I good, suck. guys. <laughs> so, we are really getting into the meat of things now. It's the opening credit sequence. Uh, yes. <laughs> episode two, we're getting into the opening <laughs> credit sequence. <laughs> oh, we're the heroes you deserve. So, let's talk about how this all shakes down. This feels very much like to me. Also, I just want to mention, like, this movie also, it has all these influences from other movies. Uh, but it also takes, like, a bunch of influences from Highlander 1. A lot, yeah. Uh, which I don't entirely mind. Like, it's not like I feel like it's not like ripping. You can't really rip yourself off in this way. Sure. Like, I feel like it's trying to create some sort of visual continuity between the two movies. Because uh, it's another big like crane or sky cam thing yeah. of a crowd. This time right. at an opera, as opposed to well, a, first a wrestling they, match. They, they zoom in on the opera, which is just labeled opera. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. this like this in giant neon letters. It's this like reminded me of the silver of cup. operas. Yeah, uh, this reminded me of the silver cup sign, though, like this big red neon sign. Mm-hmm. It just reminded me of that in the first movie. But yeah, we get into the opera. It goes into the O. It's actually this is like clever. It goes into the O of the opera and then out of the O of a woman's mouth who's singing. Like her. yeah. Her lips. Uh, and she cannot lip sing at all. Nope. That's the thing that kills me. Is also, <laughs> especially in the extended cut, they show a lot of this opera. Spoiler alert. The, I think this opera scene and like the way it's shot, at least, might be the best part of this movie. This opera scene is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And like, the sh- like these like giant swooping crane shots and the costuming's incredible. And it's like some Wagner going. And it's all very cool. Yeah, this is a legit. This also is the mirror image of the opening scene in the first movie, where it's the wrestling match, yeah. right? And it and it like accomplishes the same thing. Like in the first movie, Connor's at a wrestling match and he sees these like kind of violent images, and it triggers like flashbacks, and then mm-hmm. we get to see him in Scotland in battle. Yeah, uh, and this is doing the same thing. He's seeing this opera unfold and the drama, and then he's flashing back to. A very different sort of yeah. past or whatever. We'll talk about that. It's, but yeah, this scene is fairly significant. The opera he's watching is Wagner. It's Gotterdammerung. And this is part of, it's called the, the Ring Cycle. Uh, so it's a set of four operas. It's basically the Lord of the Rings. That's what this is. Uh, and it's based on old Norse mythology. And Gotterdammerung, the finale of this Ring Cycle. Uh, but Gotterdammerung means the fall of the gods. And it's like, cool, we've got like neat thematic material here. Like, I'm way on board this opening. Like, if somebody was like rebooting Highland like when we did our reboot contest like this is a fantastic opening i think to set the stage for the drama that could unfold yeah and also like just some real subtle things that are in this scene that i kind of like that in a less ham-fisted more well thought out movie would have been really stellar bits of world building rather than having like these hooligans like with a fucking air machine <laughs> like the fact that they're in this opera it's this kind of beautiful building but like the roof is leaking parts of the seats are covered up by like plaster tarp right like these like kind of subtler elements of showing the way the world has fallen as opposed to yeah also if it can't rain how's the roof leaking 
Whole separate question. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. I just got a bunch of lead I pipes. didn't <laughs> even think about that. But wow. yeah. notwithstanding, <laughs> this is oh my God. a fantastic opening Especially, shot. And I just love the, like, the, the sprawling shot of it. And I just can't awesome. understand. They spent so much time, effort, and money making this a cool shot. How do they not get someone who could convincingly lip sync this opera? Well, yeah. you know what's also crazy is that the costume designer, she said she was kind of like getting overwhelmed with like the stuff she had to do. And then was like, now we have to do this like whole opera production. And it turns out this Argentinian opera company had all this stuff and so and these are real opera. These are real opera yeah. costumes, and these costumes are awesome. They're and amazing. like, I yeah. don't know if these are the real opera singers or not, or I don't know if it's just the way the sound got mixed that it looks like it's terrible lip syncing. Yeah, I don't know. I can't figure it out. Or they're actors playing opera singers. I think at least the the person that we're complaining about, the woman who kind of kicks off this scene, I would be shocked if she was an opera singer. Hmm. Just because the way she's moving her mouth doesn't look to me like someone who's belting anything. Yeah. Hmm. Like, her mouth motions are, like, way too subtle and, like... I just want to point out, like, in the Renegade version, this opening, like, really mirrors the original yes. movie. Yes. In the and, Renegade cut, it's, it's even better. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, this is kind of awesome. I feel like it kind of loses some of its awesomeness when we finally get to McLeod and he's asleep. <laughs> his, right. Like... like, this entire thing is this exciting thing that has triggered a flashback, and his reaction to that insane flashback is he's asleep yeah or is he supposed to be dreaming about it i thought he was dreaming about yeah it, but that's that is kind of weird it's so odd yeah yep. i was, i just want to mention again this like this goder damarong thing like the fall of the gods and just what a sad missed opportunity like there's a lot of these there's elements in this movie and we had complaints about that i think in the original but i think it works better like this idea of oneness in the like there were these themes that were set up and in most cases, we just didn't think they utilized those themes to the fullest. And this is one of those. It's like the opera they're watching could just be the movie. Like that could be just a microcosm of like, guess what the plot of this movie is? This opera. Because that's like a pretty common storytelling technique to kind of show something, a, a play or, you know, reference a book. And it's like, oh, it turns out that's what this story is going to be about. And the fall of the gods? I don't know if that's what this movie's about. It doesn't seem like it to me. No, I guess like they're banished. We're about to get into a flashback in which... There's a banishment. Yeah, I guess, I that, guess that's, is that the that's banishment a... from Valhalla? Maybe? I get yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about it. Theatrical cut. This triggers a flashback to... The Seist! Pl- yeah. The like, he turns Christ. and he's, like, in, like, a kind of Middle Eastern-looking garb. He's got, like, a Lawrence of Arabia kind of look. Yeah. Hold on. There's also a voiceover that happens here because Ramirez is talking to Connor. Yeah. Remember, yeah. Highlander. Remember. You're home in another galaxy. <laughs> I remember. I remember. And then I we remember. Cut. Good God. This is so confusing. Remember your home. And like all these men are coming together to meet in like the ship from Firefly. Yes. Yeah. It's like a tube or something. Yeah, some like sort a, of down ship. The planet Zeiss looks kind of cool, I thought. Like it's a weird desert planet. There are like weird statues, like huge statues. Yeah. Th- this isn't bad yet. Then no, I mean, like, tube and then- I'd say overall, this movie has, like, pretty okay visuals. Like, yeah. sometimes they get a little muddled, like, well, we'll talk about, like, the Skateboard Brothers and all that stuff. But, like, <laughs> no. uh, but I mean, like, I think the costuming in this movie is, like, the Zeiss costumes are all, like, pretty cool. They're pretty good. Yeah. yeah. They're interesting. Uh, also, in the Renegade version, have we heard Connor speak yet? No, right? Oh, no. I they took out that voiceover. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so he hasn't said a word yet. Something interesting. Right. You're in for a treat. <laughs> So when he said, like, remember your home, my initial thought, I was, again, like, I'm always trying to put myself in the position of, like, if you didn't know, what would you be thinking? Right. Remember your home. 
Skylander. And I was like, oh, yeah, Scotland in yeah. the Highlands in, like, 1692 or whatever. Right. And it's like, in another galaxy. I was like, whoa, yeah. what? Bum, bum, bum. Zeist is basically like the road warrior planet. Zeist Fury Road. Yeah. And so uh, we have a meeting of these are rebels. Five, and he says 500 years ago on the yeah. planet Zeist. Yeah. 500 years ago. <laughs> it looks like at first I was like, is this like a group of monks walking? It, like, I guess these are like the freedom fighters or yeah. whatever. This and, is the rebellion. What are they rebelling against? I don't oh, know. I have a lot Kata- of questions. General about that. Katana. Ge- yeah. well, but, ah. All right. So let's play this. Let's play Ramirez's speech. I think we should listen to his little spiel. Yeah. Free men of the planet Jeist, hear me. You gather here without a leader for the last time. <laughs> you fight under the yoke of General Katana's rule for the last time. And I said it already, but you stand here without a leader for the last time. <laughs> Who is he? Show him to us, Ramirez. Oh, it's a- Let him show him show. <laughs> there and there was the clip. Very guys. good. Yeah. Let him experience the quickening. Okay, so <laughs> to a dumbfounded Christopher Lambert. <laughs> so one of my favorite Sorry. parts of this. Did so- you actually want to play the clip? I got carried away. No, that's okay. You you pretty much summed it up. <laughs> he did. Although he does say he's like I see. Uh, like someone's like, are you going to lead us, Ramirez? He's like, no, it's not me. Because I see with eyes different from yours. What right. does that mean? So it's like I guess he's like a weird spiritual sort of dude that he's like can prophesize the future. Like to- again, this all feels very biblical. This is like yeah. a John the Baptist prophesizing Jesus. Also, I was like, is this somehow like retconning like the way he knows about like Connor? Like the and everything? The, and like Connor? in the, in the yeah. original movie, it's like, how did he know to find Connor? How did right. he know he's the guy, like the chosen one essentially to be trained? Like, is this what this is an attempt to do? Who knows? Uh, but also, I love that he goes, they're like, oh, who is he? Who's the, the, the new leader or whatever? And Connery's just like, let him show himself. But and then, then he points, points at him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then he immediately shows him. It's With like, a really lazy flourish of his sword. It's like, <laughs> and there's like some lightning crackling yeah. and stuff. Also, I just want to say, I hate that his name is Ramirez on the planet Zeist. How are their names still their same names? Why is it, why aren't their names like Glorpquam? Yeah, <laughs> like, Zingledorf. <laughs> If those were the names in this movie, yeah. oh, I'd be so good. My name is unspeakable in your language. Yeah. Um, also, his name is Ramirez on that planet. Is his name Juan Sanchez Villalobos de Ramirez yeah. on this planet? And then he just happens to be named that. And it's Connor McLeod's name on Zeist, Connor McLeod. And I he just so is. happens to be raised by the clan McLeod. Yeah. Again, these are these I, like head scratch moments that like... Yeah. Are they just like in, in our human language to understand this scene? Ugh. They like translated it to <laughs> Ramirez and McLeod. I'm like, uh, we're, we're not sufficient. We shouldn't be thinking about this. Well, it's this like, is the problem. Is that it it, pres- it yeah. presents you with to. so many of these things that are just dumbfounding. Yep. Like if this was the only thing in the movie, if this movie, I mean, went along and it was like at some point it was like, oh, I guess they were named Connor. Then that doesn't really make sense. But that was yeah. it. You'd be like, all right, fine. Movies do that for a reason, and it's just so you can identify with the character properly. Yeah. It's like if you named him Glorplop. <laughs> I, I would be confused about that. It's like, wait, who's Glorplop? Oh, yeah, he was Glorplop then, and then became Connor. Like, it's yeah. like, why don't we just call him Connor? <laughs> that way it's simpler. Like, it's honestly like in Highlander the series. In the movie, they explore that he had aliases. Yeah. And it was fine because we kind of only knew him as Russell Nash and then as... Connor. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, okay, like he's been hiding his identity. I get it. In the series, like, it's like, how many identities are we going to have for this guy? It's like, this is going to get confusing. He's just, just Duncan. He's just Duncan McLeod. Like, that yeah. accomplishes something storytelling wise. Like, it doesn't actually make sense. But there's a reason we don't really ever bring that up when we criticize the show. I think maybe yeah. we've mentioned it once. Like, oh, it's a, he never has, like, yeah. aliases but like there's no reason to criticize it because it's actually accomplishing a positive yeah, yeah in it's the like, this would be cumbersome without it right the other thing i want to say is z glorf doesn't say free men of the planet zeist in the renegade version he just says free men of the planet 
Right. Which so we should, we should well, let's talk about this whole scene and then we'll go back and kind of talk about like the new edit of this yeah. version because this scene changes quite a bit, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so in the theatrical version, then we cut to, I'll say, like a baptismal scene to keep this like John mm-hmm. the Baptist thing kind of going. And there's like a weird water bowl. Electric- full of like orange goop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they dip their little fingers in it <laughs> yeah. and then they just kind of like wiggle them around it. <laughs> yeah. Together. They finger each other. And then-, and then Connery like sprinkles some on his forehead yeah, in like some weird and- like note or something. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he says... When they're holding hands and there's like some lightning between them, sparks fly. Yeah. He goes, the ancient power of the quickening has joined us. We are now as one. My note just throughout this entire movie is just, what is the quickening? Yeah. And they don't say that yes. in the other one. Sorry to jump to that again. So Kyle, you bring up a good point is again, what is the quickening? And we had that question in the first movie too. Yeah. Like the first movie, I feel like it is kind of a weakness of the first movie. Like it mentions it, but like you're never really sure what it is. Is the quickening just their connection with nature? Because Connor meets Ramirez for the and, first time and, and has like struck by lightning. He's like, you're experiencing yeah. the quickening. And he right. points at him dramatically. Uh, and, but we were never sure. Yeah. It's like, oh, when they cut off someone's head and get their power, we were like in, in the first movie, is that really not the quickening? Is the quickening yeah. something else? Is that just. And in, in the show, it is very clear. Right. Yeah, when that's you cut quickening. off somebody's head, you get their quickening. Some characters even say phrases like, I took your quickening. And in the movie, it's also the quickening when you jump off a cliff into some water. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, just having a good time. Yeah. Just two guys who are having a good time. Having a good time. Having a uh, good so, time. So rather, this movie could have taken these steps to clarify what this is. But instead, is it muddles it even further it by even just more kind of giving a new definition of it again. Yeah. It's like, all right, I guess the quickening is their bond. Yeah. And it's like this magic sauce it's is like, the quickening. Yeah, I guess it's mm. what the ma- the magic is the quickening. Like that's what magic is in this universe. It's just I called the quickening. Guess. I don't know. I don't it's like electric stuff. Do you guys remember the secret of Nim? Uh yeah, I remember vaguely. the secret of the ooze. Ooh. In the in the first scene of the secret of Nim, like this old mouse guy is dipping his like long nail into a golden pool that's just like in this movie. And that's what I thought of and I was wondering if Don Bluth saw Highlander 2 and like <laughs> <laughs> likes that visual. It's exactly the same. He's, like, dipping his fingers into this weird gold stuff and, like, writing in space on it. Interesting. It really weird. I, I've got a couple more questions. Sure. Why is Connor chosen? Like, what is... Because... He's, like, <laughs> he's chosen to be a leader. Yeah. We see him lead... No one. He yeah. fails. He can't even leader. lead a team of scientists <laughs> right. to, to not doom the earth. Well, and like when Ramirez points at him, he looks afraid. He looks like a deer in headlights. Yeah, like he's just like a, an honest kid. Like it's like, I mean, again, this feels like this like sort of Jesus power. It's like, I'm just a normal guy. Like, what do you mean I'm the savior of the planet? Like, yeah. it's like, what oh, is that? I'm Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I got to go to Haji Station to pick up some power converters. Uh, yeah, it feels very odd what his role is in this entire revolt or whatever it is. We're not given anything. And we're told that, I guess, Katana at this point is the best. Like, Connor's like, what do we do? And Katana. Like, where do we start? And it's like, Katana. Katana. And it's like, Katana. And he's like, not we, you. And you start with Katana. And my note on this is like, no, that kind of sounds like the ending. It sounds like you start by, like, consolidating your power and, like, <laughs> winning discrete battles that he's not present at and then, like, creating, like, a provincial government to govern the territories that you conquered that for because you're engaged in a planet-wide rebellion. Yeah. It probably is more than you start with killing one guy. <laughs> also, yes, planet-wide. Like, yeah. right. like, how big is this planet? <laughs> like, uh, it's like a dwarf planet. Yeah. It's like Pluto-lite. <laughs> uh, so there's a big crash, and then we cut to the battle 
yeah. outside. Which sudden, suddenly, desert what? battle. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't tell, like, because the sound effect, I don't know if it's just an editing thing. Like, at first I was like, was General Katana ambushing them? Like, I thought at first, like, the way it was cut was like, yeah, yeah, boom, think... was like a cannon blast outside, like, oh, they're here. I think or it was just like a, you know, elision of these two scenes, like, oh, we'll put a little bit of the sound over to, like, smooth the transition. No, I think they're interrupted. Okay. Yeah. So then we get this crazy battle. Uh, so this is like this big Lawrence of Arabia looking thing. This kind of also mirrors the battle in Scotland from the first movie. Yeah. Like actually completely. Like it's the exact same scene. And we meet General Katana for the first time, whose introduction is exactly like Ramirez's. Yeah. He comes in and says to some good... Or the Kurgans. Or excuse me, the Kurgan. He comes in and he's like, find me the one they call Connor McLeod and Ramirez. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Also, and they're fighting with guns and swords. Yeah. And not like... In some old-timey musket days where you're like, maybe a sword would work. This is like, they've got submachine guns yeah. and other guys have swords. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what planet is this? Zeist is the planet. Yep. So I have another thematic thing I want to bring up here, just because this movie doesn't seem to have any themes in it that I'm never sure about. So from this scene, I'm like, well, they lose. Is this Connor's fault? Like, he wasn't a good leader in this scenario or something. Didn't even and, do anything. And I was like, well, is yeah. this... Should this be the arc of the movie? Like, it's like he failed at being a leader or working as a team or whatever it is. Like, he's got this issue and they failed in his past. Maybe if this movie was rewritten, instead of him breaking into the shield thing to shut it down, like, she's got her, like, terrorist group, but they're disorganized. They can't, you know what I mean? Like, they need a leader, too, to make this, like, and then suddenly it becomes more of, like, a heist. Like, we got to plan this out. And he's a leader at the end of the movie. And suddenly, now we have an arc. For the fucking character. Yeah. Like, instead of whatever this movie ends up presenting to us. Yeah, it's bizarre. Missed opportunity. So I had a question. He says, like, bring me their heads, is what Michael Ironside said yeah. when he's introduced. And he's talking to a guy who we never see again. And was he the same guy who said, show him to Muscle Ramirez? Was that like a traitor? Was that what that was? I couldn't tell. I didn't go back oh. enough to, like, scrutinize it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. He's also, how would he know? Yeah. But he, uh, want, he wants the heads of, like, everybody but Connor and Ramirez. Who he wants alive, apparently. But is the heads part of the immortal thing? That's what I was wondering. Because yeah. it seems like it's established later that they are mortal on the planet Zeist. Right. Yes, in the theatrical version, they are mortal here. On Zeist. Right. Which is strange, because then it's also 500 years ago on the planet Zeist, so why didn't, like, Katana die of old age in the meantime? <laughs> well, yeah, I we got a lot of I questions about how time <laughs> goes on Yeah, Zeist. there's a real yeah. question there. Mm. So I, I just don't understand what happens here, but, like, somehow Ramirez and Connor, and I guess a series of other people, also get captured. We cut to, uh, like... Katana's, I don't know, weird room, snake room. His snake, <laughs> his snake, his, his, his eel, snake, his snake murdering room. Eel pool. <laughs> Katana grabs a, the snake from a pool and he like, he says this, he says, so deadly in their environment, so tame in mine. And I'm like, again, this is a thematic line. Will it appear in the movie? No, like I can't yeah. figure this line out. Like, well, even Connor's follow-up line, which you think, oh, this will mean something later. Nah, they're just waiting yeah, for you to get careless, right? Yeah. And it's like, does Katana get careless? Like, so well, he I does. Think, he does in a way. I guess yeah, his entire was, plan is careless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I was thinking was, Zeist is his environment. Earth that, is that was, like the yeah. eel water environment. It's eventually revealed that they become immortal right. upon going to Earth. Right. So on Earth, Connor is very deadly. Yeah, and. Katana makes the mistake of going to Earth later in the movie, spoiler alert. But also becomes as powerful as Connor is when he gets there. Yeah. I don't know. You're, I agree with you that I think that's what it's maybe supposed to be, is that Earth's... Yeah. This is later. We might be getting ahead of ourselves. But, like, Katana's plan makes no f- sense. Like, Katana defeats himself. 
Yes. Yeah, this just, entire movie. Like yeah. six times he defeats himself. Yeah. It's like, just let Connor die in two weeks like everybody said to him. <laughs> right. But anyway. And uh, I also was going to say, I have a crazy theory about this scene. As I was trying to, like, cull some sort of symbolism out of this movie. <laughs> working really hard. Yeah, I was really working hard. So uh, the snake is the black dragon. He's the Kurgan. And so this movie's mm. telling us that, uh-oh, Katana is the the real big villain. No, mm. you're wrong. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I know I'm wrong. Of terrible. It, of course it's, it's bullshit. Terrible. Of course it's bullshit. It's an eel. It's not a snake. I thought it was a snake. It's an eel. Oh, that's why it screamed that. Eel screamed. Yeah. 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 Scream. Also, Katana, he's That's actually worried. the name of the Zeist football team, the Screaming, yeah, screaming, screaming eels. 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 Katana's belt looks like a wrestling championship belt. He does. He's the, <laughs> yes. he's the WWE like, is he champion. Undertaker? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I yes, think the costume designer actually said that at some point that she yeah. like was going for a like wrestler look which i guess is interesting he, he looks, explains his voice a little bit yeah <laughs> he looks cool and also why he's saying brother all the time <laughs> brother okay brother he's more uh, of a macho man type so we're still on zeiss oh yeah you are like one grain of sand in the sahara desert but the macho man he is the desert <laughs> See, like, it's like he's like one grain of sand on the planet Zeist. Yeah. <laughs> and Katana is the planet Zeist. All right, so we're still on Zeist. We cut now to a trial room or something. Oh, God. So there are these judges. These they're, like, they're like priests monks? or something. Dudes yeah. with swords. All and bald. they say leaders of the rebellion. Actually, we should play this clip. This yeah. is a, this yeah, is We just need clip. to hit this because this is the, one of the most deeply confusing parts of the entire movie. And my dick hurts thinking about it. Leaders of the rebellion. You've been found guilty of treason. We hereby sentence you to exile from Zeist. You will be sent to the planet Earth. Once there, you will be immortal. You can only die if your head is cut from your body. Who is one of you becomes the last of us on Earth, he will claim the prize. He can return to Zeist or choose to grow old and die on Earth. All right. So, yeah, first off, those priests are speaking telepathically, I guess. Like, but that's another one of these speaking. No one's speaking. They just stare. And it's like, this is another one of these, like, head scratch moments in this movie. It's like, wait, there's, there's also telepathy in this world and like none of this is set up so you're just confronted with like who's speaking like and it's i like, don't this know it's not visually interesting yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> happening every other pictures char- of bald yeah. men every other character in this scene talks with their mouth <laughs> <laughs> to be clear yeah like, like a true zeistian yeah. yeah so how is this a punishment <laughs> i know it's great it's great you get to be immortal yeah <laughs> on a planet away from the guy who was trying to kill you yeah, yeah. so like lots of questions here so only Connery and Lambert are being judged, quote unquote, in this scene. Who are all the other immortals then? Are they also rebels? Like, who's Amon Facile and... So I, I have a little game. Uh, the Asian guy Can we got play real quick? Uh, yeah. It's called Dire Zeist. <laughs> <laughs> this, again, reframes the character motivations for all the people in the first movie. Right. So if the Kurgan won the prize, is he going to die or is he going back to Zeist? What do you yeah. think? Uh, ooh. ooh, when Connery warns that if the Kurgan wins the prize, he's going to usher in a, a reign of darkness. Did he even mean on Earth? Or did he mean on Zeist? 
like Zeist is a shithole. Why would you want to go back there? I guess to save your friends, your buddies. I guess. And maybe there's like a real, like beautiful other part of the planet. We said it was a desert planet earlier. Maybe they're just in the desert of the planet. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like (laughs) hanging out in like the badlands of of Zeist. But like there's a beautiful tropical region right next door. So this telepathy thing too, I, I keep trying to like reconcile all this stuff with the stuff that we see in Highlander one. Is this some attempt that like, is this what they're tapping into with like the quickening or whatever? Like when Connor communes with nature, is this, this telepathy thing? Again, it's not explored at all, and it's yeah. nonsense. But it's like, is that it? Like, I don't, who knows? I, I mean, they could have, if they wanted to. I guess they could have explained that. They could have been like, oh, these these guys are like head honchos of the quickening. Like, they get how it works. Like, they're the masters of it, and we're starting the Jedi of. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but they're like, but are they Katana's goons? Katana seems bound by them. Katana's clearly not the only problem. These guys are sentencing them to exile. Right. So, like, they're part of whatever this system is, right? Katana's like, we have a nation of laws, not of men. <laughs> and I am bound by the rules of this system. <laughs> but they're priests, whatever that means. Like, and Katana doesn't like them. <laughs> so it's like Zeist the theocracy, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. So it's like, very confusing. Or yeah. like, is there like two court systems and they're like in the ecclesiastical court right now? Is like that what's happening? Yeah. The, the renegade version the cut of this scene is even more confusing. We're going to listen to that too. But we also need to listen to now this exchange that Connor and Ramirez have. There's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in this scene. There's so goddamn much. Oh my God. Will we be together on earth? Well, not at first, but we are joined in a way that can never be broken. Not even by death. Huh? When you need me, you'll only have to call my name. I'll always find you. If I win the prize, I'll be back. Terminator? Just remember the quickening. Huh? It sounds like magic. Uh, well, they just played the original theme. Yeah. Hmm. Kind of. Prepare uh, yourself. Uh, there can be only one. There can be only one. I mean, this whole scene is just like cram all the stuff from the first movie in. Kind of. Yeah. And I can't believe I didn't notice that the original Highlander theme plays in the background. Yes. Yeah. That would have been a treat to hear more in this yeah. movie. So Katana, Katana isn't pleased about any of this. All right. I've got a lot of questions. They just then transport them to Earth. Right. Are they transported to different times on Earth? Why do they not remember who they were? <laughs> Are they transported to Earth and then grow up as children? That because seems Connor, like it would make Connor, sense. Connor explicitly yeah. references, like, he's got cousins. Like, he's got these, like, family members. It's like, we grew up together. But then like, when we see Katana come to Earth, he's a full-grown adult. He's a grown-ass right. man. Right. <laughs> Did they get sent to the Earth and the events of the first movie happened? Or is this, like, a total retcon? Did, like, the events of the first movie never even happen? But then why could there be only one? Then that just means that Connor and Ramirez have to kill each other. So yeah. there have to be other immortals. Right. right. I assume that all the immortals are in some way exiled from Zeist. So does that mean that, like the Kurgan was a good guy? Fasil oh, was a good guy? Well, they were other rebel oh, leaders. on Zeist. On Zeist. Well, I don't think the Kurgan because I think one version of the script, when they wanted Clancy Brown to be in it, I think they wanted to retcon that he was being sent as an assassin. Just the way like Sonic and Knuckles end up coming down later. <laughs> That's yeah. what I call him in my notes too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, so thousands. Yes. Oh, so I have another question because Connor's also like, well, if I win, I'm coming back to Zeist and it's like you didn't why yeah this is like there's there's so much like fertile material like this in a movie that is at the end of the day garbage yeah like there's at least stuff here to explore like this is a good question like 
He had principles and wanted to come back. I guess he meets like a cute girl and it's like, maybe I'll hang. I guess that's what we're supposed to imply that he just wanted to be with i don't know like I guess. I, but, but he didn't come back for some reason or like the earth needs him so he stays because he has to build the shield that's he good... like chooses earth over zeist yeah mm. although that didn't happen until years later he could have right. showed like right after he like collapsed on the street or whatever or in the, the the warehouse after he defeated the kurgan he could have just zipped right back up zeist right. it out yeah. yeah connor out oh well actually speaking of that i'll bring this up now i had in my notes i'm a little surprised like you know back to the future too the movie starts with refilmed footage of Back to the Future 1, where they, like, alter the dialogue a little bit. And also, mm-hmm. like, they had to recast Elizabeth Shue's part. And so they film new scenes, like, to just replace the actor actress. I feel like this movie could have used a little of that. Would have been nice. It's like, how about you just go back to the first movie a little bit. Reshoot the end. Reshoot the end and just be like, oh, it's a little different than you remember, or like, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then go forward. I think that would have been pretty good i don't know we'll smoothed it out a little bit why didn't he kill them i guess he's like at some point he was required by capturing them to go through this weird judicial process with these priests so yeah right. like, but so- he made the call to spare them initially like he obviously killed dozens of rebels in oh, that yeah, he giant fight them in battle. he should have just executed them yeah because that's what he wants obviously <laughs> right he obviously wants to kill these people and he's disappointed by this the priests like yeah sentence. i'm so confused by whatever they're rebelling against because whatever it is I mean, let's just say it isn't great, but, like, they have some sort of law and order to this place. Yeah. There's something going on here. Like, Katana doesn't have a truly free hand, apparently. No. Hey, if you're wondering if these priests will ever come back again, no. 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 Oh, another thing I want to mention about this is just the look of Zeist and especially these priests. Uh, we have not really covered on this show yet the animated series yet, but the animated series is basically Highlander 2, the animated, like... The entire look and feel of hmm. the animated series is this. Like, the goofy clown guy is definitely kind of based on, like, the hedgehog guys. Like, oh, yeah. It's very strange. Like, the buildings, all of it is, like, Zeistian in yeah. some way. And I don't know when the animated series started production, or did they, like, assume this was going to be such a slam dunk? Or were they just super committed to this ideas? Like, this is what we want wanted Highlander to be. And so that's an what interesting question. Venue can we do it in maybe the animated series? Yeah. I don't know. It's very strange. That would explain the dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> the riding of the dinosaur. Right. But like, yeah. I don't know. Even the building, like the buildings in, yeah. I feel like the animated series look like the shield generators. And shit. Yeah. Like it's very strange. Huh. One of the artists that designed this movie, his name is Brendan McCarthy. He's a comic book artist. And he had, I'll put it on Facebook at some point. He had all these crazy designs. Like they were going to go even further with all this Zeist stuff. And I guess they just couldn't do it Interesting. for whatever reason. Oh, I also wanted to say this this scene also feels a lot like uh, Superman. And this is like the Phantom Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ze- a lot. Zeiss looks a lot like Krypton in Man of Steel. It's like kind of desolate and they're in all these weird kind of ugly gray chambers and stuff. <laughs> like Not visually interesting. Yeah. And even the, the Krypton outfits look like zeist outfits yeah they're like very ornate Mm. all right so now we we should backtrack a little bit so that was the theatrical version we talked about so this is entirely different in the special edition well first off like the opera scene is much more extended so like and it's it's, kind of intercut with right more cuts between zeist the battles and the opera and it looks really cool the Uh, opera part the opera does yes well um yeah so what are the big differences like the visuals look very different it's not it's now what does it say a distant past or something like that i forget what does it say it's the past okay yeah so we're not on the planet we're not another planet it's very blue instead of red right yeah (laughs) they actually redid like the special effects which like took a ton of work they had to re-expose all the films so like that 
crash ship that we see is replaced with this like kind of very Mesopotamian looking Build, yeah. building. Because I was like, where's that firefly ship? <laughs> Where'd right. that go? Yeah. So yeah, he does not mention Zeiss when he's like, says free men of the, the planet. planet. Yeah. <laughs> or the quickening. Or the quickening. I didn't know. So. That's really crazy. Yeah. Which is weird because that's what the movie's called. <laughs> right. Uh, they also cut out the entire scene with katana saying bring me connor and ramirez and there's more of that battle scene there's a lot more battling which i guess is cool i guess you get to see more machine guns right more machine guns in the ancient past they say something weird at the trial they they try to explain more of what's going on well why don't we take a listen to what the alternate version ultimate alternate version of seist is the alternate facts version of (laughs) 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 let's get on with it The punishment for rebellion is death. Judge them guilty, and I'll execute them here, now. Here. You forget yourself, General Kitana. As you well know, for many years we have exiled those rebels and criminals who, like you, possess this unholy immortality. What? Therefore, I sentence you both to this same exile. An exile into the future. What? Silence, General Kitana. In that distant future, you will face other immortals in trial by combat, from which only one can survive. And, as is your way, you will die only when your head is cut from your body. Will we be together? Well, not at first. But we are joined in a way that can never be broken. Not even by death. When you need me, you'll only have to call my name. I'll always find you. Finally, the last one to survive will have a choice. Choice what choice? Grow old and die in the future, or return here with this freedom and faith restored. Now go, and remember, there can be only one. So this is weird, because it makes it sound like they're joining... Like a fight in progress. Well, yeah, like, like ar- we've done before. Right. Yeah, like there's already people, but they clearly get sent to different times. Yeah. So, like, that sounds unfair. I guess. And, like, Ramirez is being sent, obviously, way further back in the past than Connor is. Right. Well, and also they're likening Katana and Ramirez and connor like they're afflicted with immortality they share your affliction like so is this on zeiss is it people who are immortal on earth versus not that i I get the assumption uh, assumption there's no game on zeiss it's like these people are just immortal and as punishment like like they're being forced to play this game for the judge's pleasure or something it's like oh, if you want to come back like you have to all go down there and fight each other it's right. like the is it the Beyonder? Who's the who's the guy who has the games? Yeah, I think it's the Beyonder. It's something like that. I don't know. It's like that. Like yeah. I, I feel like there's no game on Zeist, but the judges have decided these are the rules. So like ordinary criminals would have been executed, but if you're immortal, instead you go fight for their kicks. And is it because they don't know how to kill? Like what? I don't understand. They obviously know how to kill them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and like why? Why aren't they just executed? Why are they? Uh-huh. exiled <laughs> i don't know because different rules i guess apply to immortals than to i guess i don't know and there are some mortal and some immortal rebels yeah At least this explains why katana doesn't die over the last 500 years that's right. very it true. seems very clear in the original that they're only immortal on earth mm-hmm. also sean connery doesn't mention the quickening here either oh that's right we are and- bound in a way that could never be broken yeah and also the priest talks with his mouth to katana well i i actually kind of think that's neat like well that that clarifies that it's some 
telepathic thing. But and also honestly, it shows that I he's just, like flipping out. Like, the, shut the fuck up. Beyond all these people, like, are they all listening to, like, a fourth party? Honestly, when I saw this, I didn't assume there was any telepathy. I just thought it was, like, sloppy shooting and the person who talk- who's talking was off camera. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think the guy who yells... At Katana is the one speaking. Also, he's the only one that pronounces Katana correctly. <laughs> Katana. 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 Uh, so are there any other differences other than, like, the just general lighting and movie looks better? It yeah. does look also, way better. Also, just as a general, yeah. like, the the theatrical cut is dark. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, another shade of gray and brown yeah. and brown and, and gray. I am a diehard Highlander fan. I love Highlander so much, and I am a huge fan of this podcast, de facto, because I'm a member of it. How can I show my support and get some really cool shit in the process? Oh, there is one really great way you can support this podcast and support your love of Highlander by heading on over to our Facebook page and picking up a set of our awesome new Highlander magnets, uh, which are available for the price of $25 plus shipping and handling. What do you get for that amazing price? It's an awesome collection of five magnets featuring all your favorite characters. We've got Duncan McLeod, Amanda, Joe, Mythos, and a really cool alternate 1600 Scottish Highlands McLeod. Awesome. Eamon, who made these things? Like, what awesome artist somewhere made these things? It was me. Yeah, oh. I made them with the help of you guys and Davis Panzer Productions. Definitely. These are fully authorized Highlander merchandise from the Highlander Rewatch podcast. Yeah. Uh, and if you're an international listener, we can ship these internationally now. Uh, so don't buy them from our Facebook page, but head over to Etsy.com and just search for Highlander Rewatch. And if you place your order through Etsy, we can ship anywhere in the world. Well, I pretty much wherever Etsy can ship, wherever FedEx or whoever's going to ship it can ship. We can't we can- ship to the planet Zeist. Nope. No shipping to Zeist. All right. So now we are back to the theatrical cut and we're in 2024 and Mac is asleep at the opera. The show's over, Mr. McLeod. What does he say? Like, I I thought so too. I thought so too. I thought so too. I really did. It's like, what? You thought someone was going to fight you? Like, you're like, oh, I really did think the yeah. show was over. No, you didn't. You were asleep. He, he, oh, no, I did. I did. Yeah, he fights the bellhop. <laughs> Who's also very old. Or the usher, yes. yeah. You know who Connor McCloud sounds like? Old Connor McCloud. He sounds like Joey Vitrelli, who is the messed up face guy from An- Analyze This. Oh! <laughs> the gangster yes. that talks like that. Like, that's what he sounds like. Yeah, his old man voice is... Insane. Comical. Yeah. <laughs> 25 years too old. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's life under the shield, man. He's right. got emphysema. He smoked too much. Yeah. So Mac leaves the opera. And just a little interjection, the extended special edition. All that, like, sexual assault stuff we saw with Mac driving to the opera, that's now here. Yeah. So that this, that's all stuff he's seeing when he leaves, headed to the bar. Yep. Which also actually answers some questions I had initially because he leaves the opera in the theatrical cut. And then we see him pull up in a car to the bar but it yeah. looks like the opera is like they i don't know i was like where is this and i was like couldn't he just walked over there but it's like oh no he's driving there this movie has a big problem just with like 
geography, like where things are, how big is this city, like where it's, is anybody in relation to anybody else? It is a big problem just getting from point A to point B. I don't, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a movie with so many like confusing mechanical problems that arise even more intensely at the end of this movie. Right. Of just like, wait, where are we? What happened? How did we get here? Yep. What the fuck is going on? Yep. It's so deeply confusing. Oh, also, uh, at this in the special edition, uh, when he's heading to the bar, he stops off at the payphone, which is a TV payphone, yeah. uh, and he calls Alan. Yeah, uh, but he can't get through. He can't get through. But also, actually, in the special feature or special edition as well, there's a scene in the opera where Alan's he there. He sees him. Yeah. And he's like across. Which, and the opera's even being presented, I think, in like honor of Alan Naiman's like contributions. Yeah. Right. Also, later on, just a weird little teaser on this thing, you get to hear from John C. McGinley. You see him on TV later, and he's wearing a bow tie, and he's in a tuxedo. It's because he was at the opera. Oh, but I saw right. The, that's, he's not in... They never show him at the opera in the theatrical cut. So I'm like, that's weird that he showed up to a TV interview in a tuxedo. <laughs> that's a weird thing to do. He's got to look but, up at the cameras. <laughs> but it's because he was at that opera and they like catch him after that. That makes a lot of it's, sense. It's like a weird... It's just like an odd little thing. Interesting. Also, after he tries getting in touch with Alan, you know, we, we discussed that air machine before in the Ultimate Edition or Renegade cut, the... Air guys confront McLeod at this point. They try, like, hitting him up for money. Right. Yeah. And they get scared off somehow they when they hear he's McLeod. He's McLeod. Yeah, yeah, he just gives them, like, a look. Like, I'm a tough guy. And they're like, oh, sorry, buddy. And, like, which is so weird because, like, wouldn't that mean he's, like, rich and you could probably take him for a lot of money? Also, he looks like a 60-year-old man and, like, you you're trying to... year old 90-year-old man. You were trying to, like, yoke this guy before and now that you know he's got money, you're going to not? Like, are they afraid because, like, they're afraid of the repercussions of... Well, do they like, find out mugging? that he is McLeod? Is that what... Yeah. I think maybe they just, like, I think the implication is maybe he has a history of, like, oh, shit, that's that guy, like... Like, he's so famous, they're like, we don't want to be the guys that, like, roughed up McLeod. I don't know. Or that they, like, does he have a reputation as being, like, a... I a don't badass? Know, a badass? Yeah, I don't Why know. would he, though? I don't know. He wears that white suit and that hatchback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Baggy white, like, looking like a real badass. Anyway, now Looking like cut- a real deputy chief of staff on the West Wing. So we cut to the shield generator now, and there is lots of, like, spy music. It's, like, lots of, like, shit. Yeah. Build more ziggurats. Uh, more Vespian gas. So there's these like Navy SEAL looking people. They're terrorists. <laughs> they're ter- yeah. yes, excuse me. Yes, they're terrorists uh, who are like ziplining around, this, going through water. Ziplining over a weird dam or like sluice or something. And which, it's like, how are they not being seen? Oh, like, yeah. Which, well, originally they were supposed to slide down the water. Right. And then at the last minute, they discovered there were like weird obstructions oh, like God. that you couldn't see. So like they would have been ripped to shreds. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's why they had to install those zip lines, which like I actually made a note. I'm like, these zip lines don't make sense. Why? I actually made a note. These zip lines don't make sense. Why don't they just slide down the water? Because yeah. nobody would see them. I'm like, oh, that's. <laughs> Let's tackle this now because this scene is not really too different from the special edition scene. It's it's, it's longer in the special. Yeah, edition. it's like and it's I think cut a little tighter. Like yeah. it just feels like a little more energetic. But one of the things that they add in the special edition is there's this bizarre dialogue oh, the with, fish. with the fish. Yeah. So I want to listen to this. It's this conversation with like the goons and like a guy in like the control or like the goons. Uh, and by goons, I mean not the terrorist goons. I mean the, the guard. shield, shield, the shield goons. Go- guardians. Shield goons. The paramilitary shield goons. Shield goons. Also, like the shield looks like you're going to like storm Dr. Wiley's castle. Yeah. What was that? What was what? I heard something. I'm calling it in. Security. I heard something. See anything? I don't see nothing. 
Could be fish. Fish live in the lake. Not in this lake. Yeah, well, I've seen them. It was a fish. Oh my God! That was a, That's scene, a whole scene that was put back then, in then, the movie. Then they zoom in on the footage to show that there is, in fact, someone swimming. Yeah, right. It's not a fish. It uh, was a fish. That is. A fish. Why would you put that back in? It's terrible. It's arresting. Yeah, I thought it was intriguing. Is it a fish? So a voice comes in over the intercom, and it's like, "Make sure you take the stairs or whatever." For whatever reason, that's Bill Panzer. I don't know if anyone noticed that. Oh no! I yeah, it's his voice. So he's in both. He's uh, the uh, police officer in the helicopter oh, in the first right. movie. Yeah. Put the shards down! This terrorist group called Cobalt, which right. I guess we don't learn that yet, but... No. Led we by... We learn that from more exposition later. Yeah. <laughs> led by... More Virginia TV Madsen. exposition. Yeah. yeah. Basil exposition. So it's headed up by Luis, uh, and I feel like it's like a big reveal in the, the movie when she takes her helmet off. It's like, it's a girl! A girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Luis Marcus. They, like, take out some guards, and they bust into, like, the Death Star reactor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess there's, like, minimal... Like, they seem to make their way into this, like, facility very easily. Yeah. Especially into that room that has the Death Star reactor. Yeah. She, I don't know, pulls out, like, sci-fi stuff, and she puts, like, an SD card into the thing. (laughs) And she's like, it'll be 30 seconds so we can get a reading. Whatever. (laughs) And then she determines that there is no radiation... Above the The radiation levels outside the shield are normal. But this is something I don't get. She goes... Radiation's level can't be normal. This doesn't make any sense. And it's like, what do you mean it doesn't make any sense? That's why you fucking yeah, broke why in. why are you breaking like, in? You had yeah. this hunch. Like, it's yeah. revealed that they thought something was up. They broke in. Well, this is, this like, is the confirmation. And she's yeah. like, oh, this is impossible. It's <laughs> yeah. like, what do you mean? This is exactly what you thought was the problem. Yep. <laughs> it's like, why isn't she like, I was right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very odd. And this is vaguely described later. (laughs) Yeah. But they escape. I'm presuming all the other terrorists are murdered in their... In their escape. escape Yeah. Well, the people who go in there are murdered. I don't know if Cobalt is like a larger organization or if it's just like six dudes. But (laughs) But yeah, definitely some of her cohorts get gunned down. By Uh, this paramilitary shield security force. Yeah. So they run around the base. I guess there's a cool map map painting. It's actually a very ugly map painting. Yeah. uh, Like them going over a catwalk. Yeah. They fixed that in the other edition. Then there's like a helicopter chase. Like there's a lot of money going on right now. A a bunch of, all those other guys get shot very easily. Louise though, when it comes time to shooting her, they all have stormtrooper aim. Yeah. (laughs) They are just like machine guns just have nothing on her. She's just invincible. That she somehow managed to get away unexplained. They never actually show her escaping. Nope. Like, no, no. She's got like a helicopter like on her ass, and then it cuts, and like we're supposed to know that she's ducks behind a barrel to escape some gunfire, and then that's it. It's like, and I guess she gets out. And they're just like, guys, someone got behind the barrel again. (laughs) I have in my notes here, this is pretty good. Uh, Is it good? Are you telling us it's good? (laughs) I thought it was good. Uh, So while these guards were like marching around, I just wrote in my notes, I was like, man, these guards look like they're out of a terrible terrible sci-fi movie and i just was like oh (laughs) (laughs) it's the ping pong like their their guard outfits are kind of bad looking like they don't look good they also look a lot like the terrorists like they both are wearing like these kind of like black navy seal in a black environment all black yeah Yeah, it's just like oh okay like i don't know this scene of this movie reminded me of just made me think of like every bad video game i've played of the last like six years because everything's in like a gray black brown environment (laughs) it's like oh you go from like a 
gray, black, brown room into a different gray, black, brown room and fight guys wearing all black. Yeah. There's it's a like, lot of video game dialogue in this movie, too. Yeah. The door. We need the security number to get the door. Like, it's like, oh, boy. Now we cut back to this bar. Did anyone notice this sign? That rap? Is, there is a sign that says rap. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so here's my theory. Is one, well, my first part of the theory is that those letters can be found in opera. So I believe this is the oh, opera sign that they took apart and they put it over there Just to get to some say, mileage out that of it. That has to be it. Right? And I think they thought, it's like, well, rap is bad, right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, what could be... What could be uh, serious question that I had not thought of before. Are there any black people in this movie? No. Ooh, whoa. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't think so. I think there are zero black... There are no black people in the future. Yikes. Nice. <laughs> so anyway, my, my guess is... <laughs> just, just pointing it out. My yeah. guess is especially yeah. the kind of political cli- like political controversy surrounding rap in the early 90s, the beginnings of kind of like East Coast, West Coast, like all this sort of stuff. My guess is it's like, oh, what music shows that like things are, have gone to shit? Rap. Like, <laughs> I guess. It's weird. Yep. Rap. 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 Uh, so there's a song playing in the background. It's A Perfect World, which is, I guess, kind of funny. There's also a lot of humor in this movie that I find is very much Robocopy. I, mm. My notes... After there's a scene where they show like a PSA in an airplane, my notes there just say, this is my least favorite RoboCop movie. (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of humor in this movie that I feel like is at place. Humor. (laughs) Should be in a RoboCop movie. Anyway, uh, so Mac. It's in this movie. Yes. Mac goes into this bar. It turns out that that music is in the scene. It's the jukebox. It's the jukebox. But he Uh, changes it up. And he puts on Queen. Yeah. Uh, he puts on what? It's a kind of magic? Mm-hmm. Yep. To reinforce that again. Yeah. And in the for UK, the eighth time already. In the UK cut did not have that for no, some like reason. No, it's a jazz song. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that. Yeah. Right, sir? The jazz one seems, I don't know, more in place with the scene, even though less Highlander. I don't know. So, again, this is another one of these instances. Not to go down the rabbit hole, the uh, Queen is an existing band in the Highlander universe. Yeah. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> Uh, this is another one of those instances where this movie is taking a lot of visuals and like even structural elements from the first movie. Like this bar scene is the bar scene from Highlander one. Like it's a moody kind of smoky bar. This is where our hero meets the female protagonist. And then also, this is also where kind of like right after where he meets her in the bar, that's when I think Brenda follows him after the bar. Yeah. And that's when she kind of gets wrapped up in like, what's this game? Like some guy attacked you. It's exactly what happens here. It's like we meet at a bar, meet the uh, heroine, and then we get into the fight and she's introduced into the game. Boo. You pretty movies, Marcus. Of course, because there's a news report playing in this bar about the terror attack that goes on. Right. right. And that's this is the first time in the theatrical version that we meet John C. McGinley's character, Chris Blake. Yes, and we find out about Louise and Cobalt, and Mac is super creepy because they're like, this person's a terrorist, and she just jeopardized the lives of everyone on the planet, and he's like, pretty girl, very pretty girl. It's like, stop thinking with your dick. (laughs) Your old, wrinkled dick. Yeah. My favorite character in the scene is Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts At some point, they cheers, and is he drinking some bizarre future drink, or is he drinking milk? Okay. (laughs) Okay. First, Mac comes in, and Eamon, what does he order? He orders something called Oskava. He's like, Oskava? Oskava! <laughs> Which I googled and couldn't find. <laughs> I did the same thing. It, I had to, like, try to find some... Tra- I was like, what is this? Looking at subtitles, Oskava. Like, at first I thought it was somebody mispronouncing, like, Muscovat. Yeah. Which is like a sweet wine. Maybe. And it was like, maybe that's it, but... 
The subtitle, it spells it O-U-S-C-E-V-A. Yeah. I don't know what this is. And when you Google it looks search like whiskey. That, yeah. When you Google search it, all that comes up is Highlander 2. <laughs> so they've just introduced, like, made-up drinks. Into the, like, why are they overcomplicating this what universe? About, like, double Glenmorangie on the rocks. rocks. Yeah. I know. Why well, not I, that callback? That, there's so many weird callbacks. Because he's not the, from Scotland? <laughs> Maybe he's just not from Scotland anymore. I don't think we've hung a lantern on the continuity of this movie just being that the first movie did not happen. But he calls him Highlander. Sean Connery calls McLeod Highlander in this movie. Because the movie's called Highlander, but yeah. they never explain why. Right. There's yeah. no reference other than the name Highlander that I can really divine. Well, there's Here. the picture of Heather. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. That's so, no, true. Yeah, so yeah. He's definitely been But there. those still aren't... Those still aren't dependent on the movie content. Those still aren't con- dependent on. That's true. Events if you were like seeing Highlander one and knowing that's yeah. what that is, you could have met yeah. Heather at any point. He's a Heather. That's my first wife. Right, Heather. I hardly know her. <laughs> Yes. Uh, very good. So, oh, this is another one of those missed opportunities. Like, they try to bring all these references in from Highlander 1. I feel like the Glamorangie thing, like, could have been an, also an, He could have not ordered Glamorangie, and it would have been really, like, interesting. Like, oh, they could see the bottle or something? Or, or, like, just hung a lantern on the fact that he didn't want it for some reason. And it's mm. like, if he came in and was like, oh, like, your usual double Glamorangie, and he could have made a comment, like, you know, like, for some reason, I, like, that reminds me too much of my past. Like, something to, like, like, he just had some weird flashback thing at the opera where he was reminded of his past. And, like, I don't know. Is- Oscova Zeistian yeah. liquor. Yeah. <laughs> He's brought a bunch of it with him. Uh, I don't know. It's like there's there's just like there's lines in this movie that mean nothing for I like you know what I mean like the script is so inconsequential on every level. Yes, you're a good boy, Jimmy, and, and I think some milk. I think you're a good boy, Jimmy. I think that's why. I think he is drinking milk, and I wonder if that's why he says you're a good boy, Jimmy. Like you're mm, not drinking. I guess that's my interpretation. I don't know. Jimmy's a good guy, though. I like that. Jimmy, Jimmy is a good guy, but then he gets hassled by nobody. <laughs> some lady, some drunken lady. Oh, from from Blade Runner. Is yeah, like, uh, is in this scene, and she is very mad at Mac. She like blames him for her life being shit because she goes to work every day. I go to work every day, and my wife is shit, and it's all your fault. And he's like, "Well, I'm of the opinion that uh, McCloud saved the planet. <laughs> in my opinion, it is the Jedi that are evil." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, what a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. This one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, both. <laughs> so Matt gets his head bashed in by no, this woman. No, he doesn't. He gets his hand. His so, hand, right. Yeah. Well, also, but it looks like... Depending on the version. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy decides to escort her out. And then she comes over to try to hit. It looks like she tries to hit Jimmy with the oh, bottle, and McCloud right. intercedes, which is why he gets hit in the hand. He says, "Like, look out!" And he right. gets whacked. And then while Jimmy goes to scare her off, he steals a, some liquor. Well, that's what I don't get. Is she runs away, and instead of tending to this injured elderly man, who like this kind of injury could be very serious for, <laughs> Jimmy true. decides well, to only, run. Only after... if he's as old as he's pretending to be, yeah. not if he's as old as he is. <laughs> Jimmy decides to run after the woman who. He's already running away. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. So um, I was with, then, this character, Jimmy, though, like, I feel like they give him a lot of development in this scene. Like, he we, goes know, a, we go on a little journey with like, Jimmy. We, we yeah. get to meet this new... I mean, Superman's we, I mean, he has a name. I mean yeah. he's just the bartender. Like, he has a name. He's drinking milk. Mac seems like they have a relationship. Like, he seems to be, like, real buddy-buddy with Mac. Yeah. Like, I believe in you, McCloud. Like, he saved us. Like, don't shit on him. Like, this is a character that never comes up again. Nope. I feel like he, at the very least, could be a character that sees Mac after he's become young. Yeah. And has, like, a boo-boo, like, moment. Like, it's, 
it's yeah. very strange yep. why this character is here this much. Yeah. Meanwhile, Louise Marcus shows up. She changes out of her wetsuit or whatever mm. and reveals that for some reason she has a handwritten note with the bar where McLeod is written right. on it. And for... it's like the 23rd Street Bar? Yeah. Which is either the name of the bar or the, just the street it's on. Who yeah. knows? Why? How'd she get that? Who told her? I guess Alan. I think, yeah, I think it's Alan has been... Is in Maybe this in the special edition. Is it mentioned that he's been, like, sending messages to somebody? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But like, either way, she's apparently going to try to meet McLeod. So they, they meet outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost by chant like it's like well she like comes down this weird fire escape yeah. stairwell and he just happens to be leaving right, right at that moment terror is a dangerous business yeah also can he read minds at this point Ooh, that's a good question they I don't know. at the end of the first movie they make, basically make it so that it can read people's minds oh can he not do that <laughs> i guess not they don't bring my, it up. My sense is no. Yeah. So he blows her off. He's like, I can't help you. Yeah. Uh, they like barely even speak. And she, she immediately lays into him. Yeah. Like immediately. I thought you were this guy. And it's like, you're but she's like, stranger you had- accosted me and you're a terrorist. But she's like not saying anything. She's just like, you used to have such passion for the world. And I looked up to you and blah, blah, blah. But it's all like these vague, like, yeah. statements. And, that- and she hasn't explained anything to him. It's yeah. not like she's explained the situation and he's like still no she like just like comes up to him she's like i'm a terrorist i need your help and he's like no (laughs) and then she's like fuck you you tired old man and then she hops in his car yeah and he's like get out she doesn't want to so they drive away and then she still like shits on him a bunch and she's like she broke into the december installation and things didn't make sense what do you want me to do and she's just like the numbers don't add up (laughs) like what does that mean like maybe explain a little more three million rads of radiation voted illegally in this ozone shield (laughs) so there there is an interesting line here she's like oh what happened to the cloud like everyone used to believe in and he's like that was 40 years ago and i was like oh like i did the math and it's like actually that's not when he makes the shield that's like 1980. It's like 1984. Or yeah, something. right. And I was like, oh, like, is this either it's a giant script error? Yeah. Or I was like, oh, like when McLeod thinks, when did when when was I the hero? It was when I won the game in the mid 80s, and so he makes a reference that she doesn't even understand. That like that makes sense. Which I thought was actually kind of cool. It's like, oh, this thing I did that I saved the whole planet was 40 years ago, not the 25 that you think it was. that makes sense yeah and so that's pretty much this scene and so we're about to jump to zeiss but before we do we should talk about kind of this whole section of film in the special edition which has some fairly significant changes like maybe not they're subtle but they really help i think the bar scene plays out pretty normally except when matt gets hit with the bottle and he's like oh i'm okay uh, and jimmy runs away and then he looks at his hand right and we get, like, electricity on his cut, and his cut heals. heals. And he's like, what? This shouldn't be happening. Right. Oh, and also, yeah. before he even goes into the bar, I guess it's in the special edition that I guess these assassins have already arrived on Earth. Like, well, it's all a little recut. So they're arriving yeah. before he gets into the bar. We haven't said it yet. Assassins are about to arrive on Earth yeah. for reasons. Yes. Well, in the special version or whatever, Katana's watching all this happen on right. a screen <laughs> on Zeist, which, like, who's filming this? Yes. Is this, like, magic? Like, yeah, he has, like, a magic It's a crystal kind ball. of magic. Yeah. Is this a kind <laughs> of magic? <laughs> Yeah, he just has, like, a screen, and then the priest is like, oh, McLeod hasn't made his decision yet, and he's, like, still alive. Yeah. He's like, I can see that. I'm not blind. <laughs> so that's when he decides he wants to send his goons These back. Goons. And we'll get more into that in the next scene, I guess. But, like, McLeod gets, like, the buzz when they arrive on Earth. 
which I yeah. think is also effective. Like, he has like an orgasm in the car. Well, no, no, yeah. that's later. That's in the the shitty version. Oh, okay, but it's yeah. definitely hinted at before that he knows something's up. Well, Louise sees a disturbance in right. the shield, like a weird like bloom, bloom, bloom. Yeah. So, I, uh, uh, but I anyway, so his thing heals, but that makes him blowing her off make all the more sense because yeah. I, in my original notes, I'm like, why is he such a dick? Like, yeah. he was this great guy before, and like we don't know why there's this been like oh, fall she's of a terrorist. Yeah. Well, yes, there is that. There's that. Yeah. She literally just saw a news report that says like a terror attack that could have doomed the entire planet was perpetuated by this person but i suppose he might want to listen a little bit well, maybe so taking... but who knows but the reason he blows her off is in the special edition there's extra dialogue and he's like i don't have time for this right now and it's because he knows like i just received some disturbing news right or something and she's like did somebody die and he's like unfortunately not right i think <laughs> all that dialogue is actually pretty okay like yeah. in the scheme yeah. of the way this works it's like oh, okay so i kind of like that that gives that's the reason for his urgency and his desire not to help her because he's got like bigger you know, fish to fry right yeah mr fish mr fish to fry so we should talk should we talk about sonic and knuckles yeah yeah but like the the best way when you like insert sonic 3 into it <laughs> okay so Lock we're on, on technology <laughs> all right so after all of this we're on zeist what's going on so we're back on zeist and you're kudo Rito, buddy joe and these two like bird looking guys like <laughs> did you have they literally have up. like snouts yeah, yeah. they have like, like beaks, beaks. And yeah they're, like they're like and hedgehogs around spines. like they're like they're looking like around bird like people. birds do <laughs> i hate these characters yes because they're insane so my blood boils much. when they arrive yeah also like they toggle between talking like dr claw and laughing like the little cretin monster who yeah. like totally. sits on java's lap yeah oh salacious crumb yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 and they like stick their tongues out. Yeah. Uh, that's who they reminded me of. I couldn't put my uh, finger on it. Uh, they reminded me a lot of uh, the monkeys in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, because I was like, oh, these this feels very Wizard of Ozzy to yeah. me. Like that he's viewing. I don't know. He's got some crystal ball thing, and then yeah. Uh, well, Katana like says. Well, he does to- make a Wizard of Oz reference later. No, he does. True. How does he know that? <laughs> yeah. Who knows. He tells him to go to Earth to kill McCloud. And they're like, but he's going to die in two weeks anyway. <laughs> and he, so and he's, then he slaps them. Yeah. And then they just cackle and go. It's so hard to get good help these days. Yeah. It's so, like, no, no. They just give you great advice, son. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So all the questions I have. What year is it on Zeist? So we know it's the past. No. Well, no. Well, so in the theatrical version, we don't know that. Right. So in the theatrical version, is this just present day Zeist? I guess. But then yeah. why were immortals sent to different time periods on Earth? Mm. I don't know. And I was trying to think, it's like, does the light speed thing make any sense? But that actually would have the reverse effect. Yeah. Like, Katana would be dead and gone if they were traveling at light speed. Yeah. So, I don't know. None of it makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why these guys look so crazy? Like, Zeistian technology has advanced a lot in the past 500 years? But why do these guys look so goofy and nobody else looks like this? Are they even people? (laughs) Yeah, are they humans? Yeah, they must be, because he decapitates them and gets their quickenings. I guess. Uh, They must not be robots. They could be androids. And so then, I guess, also, how does he know about... They, they know about stuff on Earth, right? Why does he send his immortal... Well, in this version, they're all mortal on Zeiss. So say, why does he send his mortal immortal goons instead of, like, mortal goons? Oh, I see. Yeah, like, why are you sending people to Earth that are going to empower Mac if he wins? I don't... And why send two? If this is your plan, also, why not send six? I have another question. Also, can they come back? That or was Cordo and Rita yes. going to have to kill each other in yes. order to be able to come oh, back? Oh, right. yeah. yeah. So I, have, I also have a question, like... Who sends who who sends you to Earth? 
I thought that was like those magical judges. It seems like you can just go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katana can at least just go. Well, yeah, he's like, he's, oh, well, I guess I have to do it now. Right. Like, he just goes. I don't know. That seems weird to me. I figured that would be the judge's call. Yeah. Guess not. Anybody know. can go. It's, a, it's an open pass. Yeah. So they're like the porcupine version of Bulk and Skull. They show up and just start cackling. And how do they enter, Eamon? How do, oh how do we see God. them enter McCloud's Field of Vision? So the first time I tried to watch this movie, it was like maybe five or six months ago. This is the part where I turned it off. <laughs> like, I, I was just like, nope. They like just appear out of nowhere and go, <laughs> and like, like, do a little dance. Yes. Like, like, <laughs> there's like a little, like they're trying to scare them or it's, something. It is so like, much more like the monkeys that I gave it credit. Yeah. For. But also they literally have wings. One but, of them does. Yeah. yeah. But, but like, there's all that cackling and dancing and then yeah. instantly. Yeah. It's like, holy <laughs> shit. Like who is this guy? Like, tunnel, uh. it's like when you pretend to be like a spooky ghost to scare a kid on Halloween. Like that's like the hand motions he's doing. That's like the n- least scary thing of all time. I'm just like, I hate this. And one of them is on like a crazy hoverboard. Yeah. And the other one has wings. Has like wings. Which in the theatrical version aren't really illustrated. They don't pop out or anything. He just starts flying he around. He just starts flying around. Yeah. Whereas the, in the renegade version, like they show him like pull the wings out. And, yeah, like, it's like Buzz Lightyear away. wings yeah. or whatever. Ugh. So Louise has to hide in a dumpster. <laughs> yeah, Max, I did you. While he faces these guys. I have a lot of problems with him sticking her in this dumpster, which I'll we'll talk about in a little bit. But just how it's not cool. Not, not cool, not but like even even like structurally in this movie, like there's reasons for her not to be in there, and it would really help the plot along. Well, these guys are floating around, and they start shooting like a fireworks. They've got like a magic gun. Yeah. yeah. So they start blasting at him, and then. Connor goes, Ramirez, my good friend Ramirez. <laughs> help me. Help me, Ramirez. What? He the... doesn't come to help him. <laughs> no! It doesn't happen. So he's lying in that scene on Zeist. <laughs> also, like, he didn't invoke this power when he had to fight the Kerr again. Yeah. I guess he forgot. Is that, like, what's happened? Or like, he forgot about Zeist? I don't, Zeist? Yeah, I don't happen, know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this whole set somehow feels like a little like the super mario brothers set to oh, me it does and i actually i actually googled like to, the super yeah. mario brothers movie. i was like oh is this the same like part because these guys are the goombas <laughs> max getting chased and he mm. rips he has superhuman strength out of nowhere like he rips a pipe but like then, a railing i mean and, i'm willing to buy that anything in this well, universe like, is dilapidated it's, all right it's loose or whatever all right yeah. so he pulls and, the and he pipe off ramirez yeah. is that no is that who he's thanking yeah is he's thanking that, god I, that's that was my question i took it as he's thanking ramirez he's like thank you my old friend yeah he says yeah. thank you my old friend oh that's so but like, like jesus is his old friend <laughs> but why oh, are you thanking guys. him for this like loose like railing piece <laughs> guys did jesus ever go to zeist <laughs> yes <laughs> that's where he's from yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's also where jesus is from. yeah he was in the crowd <laughs> but like this this mutant assassin from another planet can't fight elderly decrepit mcleod like he's having a lot of trouble yes. fighting mac and like all of a sudden now this is where his voice becomes so crazy yeah it's like because if he was like a 50 something which is how the math works out yeah like i could see him still fighting pretty well yeah, like, yeah. being like he did win the game after all like he's right. a great swordsman like maybe he handles this guy but if you set the scene that he's like outmatched by a woman with a bottle and like <laughs> falling asleep in the opera, opera yeah. and like 
<laughs> like can barely speak. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> the sword fights in Highlander were pretty good. Yeah. They were fun to watch, like well choreographed. This is just a boring it's very sword boring. fight. I don't know if it's because of the choreography or because it's hard for that guy to move in his costume. It wouldn't surprise me if that was very hard know. to move in. The way it was yeah. shot, like the style of the, the scene, it felt a lot like the Silver Cup fight, the one on the roof. Like when yeah. they're fighting among the scaffolding. I was like, oh, like some of this kind of feels evocative of yeah. that. But no, it is it's not very boring. Yeah. Very boring. Uh, and it's and I, long. I feel like the music, it does not help this movie. Like no. I actually, I was listening to music yesterday a little bit and I feel like listening to it on its own, I was like kind of into it. I was like, you know, it does have this very symphonic feel to it. Like it feels like it could just be a piece of music that was written on its own. Like it feels very like late 1800s. I like a lot of it. I just don't think it was the right fit for the movie. You mentioned that this guy should easily take Mac out. For me, this is the reason that Luis is not in the dumpster. Katana is like, look at that old man. Finish this now. Just, just go down and go down and do it. Oh, I didn't count on an eco terrorist being there. And it's like she can be the one to Who, save like, Mac these guys. and to yeah. like help, like to help turn the top, like to even the playing field a little bit. And, like, that's the wrench in the works that he didn't count on. And it would make it seem like that his plan wasn't super dumb. I mean, it is dumb, but, like, there's something he didn't count on, at least. And that was Luis. But instead, she's literally stuck in the trash. Yeah. Like, it's terrible. Also, if they do kill McLeod, do they get his quickening? I guess. I guess at this point, at least in the theatrical cut, I interpreted it that McLeod was completely mortal. So they didn't have to take his head. If they just, like, stabbed him, he would die, was how I interpreted it. Like, shoot him with that gun. He's toast. Right. Was how I thought it was. But in the special edition, you know that his immortality has been, like, reactivated. Right. When they arrive. (sighs) It's confusing. So, like, it's just very confusing. So the fight kind of moves a little bit. They're, like, on scaffolding. They topple off onto this kind of cool, like, train Yeah, that part's kind of cool. Also, the other goon is just watching. Well, they argue about whose turn it is to take mcleod so what do yeah. they do normally i was wondering like what is who are are they brothers are they <laughs> best friends like I was, brother! <laughs> are they twins are, are like these guys actually remind me a lot of those two goofy twin characters in the matrix the movie i said i really like oh shit <laughs> the, 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 the albino <laughs> like dreadlock Duck guys yes. yeah, yeah. it is like that yes it is and they have similar eyewear <laughs> yeah. they're ghosts uh, you brought up the train we should i think we should play this clip of bill panzer talking about the construction of this train set like this is a little crazy i think yeah yeah we needed a train because we needed to cut the guy's head off in the fight there are two places maybe in buenos aires where there were train tracks that were possible one was a fairly full place that could have been dressed to look somewhat like the street that would have cost about 20 percent as much and the other was to find a place that just had the railroad tracks and to build this entire city around it. So we decided to do the prudent thing and build the entire city. Right, right. after it was really no choice. Once we saw those drawings and then, you know, had a glass of wine at lunch, it was, uh, (laughs) don't cry for us. (laughs) (laughs) A glass of wine at lunch. (laughs) I don't even know why, why did they need these train tracks? Like, just put a fake train, like, it can all be fake, like... Or why does he his head have to get chopped off by a train? I don't. I don't. I don't mind the train thing. I think that's a cool. It's cool, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah. If it's going to be that prohibitively expensive, it's just like, eh, we can think of something better. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's what's going on with that train. Uh, so the fight ends up 
toppling onto this train. At which point, either Cordo, Cordo and or Reno. Yeah, who knows who's yeah. who? Just <laughs> yeah. Why do they even have names? Who yeah. cares? Beating so, the shit out of Mac. So Bebop is just <laughs> punching him in the face with his sword yeah. over and over. And he punches him like six times. Yeah. It's, it's and like brutal. And if he's, again, if he's as old as he's supposed to be, like, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> then he, like, falls off and gets his head run over by the train is the head wearing its goggles no no okay yeah. that's a well at one point mac gets the advantage on this guy because they go past like a burst water main oh right and right, he gets right, water right, right. on his stupid goggles he's yeah. wearing at night and has to take them off <laughs> yeah. and then mac is able to like pull him between the trains and like kick them down under the wheel so now it's quickening time this is pretty cool uh, this is awesome i think yeah the animation of this lightning, I think, is really good. They also, like, characterize it like it, like, crawls. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's got, like, a personality. Like, it looks like a hand. It kind of inches its way towards Mac, it's, and then it it's grabs him. thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, hopping from, like, can to can, and then eventually to, like, cars and stuff, and the cans are, like, exploding off the ground. This is really cool. The like, explosion's like, awesome. This explosion is nuts. Like, yeah. everything blows up. It's, it's pretty spectacular. I like this. Also, what'd you, how do you guys feel about their insistence? on showing every decapitation in this movie i do not like it i don't like even in the original that they really show it that much and it looks very corny yeah when the <laughs> when his head gets removed by the wheel yeah yeah also this quickening is so fucking awesome and every subsequent quickening <laughs> it gets dumber and dumber and shorter and shorter there's only two subsequent ones yeah yeah but they're all, all is a, in they're all a letdown to the, from this like yeah. this is really awesome this it is, is really awesome. cool so everything yeah. blows up like yep. everything blows up mm-hmm. and then a tractor trailer like a full of some sort of gasoline or something is careening towards mac the cabin detaches it's got lips lips on it (laughs) and i guess it crashes into mac or hits something right before whatever it explodes right before it hits him okay for whatever reason right but might have just said this quickening definitely killed people yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. everybody dies jimmy gets exploded (laughs) jimmy you're a good boy jimmy jimmy (laughs) jimmy so jerry jerry there is a jerry moment later in this movie (laughs) uh so then we're like oh what happened and then mac heroically emerges yeah from the fire it's awesome yeah Yeah, this everything about this is awesome yeah uh and he comes out and he's young again looking Mm -hmm. handsome he's got long hair now which well i guess he had long hair as old mac but but why is he young again Mm. I don't know. Uh. Was he on his way to becoming young? He was re-immortaled. <laughs> like when he got the electricity on his reason? hand? I don't know. But, like, that, but again, it was just, that was this just kind of jump-started it. Like, up, oh, we're going to get real quick. and doesn't make any <laughs> sense, but it's cool. And we get the new Highlander theme, which is not the original. This is some new yeah. theme that it's not, not as good. Not remarkable in any way. No, it is not. No. Uh, I was also curious, like, do you think they wanted to not use the music from the original? Or we had heard a rumor, this was not confirmed, that Michael Kamen did not get paid for his work on the first movie. Do you think that is, one, why he's not in this, and two, why he wouldn't even allow them to use the music? Like, maybe. That something happened with the rights to that. I don't know. But, yeah, we're not done yet. Yeah. No. So the other guy has, like, his vulture buzz white ear wings and is, like, starting to fly around. Meanwhile, Mac goes and snags that hoverboard, baby. This scene, I'm like, them flying around looks good and is, like, cool, but it's, like, boring. It's way too long. It's, yeah. I, it's like over two minutes, I think. They're flying around. And in the Renegade version, it's even longer. The sets in this movie, they are impressive. These are yeah. huge, big sets. And 
they're kind of neat. But I feel like the fact that they are doing this chase for so like it feels like a, watching a cartoon and they're running and you know how the background yes, just keeps repeating running, and it's just like at some point I'm just like where are like who cares like we're just going in a circle. Well, it doesn't look point. like well, they kind of are. They're they are kind of yeah. just like on like a little jousting ring. Yeah, but it doesn't look like they're chasing each other. I don't think they're almost ever on the same the screen at the same time. Yeah, they basically aren't, which yeah. really cuts down on the excitement because there's it's just no- like one person and there's another. Who knows yeah. how close they are? What are the stakes? There aren't any. No. Yeah. This should not be two characters. This should be one guy. And if they want to do a little of this flying thing, I'm okay, I guess, with that. It's like, oh, it'll be a special effects thing. It'll be neat. Like, just one guy, though. And it's like, they can sword fight. They can have the chase. And with the train, big explosion. Like, but this is such a letdown after that big explosion. Yeah. yeah. It's not exciting at all. No. Lambert, for some reason, in the... Or, sorry, put Luis on that fucking thing. Again, a way to get, like, because I was just thinking, it's like, oh, well, maybe, like, I get, maybe they were thinking, like, oh, well, we want Mac to do it, but he can't ride the hoverboard because he's old. So we've got to get him young first, then he can ride the hoverboard. Like, that's right. how they're thinking logistically how to make this scene work. They can fix all of that by getting Luis involved in the scene, as they should, because it makes sense. Because she does nothing in this movie. And it's like, have her be the person on the hoverboard helping out, so we still get that going on, and... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. Lambert, like, loved this hoverboard scene. Like, he was way into it. So we should listen to this clip of him talking about how neat it was to fly. I was flying, literally. So it was a lot of fun and very exciting. If you look at the movie, this is something I haven't seen yet done as well in any other picture and it was a gamble because we didn't have the technology that we have today it was new what we were doing and it's great i love that kind of stuff <laughs> never seen in any kind of movie except i love that kind of stuff back to the future, <laughs> the future yeah. too I, although i do think they had to like redesign some of the hoverboard stuff in this because of back to the future too mm. or is it mechas redesigned some of it because he heard they were gonna do it there was action on that front because what year did back to the future 2 come out 88 or 89 they made some like big deal in the special features saying about how they did the hoverboard and it's like there's like elastic through his pants so that it's like it moves with his legs. And then it sound like it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I was like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. I think it looks like cool. And I'm like impressed that they did it. I, I think if it was shorter, it would have a lot more but impact. But it's just, it's too long. Like a quarter of the length. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think it's like bad, really. Uh, it's not exciting. Oh, I mean, again, we, we literally just saw a hoverboard sequence in Back to the Future 2. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that worked well. <laughs> like, like yeah. that was, that's a really exciting scene. And this is, Kind of boring. Hoverboards don't work on water. <laughs> uh, we also have not talked about the homeless man that I guess did not get incinerated in the quickening. He looks up and at she- it at a flying alien. <laughs> he looks up at a flying alien. Hey, you got a light? <laughs> like, there's no big deal. You got a light, and then he shoots him with the fireworks cannon and blows him up, yeah. and then cackles. Yeah. <laughs> And they kill cops at this point, too. Yeah, yeah at some point, he play blow up a cop car. Yeah. yeah. Cop killers. Cordo and Reno cop killers. So, like, Mac eventually gets de-hoverboarded. And but then he gets his secret tripping, weapon. Right? He just trips, yeah. I think. Right. right. Yeah. Gets his secret weapon, a wire. Right. Yeah. And so he, like, wraps it around his sword. And then this whole scene also feels like Batman to me. Come yeah. on. 
come on, come and get me, you six. Like, remember the, the, that's oh, the yeah. scene, right? Yeah, where yeah, where yeah. the Joker's taunting Batman and the Batwing coming yeah. at him. That's this. Like, yeah. I feel like this, they're just aping on that. Yep. But he holds up the thing and slowly rips. Yeah. Like, what does he fix the other end of the wire to? I it's like it's attached just... to like a wall or something. Yeah. And somehow the wire removes his head. And is that tall? Like, I don't know. How tall can he hold the wire up? Yeah. And like, how taut can he make it? I don't know. This is insane. And like, why wouldn't he just like flip around? Why would it actually remove his head? I don't know. It yeah, makes no sense. Know. It looks real it's, dumb. It's just cartoony. Happens. And it's like, did they not want him to cut? Like, why even? Why doesn't he actively cut this one's head off? Yeah, that's a great like, question. Like, I, I like the idea that, like, oh, the first one, like, because he's an old man, like, it's kind of accidental. That's okay for me. But it's like, now he's like badass McLeod. Fucking chop, chop his, his head, head off. off. Yeah. Instead, that's it's what... like, let me set a little trap here. Like, yeah. Like, it's what you do. Well, first, I want oh, to talk about his dummy, like, the dummy body, <laughs> like, colliding into the wall. And like, yeah. Like, Wiley Coyote style. Yeah. <laughs> Splat. It's just like this, like, Really, like, stationary mannequin body, like, slamming chest first into a wall and exploding. I thought that was really funny. So then we get another quickening, which is our second quickening in, like, five minutes. minutes so, like, yeah. boring. And so I have some questions. This quickening happens, and there's, like, lightning, and it would appear the lightning, like, bounces off the shield and yeah. is deflected to Scott. I can't tell. Like, does Ramirez appear in Scotland because that's where he died, or whatever. Or maybe this movie posits is that's where he's from. Uh, <laughs> or that's where he died. Well, yeah. yeah. Is that why? Or was it supposed? To, was he supposed to appear with Mac, but the shield got in the way and deflected it Ooh, somewhere else? I didn't think about it. Because they, they show the lightning hit the shield and go somewhere else. And I was yeah. like, ah. But here's my other question. is: Does McLeod actually get this quickening? Does he deflect the quick? Like, is Ramirez made of goo number two's quickening? Uh, no, it doesn't matter. I know. No, sh- none of this movie matters. <laughs> Literally, the hours we are spending talking about this doesn't matter. <laughs> this movie's terrible. But but is that what's... Is, does Matt get the quickening? Like, what? I don't know. I think we're misusing, in the context of this movie, we're misusing the word quickening. I think. <laughs> The quickening yeah, is the magic red goop that they put their hands in, not what happens when you decapitate another immortal. He's making good on this ancient promise somehow, irrespective of decapitating this other guy. Otherwise, what a dumb power. I <laughs> guess. Like, call my name immediately after you've cut someone's head off, and yeah. I'll maybe come if I feel like Well, it. that's <laughs> what I don't understand. It's like, why didn't Ramirez come initially? That doesn't make sense. That was why I was leaning towards, like, did he need some quickening juice to make he, it happen? He says, like, call my name and I'll come find you. He doesn't say I'll show up immediately. So like he but calls, he doesn't. But, he, but like the process is set in motion. I, yeah. All right. I think that's the. I think just like the wheel of justice turns slowly. And like, <laughs> you know. All right. He, so he makes the clarion call, and then like eventually Ramirez appears, and then he has to make his way to where he is. Okay. Yeah. So here are my other questions. This is where it gets good. I think. Right. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. So one, did Connor just win the game? Again. My thought was yes until Ramirez shows up. Then he unwins the game. Yeah. So then second question is Ramirez shows up before Katana shows up. Well, right. th- these are both intertwined. If Max plan had gone accordingly, let's say, like he calls Ramirez because he's like in the shit. He's like, oh, I need yeah. help. So let's say Ramirez showed up right then and there. If Max plan went well, Ramirez and Connor would have defeated the two goons together. And then what? Like this then is they just would have been immortal buddies forever. That's not yeah. the game. Like, or best friends like, forever. Then, then do, do they have to kill each other? I mean, honestly, if they as far to. as like our weird yeah. reboot treatments went, like this would have been a crazy way to get to that point yeah. of will we ever have to fight each other? This yeah. is how you do it. Like it's like oh shit, like that isn't even bridged in this movie, Mm-mm. like at all. No, that they might have to fight. 
So who knows when the game is the game is won countless times in yeah. this movie. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, no, we can count them. We can count the number of times the game is won in this movie. He wins it after he kills Reno. Reno. He unwins it after Ramirez appears. Right. And so and then, then he, he wins, wins it again, again when he kills Katana. Yeah. yeah. Uh. So Connor McLeod has won the game three, three times uh, already. In mythology. And oh. there's more to come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think that's a pretty good place to uh, wrap it up. What have we talked about this episode? We are really... We, get, we made some good headway here, yeah. I think. This, well, also, this fight scene is long. So, yeah. I mean... It takes up like eighth of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's so long. Good it's, gravy. It's a major set piece to this movie. This is like the big part of this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I the feel. quickening might be the best part. The quickening in that. The quickening is the best part of the movie. The quickening yeah. in that opera are the yeah. two best parts of the movie. And the yeah. getting dressed montage, which we haven't gotten to yet. Oh, oh that's a distant third. <laughs> yes, very distant. <laughs> <laughs> We're what? A good third of the way through the movie? Something like that. Uh, so Connor McCloud has just gotten his. Well, second quickening, I guess it is. He's become young Connor. He sends some lightning zaps into space to make a Ramirez clone. He's the original. I guess so. Uh, and so that's that's kind of where we are right now. So let's continue. Uh, so right now we cut to Glencoe, Scotland. Uh, and this is the theatrical cut. And this is like a Shakespearean play. They're doing Hamlet. Hamlet. And he's doing the famous graveyard speech where he's talking to Yorick the Skull. Right. That's right. Ramirez like teleports into this or is like reincarnated into like this onto the stage of this play. Yeah. This scene ends up, I guess, being funny, although it does have a lot of like weird moments. Uh, I think the whole it's point insane. of this yeah. was to introduce Ramirez into a time period where he wouldn't know what time period he was in. I think that was why this is happening. Yeah. Like he appears, everyone's wearing old costumes. He's like, oh, I'm back wherever like this isn't now and like then he eventually comes He's to the like, oh, it's still it's like 1700 here i am right and then it you know then he has some realization that oh no these people are dressing up and i'm at a play and this is not right yeah, yeah. So yeah. i think that my note just says does ramirez not know what a play is because <laughs> plays existed when yeah. he died well, he, he realizes it when he sees the audience yeah which takes like two and a half minutes yeah. apparently yeah and they're all clapping and laughing at him yeah like he's so, surrounded by hundreds of people and he'd like they're all interacting with him yeah so let's he, play this clip because i think this clip is actually pretty funny that's just me you guys <laughs> have different opinions I... it's like a little bit funny <laughs> but it's like too distractingly goofy yeah i just don't understand why he doesn't understand yeah also, he appears in his garb from the first movie. Yes. And not his Zeist outfit for whatever reason. I'll say this. I, I'm okay with that. These are, this is one of those like suspensions of disbelief where it's like, oh, the character's name doesn't change even though he's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. It's like, that's an iconic look for him. I give it a pass. I'm like, sure. you know what he looks like? And he just appears in his clothes. And so. he's got a brand new sword. Brand no, new. He, no, he takes the sword. Yeah, he takes it from He takes it from stage. Hamlet. He does? Mm-hmm. He, he do. Which also means that later when he fights McCloud, he is fighting with a prop, prop sword yeah. <laughs> and will lose... Alas, poor Yorick. This guy's a stone cold professional at first. Yeah. Actually, the name is Ramirez. Where? Will you get out of here? <laughs> Excuse me. A fellow of infinite jest, of most excellent fancy. Forgive me for interrupting your uh, conversation, but. Uh... He hath borne me upon his back a thousand times. Now. How abhorrent in my imagination it is. Like 
This weird stage. Here hung those lips that I have kissed, I know not how oft. Sir, whatever you gentlemen felt for each other when your friend was still alive is certainly none of my affair. Why are you so insistent on talking to him? What's your fucking game, shithead? 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 What's a shithead? How does he not know what that is? Those are two words that he knows. Those are two words he knows. Shithead? Oh, this audience that was here the whole time. Yeah. Good gravy. Uh, my apologies. <laughs> Enough of this useless banter. Useless. I shall be on my way and leave you to converse with your scum. Farewell, dear shithead. Enter bagpipes. Farewell, Farewell dear shithead. And bagpipes. Let's talk about all the stuff going on in this scene. Farewell, dear shithead. <laughs> oh, then he checks himself out in the mirror. It's good the magic still works. I He's like checking his neck. Protect your neck. Yeah. <laughs> A couple things. One, this audience interaction thing. Like, at first when they start laughing, I was like, oh, like, they're making fun. Like, they're like, oh, who's this idiot? Like, they're laughing at him. Clearly, he wins them over instantly instantly and, and like they he has like a standing ovation at the end like they're like yes you're the best you interrupted like the seminal moment of the most famous play ever written <laughs> he comes onto the stage by lightning striking <laughs> and he's there and, and everyone and everyone's just totally cool with it how is everybody not just like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> well i guess they think it's the magic of theater the but magic then, like, of the stage. But, like, why then are they cool with the interruption? Yeah. If they think it's, like, part of the show, why they're like, well, this is a weird rendition of Hamlet. Yeah, like, yeah. what? I don't remember this part. Like, it makes it seem like they play. hate Hamlet or something. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're at the boring theater watching Hamlet. Like, this cool guy from the future where <laughs> just, like, spiced it up, and now we love it. Like, and now he's cool saying shithead. Yeah. yeah. And, like, the when the Hamlet guy, who's, like, being so cool at first, finally breaks character, yeah. he breaks so hard. What's your fucking game, shithead? What's your fucking game, shithead? Ed. It's like, whoa, what the hell? <laughs> and I just can't believe that Connery doesn't know what shithead means. In general, I feel like Scotland is a nicer place than wherever Connor is living right now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this theater seems nice. The theater goers look dressed very well. Yeah. And also, there's a ton of people in this scene. Again, there's a lot of money on the screen right now. Yeah. A lot of extras all wearing costumes that are, like, all custom to like the scene. period. They're, like, period pieces. Yeah. For what? For what? Yeah. yeah. For, any for a for? goofy bit with Sean Connery saying shithead. Right. Which he says like 42 other times in this movie. Yeah. Oh, and here's This movie one. has three jokes in it. Yeah. It's a kind of magic shithead and Michael Ironsides' mouth. Yeah. <laughs> shithead? Uh, also, this, shithead. Cur- this cursing thing, I feel like, is another influence from Star Trek Four. Oh. And this is all Spock. From Star Trek. F- oh, the joke of like. When Spock comes to Earth in the a path. A double dumbass on you. Right. That's uh, all what this yeah. is to yeah. me. I don't know. What's the chronology on that? That's... When did Star Trek Four come out? That's the one where they go into the past, right? Yeah. Yeah. 86 or 87 maybe? Yeah. I, th- I feel like Star Trek Five had just come out in that... 90 or something. With the whistles? Or, or 6 and 91. The whistles? The whistles. The whales. The, the nuclear whistles. whistles. <laughs> nuclear oh, whistles. whistles. Where do you keep your nuclear whistles? Ah, uh, so good. Shithead. We, we also, when he exit, when Ramirez exits the stage, bagpipe music plays. Yeah. And this repeats all through the movie. I guess they're just like, fuck it. 
he's Connor, the Highland Connery he's Scottish. Scottish. Yeah. And so he's accompanied by bagpipes like all the time. And Connor's never, I don't know. It's crazy. Even though he's the Highlander yeah. and the yeah. context of the continuity of the movie, he's actually Scottish. Yeah. If you didn't see the first one, this would be really confusing. And it's already confusing. Yeah, Why is this... he reincarnated in Scotland? And the bagpipe music is always playing. Like... See, I think this is another one of those things where, like, the, the continuity is, like, kind of broken. There's, like, allusions to the first movie, but it's not truly dependent. Do they ever mention that Connery died? No. Do they ever actually establish that he's that in the context of the movie he is dead? Mm-mm. So when they both get sent down to Earth... They're just separated, I guess. They're like, Firestorm? <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I have no Somebody idea. Somebody calls him. That's the first time he's seen him since Zeist. I don't know. In the, if just seeing this movie, you could be very forgiven for thinking that. Yeah, yep. that's true. That's crazy. And then, like, the bagpipe movie, music and, like, the weird Scottish thing is, like, less jarring. Because then you're like, okay, well, you have no instinct that Lambert is supposed to be Scottish. You have a Scottish actor who just appeared in Scotland accompanied by bagpipe music. Right. And you're like, oh, that's fine. And then, like, his nickname is the Highlander because, like, the Highlands of Zeist? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was just going to say, like, this is another instance, like, the the opera in the beginning where the play has no bearing on anything. Like, I get why they picked Hamlet. It's a famous scene. It's another opportunity to, like, whatever they were acting out or whatever could have something to do with something. Like, that entire scene is about... I'm working here. Putting in some effort for this movie that it does not deserve. <laughs> but what's that entire scene about? Like, we're leading into the entire to be or not to be speech. Right. It's all about, like, this question of, like, do you commit suicide? Do you act? This, like, kind of existential moment of, like, taking control of your life and how you're going to do that. Connor's about to be faced with a bunch of, like, decision points. Like, is he going to get back involved in the mortal world and, like, try to bring down the shield is he going to go back to zeist and try to fight katana like he's got these conflicts that he can opt out of and like in the context of the initial where you find him initially he is just waiting to grow like to die like he's so like he's apparently so old like he's just waiting to wither away because he's like a pointless man at this point he's got this call that he's finally about to answer i don't know that's the best i got that's not bad yeah, honestly, that's pretty good. That, that can justify it for me because sure. I was just like feeling a little hollow that this was a point where they could have stuck in some meaning to anything. Yeah, to anything. Uh, but yeah, Connery leaves. He looks in the mirror, says the magic still works. This magic thing really bugs me in this movie. Like them being so heavy handed with like it's magic, and it's like fine. That was how they explained the whole first movie. It's but magic. they didn't mention it so much. Well, they didn't mention yeah. it so much, but also this movie has so much science in it. It's like it's a kind of magic, except for like the teleporting device. I guess <laughs> is that magic? Maybe I don't know. The shield? Like, that's not magic. That's not magic. Yeah. The hoverboards? I don't think that's magic. That's definitely like I, like it's fucking hand bazooka <laughs> that he carries. I'm around. never sure what yeah. is magic and what's not. Kind of in this, it's it's all over the place. Fuck it. So then he almost gets hit by a car. Yeah. <laughs> So much for the horse and carriage. So now we are back in the city, whatever we call this place. So Louise sees young Connor now. And to be clear, Lambert is handsome at this point in time. Sure, he's got his flowing Vigo locks and everything. Why is she automatically attracted She's to She's just him? like, he comes this up to This is off. This is more confusing than their relationship in the first movie, like Brenda and Mac. He just walks up to her and says... I'm Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod, which no, you're not, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I was banished from the planet Zeist 500 years ago, <laughs> and I cannot die. That's when you go, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, and she's just like, take me. Yeah. And then they, they fuck in a dirty alley. <laughs> it's disgusting. This is ridiculous. Yeah. 
Oh, this is more perplexing to me than the planet Zeist. I have, <laughs> I, I, have five, I wrote down five reasons why this is upsetting to me. One, all Connor McLeod knows about this person is he thinks she is a rightly unemployed terrorist. Yeah. Right? Two, uh, he was just an old fucking man. Like, and it's like, now I got to kiss you. Three, they literally just met. Four, she is covered in dumpster trash juice. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. five, she just fucked an alien. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's yep. weird, too. Like, he looks like you, but he's an alien. Yeah. From the planet Zeist, and he's over 500 years old. I, I don't understand this. Like, for, for, for all she knows, this guy's a nutcase. Like, you just met him, and he just said, I'm an alien. Like... <laughs> And you just saw him murder two people. Yeah. Murder two people get caught up in some crazy electrical storm. Right. It's like, Emerge, I, I would think it's like, I think you fried some circuits explosion. in there. Yeah. yeah. I'd be freaked out. <laughs> nope. Just wants yeah. to get down to business. Oh my God. Also, and also Con- Eamon, do you Connor want to talk about Connor's performance? Oh, he doesn't last very long. <laughs> It's been it's been a few hundred years. That's true. Or not a few hundred years, but he's got some pen up. Oh, it's been since Brenda. Yeah, and they're like true. obviously raw talking it. Yeah. So like, oh. oh, sorry, sorry. It's okay. He can't get her pregnant, but she doesn't know that. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't know that, and she's okay with this. Yep, she's gonna have this like trash juice alien baby. Also, this movie yeah. was filmed in 1990, came out in 1991. AIDS is still a problem, and the producers of this movie were like, should they just fuck in an alley? Yeah, sure, that's not an issue. Yeah. Let's talk about fucking ozone shit. It, not AIDS. So you're saying is that this movie would be better if Connor had cured AIDS? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't buy like why this happens, and it hap- because I, like, there's no explanation given. They don't even yeah. try to sell why it happens. Yeah, it's just like oh, they fuck. Yeah, and so in the special edition of this, the difference is he says he's immortal. Like yeah. they cut out the Zeiss reference. He's just immortal. He can't die. Yeah. And then there's just like more fuckingness. Yeah. Fuckingness. Like, like more disrobing kind of like lots yeah. of groping and like yep. open mouth and like, uh, it's, and it's, <laughs> at gas- least there's no <sighs> nipple teething in this one. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> it's actually, it's, it's shocking. Why isn't there? Like, why isn't there? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not this insane. Why isn't there any nipple sucking in this movie? I'm not. I'm not upset by it. There's no restraint in any other aspect of this movie. Yeah, yeah. And like they or obviously the filmed those I mean, weird boobs in like the the extended edition for like the passed out sexually assaulted woman. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe Virginia Madsen is just like no. I don't. No. That's like. Yeah. I mean, that's probably yeah, understandable. Probably why? Yeah. Yeah. How established as like a character actor was she in 1991? Pretty well. Yeah. Like, she had done a lot of like. She could say. Definitely walk away from something like that. And she actually was almost Brenda in the very first Highlander. Oh, right. right. Mm. Tidbits. Oh, she had been. Maybe there would have been no nipple sucklings. Don't want to show those tidbits. All right. So now. Things get pretty nuts, like, between the two versions here. Yeah, this this really separates. In the special edition, Katana is watching Lambert defeat the goons. Yeah. And this is when he decides. And presumably bone thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. He's six straight. He doesn't go right. He's like, I got to go to Earth. Let me watch this first. Hang on yeah. a <laughs> uh, clear the room. <laughs> uh, so this is when he decides he's got to go down and take care of business. Uh, yeah. But in the theatrical cut, we cut to Max Mansion. He is like a very big. That house. makes sense. If he saved, he was like rich before. He uh, presumably owned that real estate when New York's uh, real estate market took off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, he invented a shield that saved all of mankind, which I imagine is lucrative, since yeah. for some reason it wasn't given to the government. <laughs> right. <laughs> Back here, 
in this set that just looks more blade like blade runner stuff this is this dialogue encapsulates the whole movie luis is trying to figure out what's going on so we gotta listen to this clip you think i do this every saturday oh my god this guys boning's a kind of magic it's a kind of magic not not the way you do it yeah (laughs) okay now let me just see if i can get this straight you come from another planet and you're mortal there but you're immortal here until you kill all the guys from there who have come here and then you're mortal here unless you go back there or some more guys from there come here in which case you become immortal here again something like that if your movie needs to be explained like this it's a problem yeah it's a big problem like this scene should have shut down production. <laughs> <laughs> they should have gotten to that line and been like, uh-oh. It's so convoluted. <laughs> yeah. But Luis is wearing uh, some new clothes. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming, I'm assuming the police probably raided her place. Like, she doesn't can't go there. So I'm yeah. assuming she's wearing a dead woman's clothes. <laughs> Brenda's clothes. Yeah, I think that's... Clothes. In the special, in the special feature, they actually talk about that. Do they? I yeah, guess that the, the costume designer said that that was her favorite piece she designed because it was designed to be like a man's night robe. But then she like tailored it for Louise in this scene. According to her, that's supposed to be like Lambert's smoking jacket or some shit. That makes sense. But then she gets she has a lot of costume changes, which I note every time she changes costumes. Ah, <laughs> uh, very good. But anyway, Luis wants Connor to help her, I guess, figure out the shield problem since he helped build it, and maybe he could talk to Alan. At this point in my notes, I just have question: Where did they get the name Zeist? <laughs> Moving on, Zeist, <laughs> Zeisty, Zeisty. Uh, but in, I guess in the special edition, this scene is extended, and there is a whole talk about like, have you ever seen a blue sky? Because I guess right. she hasn't. hasn't? Yeah. Right, is the implication? Uh, so Mac describes it. Um, this seems like a lot like the brandy scene from Highlander One. Yeah, like he closes his eyes and he talks about like the feelings mm-hmm. he had from a past event. I was right. like, oh, okay, this is interesting. It's not as good as the brandy scene, but I feel like that's what they're kind of going for here. We thought the sky would last forever, huh? Eh? <laughs> oh boy! All right, we cut to Shield headquarters, and Finally. it is coffee problems begin here because <laughs> yeah. Alan is drinking shitty coffee and apparently that- always makes shitty coffee. You always put in too much water. Also, how? How do you do that? Also, like, at first I thought the joke was going to be, like, even the coffee in the future is shit. But it's actually just human error. <laughs> yeah. So, Mac, Bat Max is way in and talks to Alan. Well, he just walks in. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's Connor's version of Bat Mac. Yeah. Uh, but, Alan, this is kind of funny. He's like, you look great. Like, do you have a face? I hate this. <laughs> have you been exercising? Did you get a facelift? Are you fucking kidding me? He looks like a completely different person. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be one thing if they had, like, actually made him look 55 and he aged back to being, like, 31. Right. Yeah. Like, that would have been like, oh, did you get a facelift? Like, maybe that's something. But not when they had him being, like, in a wrinkle suit. (laughs) And he just just waved to him in the opera. That's true. Like, what's the timeline in this? This is, like, an hour later. (laughs) Yes, this is supposed to be in, like, the middle of the night. Uh, Oh, boy. What a mess. So, Alan, I guess, is worried that, like, he's like, I can't talk about stuff. I guess he thinks his room is bugged. Which, which it is. is. Which it yeah. is, right. Uh, so, he's like, come to the computer. And he types on, like, his computer screen is, like, see-through. Yeah. Uh, it's like a like a holographic display. Uh, so, so, like, a lot of technology has moved aggressively forward 
far beyond anything we're capable of producing. Right. And so he types that the radiation levels above the shield are normal. And he's starting to type a coordinate where there's like a gap in the <laughs> shield. Which my notes say are like in Bermuda. Oh, or something like yeah. The thing I read said like both things are the coordinates. There's like another instance where coordinates are given. Neither of them are in the United States, and they like <laughs> definitively are not going to those places. That's amazing. So that's stuff that's in only the special edition. Like in the theatrical version, all he does is type the radiation levels are okay. And which no. didn't she already know that? that's that's one of the big structural problems in this movie like what is the mystery like she thinks there's a problem she finds out her hunch was right she tells mcleod then he goes to also confirm it again and then he's just flat out told and then they confirm it a third time it's just like how many times do we need to like there's literally no mystery in this movie because i feel like you could build some drama there it's like well if we if we shut it off and we're wrong they like, kill everybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, but no. But so, yeah, that, that really fixes that problem that, like, there's coordinates. It's like, you need to verify this, and I haven't been able to do it yet or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, okay, now we have a mission. Like, thank you for moving the plot along. So then Blake comes in. This is Dr. Cox. This is our first introduction. D- David in. Blake. Or yeah. not first introduction, I guess. Yeah, this is our TV. first, like, real scene with him. And he's, like, monitoring Alan's iPad conversations or whatever the heck it is. And he meets Mac for the first time. He's like, oh, yes, I forgot you were still alive. Which is what? <laughs> like, I don't know. I like Mac's response of always. <laughs> always. <laughs> and so then, like, Mac is like, how's the shield business? And they, there's, like, some animosity between them. Like, it's tense. But then there's this thing that, like, Blake's like, you built the shield, shield to last forever. And Mac's like, nothing lasts forever. Except you. And, again, I don't understand. The themes of this movie, this is another one of those instances where, like, this seems like a big line in a movie that deals with immortality. Nothing yeah, lasts forever. forever. And it's like, but everybody that does seem to live forever right. in this universe. Like, yeah. I don't know either. It's fucking shitty writing. That's yeah. what it is. Like, there's all these, like, catchphrases, it would seem, yeah. in the movie. Like, it's a kind of magic. Like, nothing lasts forever. Like, these just there's, like, these lines that are there, like, purely for, I guess, style? I don't know. I don't know They're either. not, it's not good. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty much the end of this scene, like. Alan's like, oh, well, now that you're in, like, Blake escorts Alan, like, to work. He's like, well, let's get to work. And that's the scene. This is all recut in the special edition. So do you guys want, do we want to talk about how different this is? Uh, So I guess Mac looks over, and there's, like, a a kind of a cool model of the shield, like, on Alan's table. And they go over and kind of reminisce about, like, you know, like, they're both having, like, regrets about it. It's like, should, should we have done this, blah, blah, blah. And Mac picks up goggles that are on the table, puts them on, and and this is the transition to... What the original opening was, which is, well, him in that bunker with the goggles. Right, when they turn the shield on for the first time. The way this is shot, like, this clearly was supposed to be where this flashback went, like, because of the way it transitioned. Like, this is like a Russell McKay. It's an okay, it's a pretty okay transition. Yeah. Yeah. So we basically get that scene played out just the way it was in the beginning of the theatrical cut. Uh, Although there's none of that, like, like the voiceover, like, all the radio announcements. That's all stuff that was just in the theatrical cut. But yeah, it all plays out pretty much the same, but with some, like, new special effects, and it looks pretty good, I guess. I guess. All things considered. Sorry, David. Fuck no. (laughs) And then, yeah, then we're back in Alan's office, and that's where he gives Mac the coordinates for, like, you got to go above the mountain range. and Yeah. Also, th- this thing with, like, the mountain range, like, this doesn't make sense with, like, just the way the shield seems to operate, which it's, like, connects to satellites that, like, beam it across to each other. It's, like, this seems like it's miles in the sky. Like, yeah. Like, and it seems like mountain? if something was obstructing it, it wouldn't work. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and, like, what mountain is he going to or over? Everest? I don't know. Like, is this yeah. shield, like, lopsided? Like, yeah. I'm like, is this shield really low? Is that why there's, like, no rain? It's because the shield is, like, so low oh. to the ground. It's like... 
I guess that doesn't match with the footage we see when the Zeistians come to Earth, right? Doesn't the shield seem further out? It does. It does, but... That's an interesting way to think about it, though, that it's low. But if it was that low, couldn't you get above it in a bunch of ways? But I think the shield keeps things in, so they need to find a hole yeah. to get above it. What about planes? Like, planes need to fly, like, above the clouds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's that scene in the plane. <laughs> like, uh, the planes can't be flying that low. No. Fuck. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe flying has changed. Maybe flying has changed. <laughs> they, like, they don't pressurize the cabins anymore because you fly so low. Well, they're flying all those old planes from the 40s in this movie. Yeah. All right. So now we cut back to Zeist. Zeist. It's about time, baby. Uh, yeah. And so this is the scene in the theatrical version where Zeist decides, like, it's time to get back into action and, like, I got to take control. Yeah, generally. Why? I, I don't know. He's just like, well, those guys failed, so I got to do it now for some reason. No, you don't. <laughs> Why not wait for him to be mortal and come here and kill him? Is there still a rebellion he's fighting? Who knows? They never even explain why he wants him other than he doesn't like him. Whatever like, Ramirez Katana. says, like, I feel like was supposed to have more, like, or there was supposed to be more to Ramirez's dialogue when he's like, I have eyes that can see differently than yours, like, Connor's somehow the chosen... Like, there, there's some prophecy that Katana knows about. Like, he knows that Connor will end him if he doesn't... You know what I mean? Like... I guess. But I feel like they don't show that enough to... Sh- yeah. Because like, that's the motivation, I guess. Right. Ugh. I guess. <laughs> I guess. So, again, who knows if he has a crystal ball and I guess he decides to go. Uh, we also get introduced now to his sword. Which yes, extends. His, his extendable sword. Yeah. Which is kind of like a Kurgany thing i guess only instead of snapping together it shoots out yeah, yeah. it's like a telescoping sword okay <laughs> <laughs> it's that zeistian technology yeah i mean i guess i appreciate the fact that like that's at least a design thing that that carries over at least it's like yeah. oh like if the kurgan was from here they, they both have like weapons that are similar i guess i don't know if they want something done right do it yourself he just has to make a beeline for the a train so yeah. yeah like he like crash lands for some reason like through, the goons don't through a train yeah through like, through, through the through the, floor, yeah. through the street into, down through the roof of a train onto a train like a moving train uh so then there's all this like bone crunching and stuff like when he gets up uh, this is so weird and yeah. he's like yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's so stoked about this for some reason well i read like he did this stunt himself because his stunt man was high on coke what <laughs> <laughs> and like tried to do it and like broke bones or something oh god so then michael ironside did that stunt of like falling through the train himself and he pauses because he's like making sure he didn't break anything and then he realizes they're still filming and that's when he stands up and goes yes and like <laughs> i read that in an interview or that's something. amazing yeah that's really funny so wait did michael ironside's break anything or was it the, no, stunt, the, coke, the stunt guy the coke stunt he guy. only lost a bit of his guy. finger yeah <laughs> <laughs> then he's like looks like we're not in kansas anymore because how does more- he know that <laughs> reference yeah <laughs> So, I guess when he's when he's on Zeist watching Connor and he yeah. like just gets bored and flips around. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing that you bring that up because on IMDb, of, you know, they always have like goofs. Right. Some very persnickety person. There's like a label for incorrectly thought of as a goof. <laughs> and they like mentioned like his anachronistic references to like things like Wizard of Oz. And it's like, well, actually, he could have seen them by using his monitoring device because they established that he's been monitoring McCloud. Uh, and it's like, 
So, like, he's the mayor of a planet (laughs) (laughs) or the general warlord priest goon of a planet. And he's, like, taking some time off to watch, like, American movies from the 30s. Like, that's what (laughs) he's... That's just what he does. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm really into this. Have you heard of Technicolor? (laughs) He's watching Connor watch a full-length movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, isn't there any, like, Zeist media that he'd rather consume or, like... Zeist media. (laughs) It's bonkers. And the fact that somebody felt the need to be, like, falsely thought of as a goof. (laughs) Excuse Uh, me. (laughs) So he beats up some guy, right? With a weird eyepiece. Yeah, he's got, like, Google glasses on or whatever. It's like, again, it's like, what kind of future is this? Like, there's no air to breathe, but they've got, like, VR goggles that everyone wears. It was actually a VR trooper. Then we get a big, uh, there's a big alteration. He steals his jacket. Oh, he steals the jacket, like, Terminator style. Yeah. Yeah, your clothes and your boots. Give them to me. And they must not have had a lot of time to film this or just want to get it. Like, the lights go out. So they don't actually yeah. have to show the fight. They can just show him getting the jacket. Yeah. I guess that's okay to just make sure it's like, well, let's just get this over with. They were like, he needs to be in a trench coat because that's the look of these movies. Like, I guess. The, the yeah. people need to wear trench coats. That's the thing. I right. don't know. Why can't he just wear his fucking clothes? I don't know. He's got to put his that sword somewhere, buddy. I don't know. It's f- I'm fine with it. But it is like a very Terminator thing. Uh, so now we need to talk about uh, the psychic cook. Oh, my God. Because there's like a, oh, there's a little interstitial uh, scene. Uh, this is in the, the special edition. That they, again, added this humor back in? Very strange. Let's listen to this. Stepped into the paranormal oh, pantry with the special guest ghost and prepare meals from beyond the grave. Spooky sauces to ghostly goulashes. It's a whole lot of fun. And that guy looks like shit. Weekdays yep. and, and the ghosts are fighting in the background. The world's highest grade I don't of get gasoline. Uh, it's all supposed to be like this RoboCop shit. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Like, I feel like but that Robo- that on its own is not like... I mean, it's like a goofy, silly thing, but it's like not funny. No, that's, <laughs> that's, you know what this is ripping off? The Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Harvey Corman. <laughs> it is like <laughs> he's supposed to be like a weird Julia Child, yeah, character. The psychic cook. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. All right, so this is kind of the intro, at least in the special edition of the train scene. Let's talk about the train Fucking scene. Fucking train scene is the craziest thing I've ever scene. So we should just talk about, I think, the special edition train yeah. scene, because that's just the longer version of the... It's really long, and it's just <laughs> Michael Ironside like terrorizing this train. For reasons. Well, he picks yeah. up a kid. He's like, you ever want to drive one of these? And the kid's like, yeah. He's like, me, me too. too. It's like, what, how do you know what this even is? Yeah. Like, again, like, ah. And he's like, he beats the one guy up. They show what the guy's watching in the special edition on his, like, eyepiece, where they don't show that in the other Oh, version. I didn't know. What was he watching? Some, like, weird, gruesome news footage or something. It's weird. But he's just, like, marching through the train, like, pushing people, beating people up. Scaring children. Scaring children. He goes into, like, the cockpit or whatever you call it, the conductor's cabin. I don't know. Gets rid of the conductor and just starts maxing this thing out. Which Which is a crank. Which is insane. Just like a little little turn crank. Yeah. And also, 
What magic train is this that gets up to if I'm really, it goes 400 miles per hour? Is over, that what I'm, I think it's over 400, 400 miles per hour. Is how like it's shooting electricity everywhere. Like the shield takes all the power from the entire planet, but like a shitty subway train can like break the sound barrier. And like people inside the cabin are like flying all over <laughs> right. the place. Like this thing is like breaking the sound barrier it's going so fast and like people are hitting the windows and blood's flying out of their mouths dummies are being thrown everywhere the guy with the eyes his eyes start to bug he has a fake head but his eyes are but there's no payoff like that guy's head should have exploded right that's what i was thinking and this is the second highlander movie in a row that has like a fake head (laughs) but like no payoff this fake head thing boggles my mind (laughs) But, like, everybody's flying around. There's, like, a baby, like, a fake baby that, yeah. like, flies. Yeah, that gets murdered. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that everyone on that train dies. Oh, Every yeah. single person. Yeah. This is just a ripoff of the Kurgan Joyride. Yeah. But accomplishes none of the things the Kurgan Joyride kind of does. Nope. That tells you stuff about the character. It's like, this is a guy who's, like, lived forever. I don't know. He's either, like, a thrill seeker. He doesn't regard human life. At, like, we don't know anything about Katana. Yeah. at all and he just shows up and it's just like i guess i'll just kill everybody for fun like yep. i don't know it doesn't seem to have any weight to to it it just no. feels like it's this hollow shell of something that was kind of cool in the first movie yeah well in the first movie it was like a i mean it was a good scene for one thing like, <laughs> they had that going for it yeah <laughs> he's terrorizing one person like you definitely get something out of it yeah and this is just like look how wacky Settlers of Katana is. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I feel like this scene in another movie I would love. This feels like the sort of like B movie scene that like great horror movies have. That like you relish. It's like this is such like what a crazy like. There's a baby getting thrown around. There's blood. Like it's so gruesome and crazy. I feel like this is actually a cool scene in another movie. Like this scene is almost iconic. If you were watching, like, Santa's sleigh or, like, one of those yeah. kind of movies. Yeah. But here it's just confusing. <laughs> yes. And then how does it end? He crashes, he crashes the train. through a wall. And then he gets out and he looks at the camera. Oh, my God. And he yes. goes, last stop. Uh, this movie breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> this is the first time we've really seen Michael Ironsides doing his thing. What, what do we think so far? Eh. I do not like this villain at all. No. Let's Regardless see. of Michael Ironside, like, again, I think he's okay in some movies where this is warranted, but, I mean, it seems like this is exactly what Greg Wyden was afraid of in the first movie, when he was like, yeah, they really wanted the Kurgan to do some, like, silly stuff, I wanted him to be more serious, and I honestly think the Kurgan's performance works kind of well, because mm. he becomes kind of this, like, anarchist punk guy. It makes up for it with attitude that, like, is sensible for the time and place. Yeah, but, like, at least, like, they gave him, like, a punk character, and it's like, so his, like, crazy actions, I feel like, fit into that a little bit, where it's yeah. like... This is he's so wacky. Like, like uh, why why did they just make him like a really hard? Like, he's supposed to be a general. Like, make him this like really. How you know, is, how is this guy not like deposed instantly? Yeah. Like, how does anyone take him seriously on the entire planet that he <laughs> yeah. runs? He's just like a bloodthirsty monster. He's got no credibility. Yeah, he's just not a good bad guy. Not a good bad guy. The next scene is at a grave. Uh, yeah. So. Connor is at, I guess, Brenda's grave, and he's putting mm-hmm. flowers on there. Yep. The flowers looked weird to me. Did they look? They, they looked like heavy for some yeah. reason. I was like, are those know. flowers? Who knows? And then Katana just shows up. Yep. Smooches a statue. 
Yes. Which like is a little cherub. Yeah. Did you see the thing in the special features about all the statues? Oh, yeah. That they're, they're all these, like, they're, they're carved. carved out of goop or something. They're, like, foam, I think. Yeah. Or? Yeah. That are, like, over wire. And, like, they found some, like, local artisan who made, like, every statue in the movie. That's some cool. the statues look pretty good. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. yeah, those big ones are awesome looking. Yeah. yeah. So it's, in any case, oh, yeah. it's Katana just, crashes this party. He's just taunting McLeod. And McLeod's kind of like, well, you kind of fucked your plan up because I'm, like, immortal again. and like, I was back- just going to die. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, back to being better than ever. It's I'm like, back to square one. That's right. Oh. <laughs> but then it's revealed they're on holy ground. Like, that rule pops up out of nowhere. And, like, Katana honors it. Yeah. Right. Why? Was that a Zeist rule? Was that originally a Zeist rule that's carried over to Earth? I th- Did they say that in the opening sequence no. of the judges? No. No. They never mentioned the Holy Grail nope. thing. No, it's just mentioned here. It's first really? Time, first time it's mentioned. <sighs> God. Which if you haven't seen the first one, like, you're like, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, if you I... haven't checked out already at this point, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like you're paying much attention anymore at this point in the movie. Yeah, no, it's, like, hard to stay focused. But he's like, and this is Holy Ground. Because he, like, steps on her grave. Yeah. And is like, I think I'll stay. It's just, this also plays out, like, Mac is like, oh, I'm glad things don't change. He's like, you're still a jerk. And it's yeah, like, oh, God, this, that's this so plays, dumb. The way this all plays out is that they have this, like, grand history together. And it's like, let, like you met Katana for the very first time, it would seem, at the beginning of the movie. But I assume he'd been fighting him for a long time. I guess so. Like, he was aware of him. Also, he's apparently, like, a mass murderer. Jerk kind of undersells it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess they don't get to fight. I don't exactly know how they get out of this interaction, but... Well, Connor... I guess this... they, get, they get broken up by a priest. Fuck. Also... Does Katana have to win the game to go home? Did he, like, exile himself? Like, what's Zeist's government doing? Do they know he's even there? I guess he's only gone for a couple days. He's like, yeah, I'm going to the beach house. Yeah. Don't wait up for me. Is that like a... Were Cordo and Reno, like, the Zeist secret service? <laughs> also, Katana, I guess, does not know that Ramirez is there. And also, just thinking ahead in the movie, I don't think he ever even comments that Ramirez is there, does he? I don't think he, he ever encounters him, They don't he? meet, do they? I don't think they do. I think he... Doesn't he see him in the security cam footage? Oh, Probably. Or no. I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, I think he wow. just sees uh, Connor and uh, Louise, right? So weird. I, I don't know. Boo. So anyway, this scene plays out very differently in the special edition because when Connor's visiting the grave, this triggers another flashback. Some of this footage is used in the opening, which is that like that big crane shot over the uh, the beds, like the the burn ward or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so Connor is visiting Brenda in in the hospital, essentially, and she's one of like the sun radiations victims right yeah she's all burned up and stuff this isn't a very like good ending for her character is it her voice is no, it no it's someone else entirely and like Great. they cover her face with bandages and it's yeah. all scabby and shit no. so like you can't tell i think the best part of this scene is the cool sweeping shot of all the hospital beds i thought that was like awesome the scene just starts with him visiting her and it's like one lone person in a bed who's dying and then he walks away, and the the cat like the the beds go on forever. And I was like, yeah. this is just a really great stylish shot that yeah, shows you the like, scope of the problem. Yeah, uh, it's really effective. So this works out pretty well. Also, I believe is that our last flashback for the movie because we haven't really talked about that. This movie essentially features no flashbacks. Unless you count the planet Zeiss. Yeah, unless you count Zeiss. I guess 1999 counts yeah. as a flashback. I mean, like I don't know. Which was still a flash forward, because this movie, it was still set the, a flash to the future <laughs> of this movie. Yeah. 
the flashbacks aren't like good like in the first movie where they're like the highlight of the whole thing yeah, yeah. where they're like they're not period pieces in this they've decided yeah. to make the present a period piece right the future as it were and uh, then the flashbacks just looked like normal 1990s shit Yep. It's very strange. Uh, indeed. Oh, so uh, they can't fight on holy ground with Katana. And then Katana says, ashes to ashes, dust, dust to, to dust. dust. If you don't take it out and use it, it's going to rust. He must have not been watching when yeah. Matt, <laughs> Matt got it on in that alleyway. Oh. That's right. <laughs> it's a kind of magic. That's <laughs> and Dick Lambert pulls in. He's like, I'm sorry, it's all rusty. <laughs> <laughs> zeisty. It's so zeisty. <laughs> Zeistfully clean. So now we get Connery. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Nice threads, dude. Yeah, so Connery's, like, being blown away by the power of, like, movie magic. Sees himself on TV. Yeah, which the goon, the guy who walks by and tells him nice threads, for whatever reason, is not on the TV. I don't know why that happens, but. Yeah. (laughs) Well, in the the theatrical version, do you even see the dude? I feel like he just says it off screen, but in the renegade version you see the dude interesting walk by yeah, yeah. connery's like shithead shithead <laughs> right because now he's using it right yeah also the other guy was complimenting him so let's i don't know yeah i like i just have shithead like <laughs> right he complimented you or or is he still using it wrong and is he trying to thank him he says it with a tone though he does like, say it he with says a tone. It like shithead 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 is he getting the guy's like sarcasm did we think that guy was being sarcastic i didn't i thought he was i like, thought he was genuine i yeah. also, yeah. also that guy cool threads yeah because also that guy i feel like they the way they showed that guy like he was dressed kind of like a punk or something like he had yeah. crazy like he had kind of crazy clothes so he'd be like, oh, like, you got these crazy clothes, too. Bruh. Bruh. I don't know. Oh, also, I have a question here, because we're about to get into this montage of him getting a suit. Uh, They're supposed to be in Scotland, right? So, Scotland. Yes. So the Egyptian guy, he beams down to Scotland. He speaks with a Scottish accent. The actor playing Hamlet speaks with an English accent. The guy who walks by and says nice threads has an American accent. The stage director had like some kind of Eastern European sounding accent. Get off the stage! And then then we go into the the tailor and that guy has a very proper British accent. accent. It's like where are we? Like there are no the only Scottish person in Scotland is Sean Connery. Who's Egyptian who's Egyptian. And and also this is (laughs) who's actually an alien. And this is not to say like that like people from all over the place live in places like Scotland and England. Sure. So like but like when you're trying to establish in a movie that you're in a place where you're ha- yeah. in a place it's like these are kind of tropes to use like you know like it's like have them speak in the yeah. accent of the land so yeah. we know where we are. Yeah. And it's instantly confusing. I would like a suit of clothes. And why not? This is the finest establishment <laughs> for clothes in Scotland. Or, like, the oldest Otis, or yeah. something. He's like, well, it could take a couple days. And then, like, Connery curses at him again. Like, he's like, I damn well need this. Like, it's like, what? Yeah. Like, what? No, he says, like, I'm afraid you don't understand. I'm afraid Sir oh, that's doesn't right. understand. I damn well do understand. And then he says, it's Sir like, does understand. And that <laughs> feels like another, like, that, that, the way he says I damn well do understand, that feels like the double dumbass on you. Like, yeah. that feels like there was another line in this movie where he learned another curse word and yeah. was also learning to use that one. But like, these are swears that existed when he existed. I guess. Yeah. Yes, it's very strange. Then he just gives him his goofy earring, and the guy just looks at him <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> and he snaps. He uses yeah. my least favorite thing in any movie or media, the snap, to command someone to do things. This Taylor guy is so goofy. Like, when he said that, like, this is the oldest Taylor in Scotland, I just laughed. <laughs> 
It's like, is this a cartoon? Is this like a Bugs Bunny cartoon? <laughs> so then yeah, we well, get... well, Connery's about to hit him with an anvil. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> we get a montage set to all MIDI music. M- MIDI yeah. music of William Tell. Yeah. yeah. Like, how could they not find? How could they not license a version, a recording of the William Tell overture? They blew the money on that sweet, sweet railway shot. Yeah, yeah. boy. So this is, I think, kind of at least a fun scene. And at the end of it, we get to see a handsome man dressed in a handsome suit, and that's like great. Like, and they make some joke about putting like a little tartan pattern on him. Yeah, even though he's not Scottish, but he is Scottish. But he is yep. Scottish. They're in Scotland too, so like they're having a blast and drinking some whiskey. These quips in this line, he then is like, "A challenge really does bring out the best in man," and it's like. Is this a lie? Like, he says it like it has some meaning. God damn it, guys. I don't know. These lines really upset me. Anyway, uh, hey, I have something really positive to say about this scene, actually. I think some of the best shooting in this scene happens. Uh, The scene before he leaves, when he's, like, checking himself out in the mirror, I think this is filmed great. There's, like, six mirrors, Mm -hmm. and, like, the dialogue moves between them. Like, they're always just kind of, like, shifting over to the next mirror and, like... They'll be talking, like, they'll be looking away from each other, but kind of looking at themselves in the mirror. I think this is, like, very well filmed. Check it out. I don't know. We'll post it on Facebook. It's put together nicely. Good job, Russell. Good job. So, like, now he's looking all dapper, like a modern man. And he's like, well, can can we get sort of a limo? And he's like, limo? Airport? (laughs) Flying? Of course. He says he has to make a journey, and I'm like... He could be making a long journey and still be in Scotland, right? Yeah. Why does he automatically assume he's flying somewhere? I assume the quickest way is still to fly. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a crazy thing. He's like like a limit of the airport. That's not an insane question. Anyway, so Connery, of course, takes him up on this and decides to go fly to the United States, I guess. Where is this movie set? I don't know where this movie is set at all. I don't know. Who knows? I assumed the United States. Yeah, me too. But I don't know if they ever say. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, like I mean, those... I mean, the, the main cast is a Frenchman, an American, a Scottish woman. I guess Michael Ironsides is American. All the extras are Argentinian. Uh, like, I don't know. Yeah, I think Michael Ironsides Canadian. Oh, is he? I think so. All right, international so this movie set in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's Sea Cooper in the future. Okay. Maybe they're Ooh. just on like one of Zeist's moons, Earth. uh so ramirez ends up on a plane this looks terrible the special effects they're on like they it looks like flash gordon yeah Yeah. oh like the red background so then queen connection that's right Uh, yeah ramirez turns to the woman sitting next to him and says like forgive me but how do we remain so high above the earth and then she just starts cackling, I'm like yeah. unrelated to anything. And it's like, are you, I was just like, is she on drugs? Like, is she? Yeah, I, I have no like, idea what's happening right now. She's drunk. And well, well in eventually the, we find that. Yeah, out. In, <laughs> in the extended cut, they include that she makes a joke that cracks her up. She's like, remind me again how we stay afloat safely. She's like, by drinking. Hello. And that's what cracks her up. Right? Why would they cut that? Like, it makes know. the scene yeah. crazy. It makes it make yep. no sense. It's like, <laughs> why is she dying laughing? Like, I really thought, like, oh, like, there's a real painkiller problem in 1990, in 2024, like now. Then we also get a safety video that comes on mid, is, mid-flight, I guess. This is crazy. I assume that he optionally turned it on. Okay. She yeah. didn't, like, that he sought it out. And it's just the, like, footage of a plane crashing. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, make sure you buckle your seatbelts. I don't know. The plane's like getting ripped in half. People yeah. are screaming. It's like the train scene. People are yeah. flying around the cabin of the plane. And then a model. I really like that it's a model. model. Like, yeah. Dinkily crashes yes. into a mountain. And like, there's a little fire. <laughs> <laughs> and that, like, I thought that was all kind of funny. Again, 
It's like a RoboCop thing. Yeah. I was like, why is this happening? Like, the tone is all fucked up in this movie. And it doesn't match the first movie. So then we just kind of cut back to later on the plane. Like, this plane sequence is just keeps going. Also, that's like a hallmark, it would seem, of the way the Bond company cut this movie together. Like, they just took like scenes and put them next to each other. Yeah. Where in the special edition, this it part of the plane scene and another, yeah. they're, like, separated. Like, we get a sense of time. Like, at the end of the movie, it's real fucked up because they decide to just take two swords fights and, and mash them, them together, together. And it doesn't make any yeah. sense. And they take place, rightfully so, in two different parts of the movie. So it's very strange the way they edited this. But we're back on the plane. And so Connery is telling... Should we play this clip? We'll just talk about uh, it. So I don't know. All right, this is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, we I'm just gonna talk about I'm it. I'm gonna play another clip uh, though because so Connery uh, is like talking about like the beautiful women of history. Like this woman has dark hair that's sitting next to him. And he's like, oh, but dark-haired women are very beautiful, like Nefertiti, Cleopatra, Helen of Troy, and then he goes, it's known that dark Joan of Arc, who I'm pretty sure was like. 15 when she died so yeah. gross but go on <laughs> he's like oh it's it's true that uh you know dark-haired women are known to and then whisper whisper, whisper. so that's in the theatrical and she, and she laughs and yeah. she giggles right so it's like oh okay he probably made some sort of sexual joke or whatever it is like something he's hitting on this woman hard and so in the theatrical version he just whispers and you can't it's inaudible in the special edition they decide to make it audible like yeah. it's hard to hear but you can yeah. if, if you, you turn it up yeah. it's yeah. it's clear as day he says it's true that dark-haired women like to sit on men's faces this is a joke in this movie <laughs> that needed to needed to be in needed yeah. to be reinserted and it really changes the meaning of a subsequent joke that comes right after it. Oh, yeah. Which makes which, no sense in the theatrical version. Well, like, I don't know if it makes no sense, but it, it's weird. Uh. Like, they offer food, and Connery says, like, I do not eat things I cannot identify. And this is right after he's made the sit on men's faces <sighs> joke. And then he's like, that's not always true, of course. And it's like, what, what? are you saying? But why, can't, why couldn't he identify it? Why can't he that, that's that's the crazy thing about this. Like they set up this joke, like I can't eat stuff I don't identify. They never show it. Like yeah. we have no idea what this future food even looks like. Like what the fuck could it be? Yeah, yeah. It would be funny if it was something pretty basic. It's like it was some potato chips. Well, it'd be yeah. funny if it was Cheese something curls. like uh, like what what would be something? I was gonna say like sushi, but like his character is supposed to like travel to Japan, but like right. sushi started kind of making its way into America in the like late seventies. Like something he wouldn't have been familiar. Like something trendy. Or right. something. Like, that would have made sense. Or like a Twinkie or something. Yeah, that would have been good. Cheetos. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Perfect. That's a joke. And it's something that we all can relate to. And we're like, oh, they're just Cheetos. And he's like, I don't know what they are, but I'll eat yeah. the pussy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so but weird. It's not entirely true, like, meaning he eats that, eats pussy. But it's like... <laughs> Why wouldn't he be able to identify that? Also, a good question that he has, I guess, anatomy issues. Yeah, I'm like, what? I don't know. Let's talk about That's actually his excuse for not doing it. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> oh, there so you go. He's like, I don't do that. <laughs> boy. He, he, he doesn't reciprocate. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Connery is an asshole, right? Isn't he? Oh. Yeah. Connery apparently was like sued at least, I think, two times. Oh, yeah, I read about this. Yeah. On production. One, I think the assistant director sued him for sexual harassment. He worked on this movie for upwards of nine days, and and he got sued twice. What? In connection with this movie? Yes. Holy shit. And was one of them in connection with the scene? I don't, I don't know. know. It's very possible. He did have a sec, uh, like one of the producers, I think, sued him for sexual like misconduct or something. That's 
crazy. So I think we should, if, if everyone's not aware of Sean Connery's like history, I want to play this clip of Sean, an interview with Sean Connery. This is tangentially related. Is this with Baba Wawa? Seist. So a little bit on our hero, Sean Connery. You did an interview in which you said, it's not the worst thing to slap a woman now and then. As I remember, you said you don't do it with a clenched fist. It's better to do it with an open hand. Ooh. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't I, love that. I haven't changed my opinion. You haven't? No. Not at all. You think it's good to slap a woman? No, I don't think it's good. You I don't think, think it's bad? It must, I don't think it's that bad. I think that it depends entirely on the circumstances and if it merits it. Yeah. And what would merit it? Well, if you have tried everything else, and oh women God. are pretty good at this, oh, you God. can't leave it alone. Yeah, right. It's their and fault. They don't want to have the, the, the last word, and you give them the last word, but they're not happy with the last word. Oh, my God. They want to say it again and, and get into a really provocative situation. Then <laughs> I think it's absolutely right. Okay. All right. Sean Connery, you asshole. Also, Barbara Walters is kind of a badass. Yeah. We should never. We should not take away from like. Yeah. So she's rough. She's good. Uh, So that was from 1987. An interview with Sean Connery. Wow. What? What a weird guy. Yeah. Not a weird guy. Weird. Despicable in a lot of ways. Guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did make his name by playing one of the most chauvinistic characters (laughs) of all time in all history. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. So. We got a new scene. Uh, this is the essentially silver room scene of this movie. So mm. in the first movie, there's a scene where Brenda is she goes into McLeod's like secret room where he stashes all his stuff from history, and this mirrors that scene identically, including the way they shoot it. Like so, it's this cool shot of Luis going up like a spiral staircase, yeah, and the camera is spinning, and that's exactly the way the silver room scene starts in the original. They get into the room, and the camera like spins around it. So mm. I feel like the creating some connections it looks really cool sure we get a lot of deep history on mac here so in like oh, 1902 yeah. he was playing football yeah i yeah. guess in america yeah, yeah like a really badly photoshopped picture of him like manning yeah. a, a right like a giant artillery rifle so i guess he was in one of the world wars right uh he was the captain of a ship called the rosemary in 1858 this is crazy so in the theatrical version it's like there's this diary that is like also has like blood splattered on it. Yeah. And there's a voiceover of Connor coming on and he just goes, Ship's log for the Rosemary, eighteen fifty eight. And that's it. And there's no more no, voiceover. There's no date. And it's like oh whatever. And then like there's just no more information. It's like yeah. you can barely read what the, the writing yeah. says. And it's like I had to like like freeze frame the fucking thing to be like, what the fuck is going on? It's like it's like they're adrift or whatever. I don't know again know why they cut out unless he didn't record all the dialogue. Which seems crazy. What they get yeah. him? They got, they got him to say this is the ship's log of the Rosemary, and then didn't finish. Like, yeah, we go. No, we got to know. Sure, there's not more. Now we got it. We uh, got it, Amber. So yeah, in the, the yeah. in the special edition, they put the voiceover back, yeah. so we get to actually hear what the fuck was going on. And I don't like. Who cares? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is like the cheap version of doing a flashback. Yeah, we're not gonna do a flashback, but we'll just talk about it. Yeah, it's just like a scene that like is panning across written words in a and diary. She, and she's already invested in him. She also yeah. knows that he's immortal. Like right. that was the pivotal scene where he brought her into this thing. Like, look at all this history I've lived. Yeah, and I'm gonna show you how that was possible. I'm immortal. In this, it's, she it's, knows already. It doesn't yeah, matter. Like, yeah. this is ah, the mechanics of these movies. Like the functionality of the scene doesn't make sense. Nope. Very good. <laughs> and she sees a drawing of uh, Heather. I think that's only in the special, special edition. edition? 
And by drawing, it's a photograph of someone else. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really just a photo, I think. <laughs> like a sepia-toned photo. A sepia-toned photo. It doesn't make sense, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's a drawing. Really? It's a, yeah. I think it's like a painting of Heather. Yeah. It's a painting. It's supposed a sepia-toned to be a, painting. It's supposed yeah. to be a painting. Because <laughs> they didn't have cameras. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. But also, it is a picture of Heather not played by Heather. BDNE. So we cut outside and Katana dropped off in a cab. Oh my God, this entire interaction. <sighs> so we get to meet the new goon, Jerry, who's just like this cab driver, man. Jerry Pritchard. I'm Jerry you're, my Pritch- s- you're my sister, dude. Yeah. You're like in the music industry, right? I know things. My name's Jerry Pritchard, man. (laughs) Katana also goes in the back. He's like, it's comfortable back here. Like a coffin. It's a coffin. You sleep. What is that? Like he sleeps. He looks some kind of Dracula. Are you just like a like goth sized guy? Like (laughs) I don't understand. This adds a weird layer to his character that he's like obsessed with death or a vampire or what? I guess I have no idea. So he's being delivered to the Shield Corporation castle where their board meetings are taking place. In the theatrical version, he's being delivered to the Shield meeting because this is clearly the church. Yes, this is a whole or or oh, it's the church he's getting dropped. No, it's just some. No, this is like an empty warehouse. Yeah, yeah. What? This is where they fight on the top roof. Yeah. At some point, and he drops the guy from the shaft. He drops Jerry. Yeah. In the special edition, he's like wrecking Jerry's cab. In the theatrical version, too. Yeah. yeah and Jerry loves it. Like, he's like, whoa, this is crazy, man. You're crazy. <laughs> I What's stayed, next? I should have stayed in school. Like, there's all this weird ADR dialogue. It's insane. I have no idea. Like, I'm not sure what Jerry's reaction actually is to yeah. this. He kind of seems into it at first. He's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this guy's voice. Awesome. Did anyone think the cursing in this movie was a. I don't want to say a lot. Well, it's a lot in this scene. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Like, the original Highlander movie has almost no cursing, I want to say. Just, like, a few notable instances. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really remember. Like, I felt like when they were cursing in this movie... It's jarring. It's, like, jarring. So, uh, I put together a little supercut of all the curses, which are pretty good. You're such an asshole. Son of a bitch! (laughs) I'm afraid Sir Damwell does understand. What's your fucking game, shithead? Oh, shit. I always wanted to meet the guy that turned the world to shit. Shithead. God damn! Woo! Shit! Fuck! Yeah! Yes, it looks as though you fucked up, eh, partner? Holy shit! Uh, (laughs) That's my favorite one. Yeah, because that one's Lambert. Holy shit! shit. Saying that is a fan. (laughs) He's saying that at the villain in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. (laughs) I wish he cursed as an old man. (gasps) (gasps) Fuck me, Jimmy. (laughs) Jimmy, you're a good boy. So we're now inside the board meeting, and I guess this is where Katana got dropped off in the theatrical version? I guess. And so Blake is going on. He says there's been a shuffling of the deck since yesterday. So what is that? I immediately am thinking like, well, he was having a talk with Alan. He's like, Alan, come into my office. Yeah. We're going to get to work. It's like, oh, he's fired Alan because like this is all kind of checking out. It's like, okay, um, we will find out in the next scene that Alan has not been fired yet. So that's not what he's referring to. The shuffling of the deck he's referring to is the cobalt attack. I guess it says they attack their August installation. So there's another shield generator. Right. Do you guys remember the uh, September 11th, uh, 2001 shuffling of the deck? 
Because remember that? He's referring to a terrorist attack as a shuffling of the deck. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, I, I know. still am not clear that that's what he meant. I thought I'm it was. So, I was. I'm still so deeply confused about what that line means. Yeah. In the special edition, is it actually cut out, of, like, cut differently? So Alan does get fired? Like, he confronts Alan about all that stuff? So it does make sense? Well, like, if he had... Alan's about to get locked in the slammer. When I heard this, I thought that they had recut it and changed the order of those two scenes such that that had not yet happened to Alan. The order of this is insane. Like, the meeting doesn't come until way later in the special edition. Like, after, like, a whole fight scene and confrontation and all sorts of stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, So, Katana enters the room. Uh, at this point in the movie, I was I took note of his hairstyle. I was like, everyone in this movie has the same haircut. Like, yeah. Luis, Connor, <laughs> Katana, Ramirez. Like, they all just have, like, long, flowing, curly locks. Yeah. Speaking of curly locks, something we didn't mention. When they're at the grave talking to Katana, Lambert's like, oh, you fucked it up by bringing me back. And he twirls yeah, his totally hair. hair. Yeah. What is going on? No kiss. No kiss. Yeah. <laughs> Right away, I'm like, why is Katana here? How does he know any of this stuff? I guess uh, through the, the crystal ball, right? Yes, yeah. That he just knows that Mac There's is related to the and, shield yeah. thing? I don't know. So he chokes this guy. The guard. And, like, drags yeah. him, like, across the floor. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of badass, I guess. I guess. Crunches his head? Or, like... Well, first, Blake is like, oh, I, I've had quite enough of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so the guy, like, plugs Katana a bunch of times. And he's like, oh, very nicely done. Nicely right. done. So they just yeah. murder people willy-nilly in this future. In the shield, in the THS <laughs> boardroom. <laughs> THX. <laughs> then he gets back up, Katana. And there's, like, lightning sounds, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. Like, there was, like, crackling sounds. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and so then he goes and grabs this guy oh, and, yeah. like... Sort of slams him against the table, but his head is clearly not hitting the table. <laughs> no, yeah, it's like very clearly not. I think his shoulder a lot. Kills him by ripping his jaw open. Yeah, I don't. I guess maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And it's just like crunching noises. It's, it's pretty gruesome. I think. I think. I think. I'm not even sure what's <laughs> happening. It's yeah. too like. It but he definitely read like well. puts his hands like in his mouth and like under his teeth. Yeah. Like, this made me think of the scene in The Dark Knight where the Joker like. Goes into Gamble's pool room. Yeah. And it's like, how did he kill Gamble? Because it just looks like he cut his face and then he's dead. Right. It had like the similar, like, what exactly happened here? <laughs> then he sits next to Cox and is like part of this now. Yeah, he's like, I think no business can run without partners. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're partners, right? And Cox is just like, uh-huh. Yeah. It's like, what is this plan? Like, I have no idea what the plan is at this point. Like, it's hard to track these characters and where the chess board is moving. Yeah. All I want is the Highlander. Of course, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get started on this Highlander business. Get started on the Highlander project right away. A name gotten from his hard fighting on the Highlands of Zeist. (laughs) Yeah. Well, guys, things are are really coming ahead in Highlander 2, the quickening. It seems like these these two bad guys, like Catwoman and the Penguin... Yeah. Or Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. These are all bad. <laughs> <Yeah. Bane. laughs> it's like when they all get together, what will happen? Uh, we're going to have to explore that in our next episode. But we thought we'd play a little game first. Ooh. It's game time. Ooh. All right. So now we're going to square up Keith versus Eamon in a little game of three and five. No matter who wins. And so, uh, how do you play 3 and 5, Kyle? So, I'm going to name some kind of category that may or may not be easy or difficult. You have five seconds to name me three examples that fall within it. You gain one point 
for each correct answer you give, and four points if you get all three. Sound good? Yes. Let's do it. Aim it. Yes. Name me. Three immortals appearing in this movie. Ooh, Katana, Connor McLeod, Ramirez. There you go. Hey. Four points <laughs> for Amon. Keep. Name me three colors that appear in the shield for some reason. Uh, red, blue, and white? Blue and other red? I don't know. What? Okay, I'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what colors are in the shield? Red, blue, white. It's purple at one point. Oh, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess it kind of is purple. In that plane scene, especially. It's very. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the color. Red, right, white, blue, like America. Amen. Name me three Lambert movies. Oh, Highlander, Highlander Two, The Quickening, Highlander Three, The Warlock. <laughs> Or no, the sorcerer. Uh, no, you only got, you only got two. Highlander <laughs> 2, The Warlock 3. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Pete, getting a little trickier. Name me three songs that appear in the original Highlander movie that also appear in this movie. Uh, it's a kind of magic... Uh, Hold on. Wait, let me think. It's a kind of magic. Are there other songs that are from the first movie? Yep. Who Wants to Live Forever is what plays in the... The orchestral version. All right, all right. Said, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you noted, there's the original theme is quoted multiple times in this movie. So... I don't know if i call them a song, but... Fair enough. <laughs> I'm making the rules here. Okay. <laughs> all right. Amy. Yes. Name it. This is your chance to come back here. Am I behind? No, you're actually you're actually ahead by one point. This is your chance to knock it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. Aim it. Name three organizations that exist in this movie. Ooh, the Shield Corporation. Uh, Cobalt. Uh, ooh, shit. What's the third one. I would have accepted a lot of things for the third for, for the third one. An opera company? That's an organization, right? Yeah. Rap. <laughs> All right. Give you two points. <laughs> Rap. Keith, you can pull this out. It's don't pull do, out. It's still doable. Don't pull out. Last, oh last chance. Don't don't be like Mac. You can pull this out. Yeah, you can pull out. Uh, Keith, name three characters in this movie who for some reason are new. Cora, uh, Reno, and Jerry? I'll give it to you. Yeah. Also would have accepted Miss Nobody, <laughs> Charlie, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Cora or Corda? I said Cora. It's Corda, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Damn it. Oh, you're, you're, you're going to let that one go? I was going to give it to you, but. I don't make the rules. You're the only one who can. I defer to. You're judge. one of the, you're one of the Pri- priest judges. Priest Kyle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving it to you, which means that the final score is eight to nine. Keith is the winner. Close call. You would have lost where if I didn't give you those last points on Cordo. <laughs> well, or Corda. I like wearing a good Cordo Roy pant. That's good. <laughs> yeah. And that was three and five. Better minute. From can, here, it's just one long action sequence it's, to the it's, end. This yeah. whole movie is almost storyless. Like, yeah. it has no plot. Just things happen. The Zeiss thing is gone, by the way. Like, yep. no, never to be mentioned again. Unless, Essentially, yeah. Unless it's the fairy tale. And Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> so, Guys, how many times did you see this movie in preparation for doing this? Four, I think. Three for me. Three for me, which is twice too many. <laughs> <laughs> 
Whoops. <laughs> that was a lot louder than I thought it was. That loud pouring beer. <laughs> I'm drinking a beer. I'm drinking Oskava. A Bruski. <laughs> some Oskava. Right. Some Bruskava. We've left Zeist. Connor's back to being a young stud. He has sex in an alley. Uh, Covered in trash. Ramirez geez. gets teleported into a play. He gets some new threads. Yeah. He sexually uh, harasses a woman on a plane. But she loves it. She loves it. Because she's it's also insane. Yeah. Let's see. What else? Connor talks to his friend Alan, who tells him the shield is okay and gives him coordinates. Mm-hmm. Katana's back. He blows up a train. Yeah. Uh, Murders yeah. many people. Yeah. Many people. Tortures uh, a cab driver. Whoa, fuck, man. <laughs> uh, and then I guess decides to uh, join a business, like a corporation. Yep. Did he like buy any stock, do you think? Probably. Or is he just acting as a director? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, now we'll kick off this episode with an exciting scene in Alan Neyman's office. <laughs> yeah. Super exciting. But our, the best character in this whole movie is in it more. Cox. John C. McGinley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So John C. McGinley, Dr. Cox, a.k.a. Blake. He's uh, been monitoring all of Neyman's transmissions on that weird piece of glass or whatever and yes 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 that even includes your little private messages with mcleod that was very good (laughs) yeah that is good so he knows that alan's been i guess like leaking information presumably he's leaking information had leaked information to Luis. right so he's donezo but he also makes this point of like you can't shut off the shield there isn't that's so weird i don't understand how this works there's not enough energy on the planet to shut it down like i understand that you can't just shut it off that there'd be safeguards or whatever but like i don't know they're saying that they're siphoning all this energy from like all over the world and it's like what if they just stopped giving you energy if they didn't get energy wouldn't it just shut off it it would have to right it literally couldn't not like i thought about this for too long trying to figure out what the hell that could mean i thought he meant to like destroy it like if you were trying to like hit the shield itself like not the generator but if you're trying to like punch a hole in the shield but that makes no goddamn sense no i think he's just talking about like flipping the off switch like it that's just not won't how let that, you do it that's weird it doesn't make any sense and he's like that was only if the shield was threatened and he's like i thought that was what was happening yeah it's all upset oh yeah he like throws a chair it's awesome yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> for some reason <laughs> the level of tension in this scene is confusing because i don't understand what any of the words they're saying mean yeah <laughs> But Cox does a good angry. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely working hard at whatever yeah. it is he's yep. doing. Uh, so he's like, we have a special place for people that are traders like you. Mm. Ooh, it's very ominous. Yeah, which I guess this corporation has its own private prison. Man, this is why they got to stop private prisons, man. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so they do actually need to stop that, but for unrelated yes. reasons. Yeah, not because of Highlander 2. <laughs> Highlander 2 changes the world, man. Yeah, because the prison industrial complex. Oh. What? Max. So we cut back to our heroes. I guess. I think. I guess we're in the mansion. Luis is there, and she's asking, like, "Who's the girl in the painting?" And Connor's explaining that it's Heather, his first wife. Blah blah blah. And like, there's this like pop song playing in the background. It's just like a love ballad pop thing. And I just was like, "Why is this not Who Wants to Live Forever?" Mm-hmm. Like this seems like the perfect opportunity to call back that though. I know. Well, but yeah, but why? Like, put it here. Yeah. Because this has to do with, like, the song Who Wants to Live Forever is not a love song in the traditional sense. Like, they play it when they fuck in an alley. Like, that seems to go against almost everything that song is about. Like, yeah. the song is about falling in love and losing the person you love. And is that worth it or not? Or it's about fucking in an alley. Like, why would you play that song when people just bang in an alley? And then it makes sense in relation to the first movie. Because, like, he's talking about Heather and blah, blah, blah. So, like. 
Yeah. It would make sense to play it now I, as yeah. like a callback. Yeah. Because that was the introduction of that song. Exactly. Right. I don't know. So it's very strange that, that that song should be here, I think. Yeah. But whatever. So then he mentions Brenda was his last wife, and she died 29 years ago in New York City. In the radiation ward. <laughs> so she dies in 95 in New York. Windows 95. That's right. So she's, I guess, to death. she's like, yeah. oh, that must be like a long time to be alone. And he's like, hey, it's okay. You get used to it. And he's like, no, it's not good. Yeah, and she's he, like, oh, do you? No. no. <laughs> like, he gets instantly droopy. He's like, no. Like, yeah. he reminded me of the scene with him and Ramirez in the first movie, like, where he's like laughing and ha ha, ha I hate you. It's like, yeah. she, like, he just like, he instantly gets droopy and is like, no. no. It's like, oh boy. So then he gets the buzz and he goes and he grabs that stupid Zeist sword. I hate Hold on. the Zeist sword. I think, uh, so when Luis and him are talking, I took note that like Mac is covered in dirt. <laughs> like, and I was like, yeah. why is he all dirty? And it doesn't make any sense. It's like, where was he? Well, the special edition answers that question because the order of scenes is completely changed. Right. Uh, so the scene that we end up in the theatrical version getting at the very end. Yeah. Like the very end. Happens before this. And so Connor's just returned home from fighting Katana. So basically in the special edition, it's reordered. So when he confronts Katana in the, the, uh, the warehouse. The, or well, in the graveyard. Right. It kind of goes from there to a fight scene. Right. Like, so that taxi drops off Katana at some, like, kind of rando abandoned place. Yeah. And he's like, I'm waiting for you, McCloud. Like, he's screaming at the top of this thing. And it's like the thing in 1989 Batman. Like, he has to go up the stairs of the bell tower. Yeah. And then he hangs Jerry. Like, a corpse falls down. Right. And it's Jerry, the the cab driver. Jerry! 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 This is weird. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's really reordered. And, uh, but it does make more sense because the whole time in this, the theatrical version, like when Katana shows up at the boardroom, like I have in my notes, like it's like, what, what is his plan? Like you were just at Brenda's grave with Connor. You, you came to this planet to kill him. He's like shoving you around. He's like, I want to kill you too. Just go kill each other. Like you were both in for this. Like what is your bigger scheme? Like he doesn't seem like the sort of guy that has like some intricate plan. Like he just wants to lock Max head off. And in the special edition, they fix that because it's like, well, they go from the graveyard basically like I'll see you over there. Like meet me in the playground and we'll fight. Like, yeah. Yeah. And they go to, it's like, Oh, of course that makes more sense. Do we want to talk about that fight scene now? Or do we want to talk about it when it ultimately appears in the theatrical cut? All my notes on it are for later. In the here it gets like kind of hard to disentangle the two from here on out. Yeah. It's just a lot of flipping back and forth. Yeah, because things really get reordered. Yeah. So. Well, let's press onward, I guess. All right. So Max all dirty. He's talking about Brenda. But then he gets the buzz uh, and all the lights go off and he grabs his sword. Uh, and his sword at this point is not the katana from the first movie. It's right. the Zeist sword. It's the Zeist, Zeist sword, sword that, that he took from one of those Corda. Sonic or Knuckles. Yeah. Right. His tails. Because they were flying. Yeah. And Ramirez is using the stage sword. Like, I paused it. He's not using the samurai sword yet. Right. Also, this is a boring sword fight. Uh, this is, I, I don't know. I thought it was boring. I think it's lit kind of cool. Like, it's all in the dark, I and I guess the reason they do it in the dark is because, like, Connor just fought Katana, at least in the thea- the, the special edition. So this makes sense. And it's like, oh, shit, did Katana follow me back home? Right. It's like, he's here. So he tells, of course, Louise to hide again, because all she does is hide in this movie. Hey, uh, hey. She also bangs him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> but it's a fake out, and it turns out it's Ramirez, and they have, like, a playful sparring, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. Do you even think the sound effects of the swords are weird in this movie? Yeah. They, like, they used real swords most of this movie, and I feel like the sounds they're using are real swords. 
And it's like very like cling clang. Like it doesn't sound good to me, even if it's like authentic. It's one of those things like, I don't know if you ever hear a real gunshot. It's like gunshots are not as like bombastic as they are on like TV or movies. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're very short. They're crisp. Like, I don't know. It's It's like a car backfiring. Yeah. Uh, And it's like, I feel like this is one of those instances. It's like, you know what? I know it's not real, but like you got some of that movie magic. Yeah. Like I want some real flashy sounds why did they stop using metal swords oh because everyone was cutting pieces of their fingers off yeah (laughs) because i think uh lambert was surprised it would be hard to what wield a 22 pound Mm. long sword and of course we all know that lambert has what sight problems sight problems broken eyeballs (laughs) who was like willing to step opposite him but some insurance company didn't step in. Like, yeah. Hey, not that guy. So then there's this like sculpture gag. Yeah, this is weird. So they're fighting and then like Ramirez swings and he's going to hit some sculpture. And Max's like, no. <laughs> and I guess it's it's like an ugly, it is kind of ugly. It's like, it's hideous. It's, yeah, okay. it's just like one of Tess's sculptures. <laughs> It's like Coke, bo- like colored Coke bottles with like angel wings. Angel wings on like a weird shelf or something. <laughs> well, I think it's supposed to be like a gag. Like he missed out on like Brancusi and like all these different things. I'm like, oh, like what's art? Yeah. Whatever. I guess that's kind of funny. I guess maybe. That's a sculpture. If they had set this movie again, like in the 80s or whatever, like let's have Ramirez come back and it's just a fish out of water story. Like the episode of Nefer- with Nefertiri in the series. Right. It's like. I, I'm all on board Connery being Connery and Lambert. Like, when they're together, they honestly... Just Lambert around? Yeah, like, they pal around well. Like, yeah. they, they get it done. Three pals of the planet Zeiss, Jimmy. So after this fight, they pour themselves drinks and toast to magic and to Zeist. To magic. I hate this. To Zeist. <laughs> but also, Luis is scared out of her mind. Hiding upstairs, and they're like, "All right, we're done. Let's just like they just start hanging out and drinking." Yeah. And they're like, "Oh yeah, she's up there hiding." Like they co- totally forgot her. <laughs> nice job, Connor. Just left left her in the dumpster. She's actually still there. So you two knew each other for a long time. Uh, and then Connery says another creepy thing here because uh, Lambert's like, "Oh, she's wanted by the police." And then he's like, or does he say something about like, oh, things have changed over the years. Like, you're hot. At least some things have improved or something like that. The police have good taste or something like that. But I think he does say something like women have improved or something. It's really, ugh. (laughs) God damn it. So we cut a little later. Ramirez is looking out the window at the shield. Did anyone notice what Mac is doing? No. Uh, Ramirez is like, come here. Mac gets up. He has a table full of Wendy's. Mac is drinking a (laughs) child-sized Frosty. In this scene, my, this is not this is not the last time we will see Wendy's in this. Yeah, uh, which I'm surprised yeah. because maybe it's product placement. I got the impression because it's such a weird pickup shot because it's literally just Mac like getting up and walking over to Ramirez. Like, did they film this on lunch break? Like on lunch, really? Like Mac yeah. was just eating. Like Lambert was eating yeah. Wendy's and got up and they had it on film and they used. I don't know, yeah. but it happens later. But it happens later. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Christ. Also, I I thought in the special edition, I thought they took out the Wendy's the first time. Oh. I think they use a different shot, which didn't have it in it. But the Wendy's appears later in the doctor's office. Yep. Oh, oh boy. boy. <laughs> Ramirez is not into the shield. He's like, you created this monstrosity. It was necessary at the time. And so was Noah's flood. Right. So, so, that, so that man could be reborn. 
So I guess the Zeistians believe in some sort of Judeo-Christian <laughs> God. I guess. I guess. It's but a complicated... he doesn't know what shithead is. <laughs> He's like, I am well versed in all of your ancient religions, but not your basic swears. I don't know Shakespeare, but I know the Bible. So in this scene, Mac goes over to this globe in the special edition, and he like points out that like these are the coordinates we need to go to. Like They get kind of a game plan, it would seem. Yeah. In the theatrical version, I don't know if they're using a different take or what they do. Do, but when Matt goes over to the shield, he's just like, he like mumbles. He's like, here at this, the only way. And it's like, what? what? Like, <laughs> I had to watch it like four times. I was like, what are you doing? It's really unclear. And it's because they want to take out, I guess, the references to like coordinates and some so, other thing. Because that wasn't going to be in the theatrical version. That makes sense. And then I guess in the ultimate edition, does Connery smash the shield that's surrounding the globe? Okay, cool, man. Because <laughs> time, oh, oh he, but he also is like, our time is now, and, yeah. and he and it, like that. That's one of these quips. Like, yeah. well, he says your time. Is your now. time is He's now. Referring to the Zeist. Oh, thing. Not we. Was that you? That's what is I. That's that what how I took it. Oh, yeah. all right. And so in the theatrical version, Brenda comes, and she got some kind of line that Alan got taken to Max, right? That's yeah. what's happening here? Yeah. She delivers the news that Alan has been imprisoned in Max. Max. Who's Max? Max is the boy version of Polly Pocket. Mighty Max. That's right. The next scene, this is a pretty amazing. So they pull up to the oh, Supermax Good prison. God. Yeah. Uh, we're going to play this clip. We're on like the runaway train that is the end of this movie. Now. <laughs> yeah. So first off, the sign that is displayed at this yeah. security, I don't even want to say gate, because there does not appear to be a gate. Yeah. Like this is an There's unguarded just a camera. Entry. There's a camera and then you can just drive in. Anyway, the sign says unauthorized persons proceed beyond this point blah 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 uh they spelled unauthorized wrong which is really fantastic <laughs> Woo! good stuff uh so the dialogue they talk to the the camera this dialogue is kind of different in the special edition again it's one of those things i don't yeah. know why they added this back in so this this like robot camera appears and it's like who are you Ramirez is like, I'm Juan Sancho's R- Villalobos Ramirez. Uh, and he, Chief metallurgist. He says like the whole shit. He does the whole thing. Movie. And it's like, okay, that's kind of funny. And then Lambert, probably improvising this because it's awful, yeah. is like, hey, it's our first time in the desert. Like, uh, where, where do we go? Where, where do we, which way to Vegas? Uh, and then Lambert responds by just going like, hit it in the theatrical version. Yeah. In the, like, they cut out this dialogue because it's so shitty. And then the special edition, he goes, hit it, dude. Well, hit Connery it, dude. says it. That's what I meant. I'm yeah. sorry. He Connery says, says, hit it, dude. We're going to listen to this. Dude. Dude. This is some of the worst writing in this whole movie. If it's even writing, I hate this. You have entered a restricted area. You're subject Please to arrest or termination. I am Juan Sanchez Gilalobos Ramirez, Chief Metallurgist to King Philip II of Spain, and I'm at your service. This is Checkpoint One outside of security installation, Max. Identify yourselves. Hey, take it easy, man. First time in the desert. Which way to Vegas? Okay, jerk face. Jerk face. Stay put and we'll come get you. Hit it, dude. Uh, Yes, 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 yes. yes. Dude. Like, at least this is so cartoonishly silly that I'm entertained by it. This part is awesome. This part's so fucking crazy. (laughs) 
just like bonkers. Like what happens? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so Amen, Amen, indeed, tell us what happens now. They're just going well, on. And this like, is their plan. Yeah. This is by design. They're going on like a kamikaze death mission, just driving through all the guards, and they're getting like shot the fuck up. I feel like, like, this, the is, whole this car, is a Bonnie and Clyde thing, I think, as this well. This is insane. Like, I was actually behind this because it's so crazy. It's I a, like this. This is one of the few parts of this movie that their immortality comes into play. That matters. Yeah. Because, like, honestly, yeah. this movie could maybe exist without there being immortals, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it doesn't seem to matter. No. Like so I all. think that's kind of cool. But, like, the car's getting shot up. They're getting shot up. There's blood all over the place. Like It's brutal. Yeah. It's, like, really intense. I, I like this scene. Like, this, I feel like, could be a cool thing for, like, a character like the Kurgan to do. Yeah. Like, it's like, I don't care about my body or any. Like, it's like, shoot me up. Like, yeah. I need to get into a place, and this could be a scheme for him to do whatever. It almost right. would have been cool if, like... They then got out of the car with their swords and were, like, chopping through all the guards or something. Like, but they just use it to sneak in to, yeah, the, to, to the, the morgue. Yeah. But this could have been, like, a cool, like, action sequence or something. Though their level of immortality powers would have had to have been ratcheted up to, like, a thousand. Yeah. Because they get shot over a hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> so they're yeah, in the morgue, and then we meet uh, the doctor. Just to be clear, they bust in, like, right. a horde of guys with submachine guns on loads on them. Yeah. They just get shot to pieces. Meanwhile, oh, yes. Louise. Louise is yeah. in the trunk. Somehow not somehow shot. Uh, somehow unshot. Yeah. And they, like, let her out. And she's like, oh, my God, these guys grabbed me. Yeah. And none of them recognize yeah. that she is, like, a known terrorist, terrorist yeah. who's on known for terrorizing them. <laughs> not, like, no, like, I can understand if you're just, like, not knowing, like, some random enemy combatant. In some this is theater. like public enemy number one. This is public yeah. enemy number one, yeah. and you are the one that they're targeting. Right. Like, all your submachine gun g- dudes should know what she looks like. Like, if they have one picture, like, taped on the inside of, like, the security desk, <laughs> right. it's hers. Like, don't let this person in. <laughs> this specific human. Yeah. And she looks at their bullet-riddled bodies and is just like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so then we meet Dr. Sonny Jackson. Sonny Jackson. Dr. I've looked Sonny over your Jackson. report. As near as I can tell, you have a few bruises and lacerations, but I think you'll be okay in a day or two. A day or two? Er, er. And he has a Wendy's cup. <laughs> yeah, he's got a Wendy's cup. <laughs> Wendy's, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's amazing. Maybe Wendy's is the one who put up the, the money for the fairy tale ending. <laughs> yeah. Or, the, just call or the, the layer. The layer? <laughs> the shield. Yeah. Can we just call that the value meal ending? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, they eventually revive while they're in this, like, doctor's office morgue area, and they house the guards. Yeah. And they're back, baby! And they reveal this, the- I think this is funny, though. Like, yeah. I like this little scene. It's a cool little thing. Yeah. A cool little thing. So the doctor's like, Larry! <laughs> Who's Larry? We'll never I know, know, sadly. The world may never know. So they get on this elevator and go down into, like, the depths of... This, Mordor. Yeah, of whatever this prison is. So they're running around looking for... I guess they split up for whatever reason. It doesn't yeah. end up being significant that they no. split up. Well, like, yeah. what does Sean Connery do? Good question. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. It was. It's pointless. They could have all just gone together. But they go find Alan. And Alan has been, like... Seemingly tortured. Yeah, he's like been brutalized. It's, it's a mess. And this yeah. like prison is just like an open tube. It's just like 
they don't have cells or anything. They're just like yeah. free to crawl around in this weird tube. <laughs> There's a lot of tube bases in this. Like when they mean a Zeiss in the beginning, they're in a tube. tube. Yeah, they're in the tube ship. A lot of tubes. They're in the tubey cave. Yeah. <laughs> the eel cave. The, the tubey eels. Tube. So Alan's like, were we right to build it? Like... And Max like, yeah, it's okay. And then Alan just dies. So yeah. like in the theatrical version, he tells him nothing. Nothing. Nothing yeah. happens. Nothing it's is all achieved. Like I guess. Like I guess in the waste. theatrical version, are they going there to rescue him? Is that the plan? I, I don't. Do they have know. any objective aside from rescue? I think him? they wanted to just to rescue him. Yeah. So they fail at that. And they fail miserably at that. In the special edition, this doesn't make sense either. Does he give them other coordinates this he time? He gives them the coordinates for where the hole in the shield oh, is. Okay. Yeah. But then Cox, he was watching them on video get the coordinates from Naaman. And then he, like, turns to Katana and he's like, what if Naaman gave them the coordinates? I'm like, he just did. I'm like... <laughs> Well, I don't think he knows what they're saying because he sa- he directly asked like, "What if he gave him the coordinates before he died?" Right, right. So but like, he I can hear he- them. Can that's yeah. He's like listening to them. I don't oh, know. that's weird. <laughs> yeah. So they've accomplished nothing. Right. Yeah. And so Blake is like, "Oh, don't worry. Like they're not going to get out of here alive anyway." And you so said they wouldn't get at in. some point. I guess they meet back up with Ramirez, yeah. kind of randomly. I think they just walk into this room, and Blake shuts all the doors. It's like what? Is, I don't know what this room is. What is? He's this got room? this fan murder room <laughs> yeah. that he's got all set up <laughs> with locking doors. In a movie full of puzzling things, another puzzling thing happens. Yeah. So this fan is lowering, right? And we get our one big Lambert swear. Holy, Holy shit! <laughs> As if this fan is slowly being lowered to the ground. Also, like, I don't know how this fan works. They could totally make it so it doesn't cut off their head. It's also not moving that fast. So Ramirez has his sword back. This and it's is, the samurai it's sword. It's samurai, the samurai sword. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know if they ever planned on having a scene to show this. Where Connery did anything or accomplished anything in the context of this movie? I don't know. Well, I just want... No, I meant, I meant giving him the yeah, sword. Yeah, he has the sword. Like, yeah. I wish, like, it would have been nice to, like, oh, here's your sword back because it's yeah. your sword. Right. That would have been nice. So, so then we ha- get a speech. Should we play this speech? He introduced this concept that I guess they bring back later. So I guess they thought it was important. A full measure of life. Whatever the fuck that means. Most people have a full measure of life. And most people just watch it slowly drip away. But if you can summon it all up at one time, the amazing grace on bagpipes. <laughs> Something. So somehow, like, using magic force powers, he's able to repel the fan back to the sea. Using his immortality to, like, stop the fan? Somehow. My time here is over. You must go and search out Katana. It'll take Katana. the power of you both to destroy the shield. Video game battle. Will I ever see you again? Who knows, Highlander? <laughs> Who knows? The, the giant thing he does. And somehow the door opens. Yeah. Also, the answer is no. <laughs> and I want to point out and that his sword is stuck, stuck in, in the ground. In, in the ground, cement. Yeah. In the cement near the fan. Then the fan comes crashing down. Yep. And there's like this huge explosion. So that sword is gone forever. Or, or is, is it? it? Yeah. 
The answer is no to that also. Yeah. So what the fuck did we just see? I've got two questions. One, was Ramirez ever really alive again? First question. I will say no. Because he like, like he's like a spirit or something. Like he, he like just, in this scene he like disappears. Like the Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Like he doesn't get crushed by this thing. He like vaporizes. Yeah. So like he goes back to being like inside Connor's quickening juice or something. I or just know. into the who knows. I don't know. I mean he has to be because he interacted with all those people. Well, like I'm not saying he's not physical, but like he might like he's not physically manifested in some way. But is mm. he like some kind of like spirit thing? Did he revive as an immortal? Uh, I don't know. Because he's like, my time here is done. Like, I feel like he used his immortality requirement is done. Yeah. to like destroy that fan somehow. That's how I read the scene. That's why he disappears, because he's like done. He used his power to save them. By using his full measure of life? Yeah. He's just, his life bar went down to zero. <laughs> That's right. He had no potions left. <laughs> no more coins or... <laughs> Sean Connery needs food badly. <laughs> so Gauntlet, go for it. Okay, so then we would normally cut back to the shield generator office, I guess, and Blake would be like, "You fucked up." But in the you fucked up partner, uh, what, which did he? Uh, what, so, but he in the special to? edition, we got to go back a little. Yeah. Yeah. So rather than that insane jump in the special edition, it's very strange. Oh, they went this... back. They years later, they paid everybody to come back, and they shot a new scene that's pointless and awful day for night <laughs> bullshit <laughs> like oh is that what it's supposed to be yes oh uh, i was just like why is this movie why is it now so blue like it's it looks terrible because in like, the special features they show them filming that scene and it's during the day like it's not blue or anything right and i then, just thought they were trying to make it look like the rest of the movie that has like a blue hue to it but it's like really bad but it's supposed yeah, to be nighttime i think so Oh or just under the shield. It looks really bad. It looks awful. Awful. Uh, so the way this shakes down is they steal like a, a truck or something. Yep. And they escape this Max prison. And Katana is standing in the middle of the yeah. road. And they like s- run, run him, him over, over in the yeah. funniest. Like he just kind of, it's like he flops <laughs> down. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but like, but wait, there's more. He like hangs on to the bottom of the truck. Yeah. Right. Why did they think this was so important they needed to go back and shoot it? There's no reason know. to have it's a fight awful. scene. Yeah. I'm fine with them, like, re- like shoot some stuff of them just driving away. They escaped. Great. Yeah. And then but just otherwise you to- didn't know that they escaped. Right. Like, we're about to get into that. Like, they, yeah. they, it just all pours on from here in the theatrical. Yeah. Part. So at least they can escape and they can go to this place. Like, just show them driving away for a second. Cut to later. And they've arrived at their destination. And let's move on. But this fight scene is pointless. Yep. So they fight. They fight on the car. Louise is driving the car. So uh, during this fight scene, Katana, like, grabs at Luis. And he's like, he goes, time for your bitch to die. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? And yeah. So the this fuck? is 95 so, now they're shooting this. I don't know if it's the, I don't say the, the zeitgeist of the time or the zeitgeist of the time. Uh, zeitgeist. That, like, just using the, the words in that way is just way more common than we would do today. Uh, Christopher Lambert talks about refilming this scene. And he says that he hated it. it. Do you want to play it? Yeah, this yeah is good. let's play it. This is good. This is ridiculous. It was very difficult to go back to the same movie four years later because it is not a usual process. See, though, it doesn't Now, look like at this. the end of the day, the result is good. But me as an actor, no, it wasn't very enjoyable. It's like eating leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> Yowza. It's like eating leftovers. That, by the way, looks better than how it looks in the movie. Yeah, a lot better. 
Hey, A-Man. What's up? I hear you've been drawing recently. Why am I speaking with this sort of accent? I'm going to start over again. because I'm doctor? Oh, hi, I'm Dr. What's his name? Jacob? Nope. Jennings. Jennings. Jacoby. Summer. Derek. Summer. summer. Hey, A-Man, you've been drawing recently. What have you been making? How about some Highlander magnet? hey If you go over to our Etsy site, you can buy some new Highlander character magnets. Or our Facebook page. Definitely. Kyle, who's on these magnets? We got all your favorites from the Highlander TV show. We got Duncan. We got special Scottish Duncan. We got Amanda. We got Joe. And we even have Mythos. It's some outrageous shit. The artwork is incredible. Incredible. Hi, today we ship anywhere in the world. So we should be clear now about what happens in both the theatrical cut and special edition. So like we said, this chase scene that we described is only in the special edition. Right. In the special edition, they go from the chase scene to going to those coordinates where the hole in the shield is. They climb up some weird ladder and they're able to see above the shield and they like see the blue sky. Louise sees the blue sky for the first time. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Then they decide they are going to go back to one of these shield facilities to try to destroy the whole shield. Right. In the theatrical cut, though, we go straight from this issue with Connery and they're like in this supermax prison. It's like the prison and the shield appear to be the same place. We're never sure where we are. Yeah. It's like, are you? It seems like. They're in the same facility. Uh-huh. And like they go right from trying to rescue Alan to trying to blow up the shield. Yeah, and there's like no separation between the two. But it gets really confusing because also like, well, we're in Blake's office, I guess, and he's looking at the shield. Isn't the shield? Yeah, I don't know. And so at this point, Blake is like, "You fucked up, partner," and it's ridiculous. And also, yeah, how did he fuck up? You fucked. You up. fucked up. Yeah. Well, did they film that assuming that Katana was supposed to stop them when they retreated? But that he happened fucked. five years later. But, I but think it, was it was intended in... to be filmed. Oh, okay. okay. So. I get it. Yeah. I guess, like, he was supposed to stop them. He didn't. Then he fucked up, partner. You oh. fucked up, partner. So, what happens to Dr. Cox, Keith? Oh, my God. Katana grabs Dr. Cox by the by Cox. The... Yeah. <laughs> and there is, like, crunching sounds. Crunch- and he goes, oh! The way he, he screams, screams is amazing. He lets out like a Home Alone level yeah. scream. And it's just like on his screaming face for like a good chunk of time. Uh, and then Katana throws him out the window and there's and a good a great dummy. dummy <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we see a bloodied up Dr. Cox on the ground. It's mm-hmm. pretty rough. The the dummy fall is just outrageous. I love the dummy fall. <laughs> it's so Silly. This movie has two pretty good dummy moments. What's your other favorite dummy moment? Where the jetpack guy crashes into the wall. Yeah, that's pretty fire. good. And there's like another good dummy moment in the train. The guy oh, yeah, crashes through the window. Yeah. Around. Yeah. <laughs> and the little baby dummy that like flies <laughs> to the back of the train. Uh, so and then we cut again and Katana's like looking around. He's at the, on the top of something. And again, in the theatrical, like this all literally makes sense in the special edition. Yeah. This is that scene, actually, we're cutting right now to this scene that was way earlier in the movie where he first fights Where the cab driver is all of a sudden back and gets killed. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, Yeah. so he's on the top of this thing, wherever it is, and he's like, I'm waiting! Yeah, It's impossible to know in the theatrical version where he is. Right. Then at some point, Connor and Luis, like, they round a corner, 
and Luis is like, hi, to a guard, and Connor, like, bops him on the head. And then Mac is like, showtime. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, what is this? Jim Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> it's really it. nuts. So Luis gets a gun, and, like, she's in a gunfight with... Then there's, like, a shootout, which he abandons her. In. Yeah, and yeah. we like, never find out he's, what really he's happens He's literally there. bulletproof, and he's like, no, you should be the one who has the gunfight. Yep. This entire scene, the showtime thing, and her in this face-off with these goons, that's all cut from the special edition which makes sense because it's like who knows what this scene is even about yeah i'm like are they in max are they in this new facility where are they what is it it's all gone so then we're in this weird hideout that katana's in and so jerry falls from the, the ceiling or whatever and so mac is like making his way up the staircase as you said amen like batman style uh and like this kind of jaws music is playing there is a weird bit of music and I had to watch it a bunch of times to make sure it's not a problem with the version of the movie we we're mm. listening to. This is how poorly edited the sound on this movie is. They screw up like the looping Uh-oh. of the soundtrack. Like they clearly needed some more vamping of this orchestral music. So I'm going to play this clip and you will hear the sound go out and then like it'd be like and it just restarts. It's like <laughs> they just had to like go back and start the the music again. It's awful. So listen for the score to skip when they just decide to hit play again. So you're going to hear this like Jaws-ish music. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? (laughs) Just start it over again. Make it last longer. Wow. Bear needs that advice in the alleyway. Ayo. Ayo. <laughs> so then we get a fight. So we're backtracking a little bit. We didn't yeah. talk about this in the special edition. So in the special edition, this happened like 40 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. I guess is this choreography good? Uh, I don't know. I didn't like it. I feel like the music again is really doing a disservice to... Yeah, this music's awful. It's like, like it the music's match. really fun and adventurous. Yeah. I don't know. It's big props to Michael Kamen. It looks like Ironside is like struggling a little bit with this giant sword the choreography's slower it is slow slow is the word for it yeah i don't know and like he's using his weird zeist sword throughout the entire fight both of them i guess are using weird zeist yeah swords. yeah so it's not like iconic in any way nothing about it is feels special yeah at all yeah it's just forgettable until this elevator scene i guess yeah, so they end up kind of working their way up to this, like, platform. Oh, at one point, doesn't he stab him in the stump? like, s- like really hit him in the stomach with this Zeitz sword so, in yeah. part yeah. of this fight? Like, it seems like he practically c- cuts him in twain with this <laughs> Zeiss sword, and he just goes along like nothing happened. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, that's happening. <laughs> Fair enough. But then they somehow get on top of this elevator. Right, and Katana swings at McLeod. He misses, I guess he hits the cable, and this elevator just goes shooting down. To the bottom and mac rides it to the bottom and so this yeah. is kind of cool i think i actually and lambert did this stunt uh, yeah we should talk about well we should let lambert talk about doing Do this stunt. yeah generally when you are on an elevator you're inside the elevator not on top of the elevator in uh, the movie business you can be on top so i don't want to miss that that's the reason I love making action movies i'm doing things that i cannot do in real life i don't want to miss them <laughs> Usually you're on in the elevator, not on top of the elevator, but in movies. He likes doing movies because he could be on top of an elevator. (laughs) 
Uh, so this kind of separate, like this puts an end to their fight initially. So Connor was able to go back to Luis right. in the other version. But in the regular theatrical version, it just like cuts from this to just another fight. Yeah, like it <laughs> yeah. explodes and then all of a sudden they're... What? Is this then when the gunfight happens? Or no? no there's a, well, there's a little bit of the gunfight. It, it cuts back to Louise, and, like, her gun is, like, jammed up. Yeah. And so I'm like, we're, I'm like, what's happening? Oh, like, is she in danger? Yeah. And uh, then they're on the roof of this shield generator complex. Right. In the Death Star core. And Duncan, sh- or Duncan, <laughs> Connor shows up wearing a different outfit. Yep. Right. Because, because he's wearing... This- now he's wearing the jackets they stole from, like, goons at, like, the Max yeah. facility. Right. Whereas in the elevator shaft scene, he was just wearing, like, a leather jacket or some shit. And he also is now wielding the, the katana. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which, where did that come from? No, he just yes. ha- All of a sudden, he just has it, and this fight is just happening. Yes. Katana versus Katana. So Katana's up there waiting for him. And, again, when they reordered this movie in the special edition, this actually makes sense why Katana's there. Because if you remember in the scene before where he's talking with Blake, Blake's like, well, what if he got the coordinates? He'll know that the ozone's okay. And so this is our clue to Katana to like, oh, if they know the ozone's okay, they're going to want to destroy the shield. Where can I find McLeod? At the shield generator. Like, right. So it actually, like, it, they could it do a better... Like some logic to They it. could do a better yeah. job, I think, explaining it, but it's like, it actually does follow, like, that's why he's there waiting for him, because he knows that he got the clue to go there, so... Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, in this version, not so much sense, so... It's it super confusing. They start fighting. Uh, Again. It's kind of the same yeah. as it's, what we've seen. Yeah, we, at least now he's got his fucking his katana. His sword, yeah. yeah. At least he's got, like, the look we care about. Uh, in a couple of the scenes, like, Lambert did get injured on the set a number of times. Uh, you can see, like, his cuff rolls up. You can see he just is leaving... He left on the, the hospital bracelet. He's still <laughs> wearing a hospital, hospital bracelet. bracelet. Amazing. Maybe he's just counting on going back, so he's like, just leave it on it. Has yeah. like, on it. <laughs> the one cool part is when Katana gets his like hand caught in the shield. Beam. Oh, so yeah. that's, the, that's like the turning point in the fight. Because yeah. Katana's kind of got him on the ropes. He's like getting ready to take his head, and then Mac just kind of grabs his hand and stuffs it into the shield generator. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was cool. That allows him to turn the tide. I don't know who did the fight choreography in this movie. Was it Bobby Anderson again? No. I don't think so, right? No. But I mean, he came back for the show. There's this move that Connor does a lot where he like swings the sword backwards. Yeah. And it's so strange. It's like it's odd. And it seems like it wouldn't even work. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like he has the blade going like behind him and he's like lunging forward like this. Well, that like might this. be lifted from Zatoichi, the blind swordsman. That was his move. He held the sword like in an opposite way. I don't know if they're like stealing that or what. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. But how did he get the sword? That's my yeah, biggest The complaint. sword that was in the fan room yeah. with Connery when it exploded. Cuz I like paused it when the fan comes down and it's like it's there. Right. As like and they're out of the room. This is like basic continuity. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> like that sword was literally exploded. Yeah. yeah it was like exploded. Like should we you, since we're talking about swords, should we talk a little bit about our main villain katana not using, using a, katana? a katana? Why is his name katana? What's the Ryan Samurai Cup? Katana. That means katana Japanese gang. Sword. That means Japanese sword. sword. <laughs> it means Zeist sword. <laughs> I don't know. At the very least, if he just had a katana. katana. No. You know what the actual fix is? His name is Naming not General him Katana. something else. His name is General Akbar. Yeah. Or like... General Gork Norts. <laughs> <laughs> Would be better than General Katana. Also, what's his first name? Uh, oh. Sword. <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> well, it's like, do you guys ever play Metal Gear Solid 2? 
Yes. Solidus Snake has like cool two katanas. He has like the small one and the long one. That could have been cool. He's got like the Waki Sashi. Yeah. If he had those two, that would have been cool. Instead of just a big extendo sword. That, that we've seen a, a villain wield before. Yes. Or if he has general uh, katana and he like swings cats around. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like nunchucks of cats. Yeah. So Mac wins the fight. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's pretty anticlimactic. I feel like it's it's over very fast. I it's just, a very fast fight scene. Yeah. All in all, like little fanfare. Like and the, no emotional content. No. no. And, and Louise shows up just to watch at, at the end, kind of like, just to yeah. watch. <laughs> so Mac is like, there can be only one. Yeah. Uh, even though the game, even again. though the game doesn't seem to really be a player in this. Like, yeah, I kind of forget forgot about that. Don't hate is, the game. Hate the play. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Yeah. And it's a wimpy quickening. It's so wimpy. So I've got questions about this. Well, he walks into the shield. Let's talk yeah. about that first. And it blows up. He like walks into that beam of light that screwed up the general's hand like yeah. that was what enabled connor to win this fight he just walks into it and it blows up the whole shield <laughs> right. and the satellite in space that yep. was like receiving signal from and it, it blows up the entire top of this building so yeah. like Luis is dead yeah <laughs> <laughs> i thought the visual of him walking into the beam was cool yeah but like Kyle just pointed out, and that I didn't think of when I watched it, doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Well, I also guess, because he won the game, so he should be mortal again. Right. Well, he has the cho- choice to be mortal. Right? He has the choice to grow oh, and no, die wait. or go to Zeist. He does yeah. not have the choice to just remain a, a remain an immortal on Earth. Yeah. Unless there's a C choice that they didn't tell us about. Yes, or no, is there a C choice? How is there a C choice? It's never mentioned. In it's the never movie. mentioned that he could just stay and be immortal now. That's not a choice. Yeah, that's not an option. The priest guys didn't give him that but I'm choice. I'm saying, what if you just don't make a choice? It's like, well, I want neither of those things. They, Do you they, have to make they a choice? They said that McLeod, at least in the extended edition, they point out explicitly that Connor has not yet made his choice, but he is growing old and dying. They say he hasn't made a choice, which I think the default position is this is your mortal when you grow old and die. Well, you got these guys buried in the underground in Highlander 3, the Warlock, or whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I was wondering... Is, does he get, like, part of the quickening at the beginning? Like, a little, little bit. A little taste of it. Like, and then he's like, ah. Oh. And then he gets into the thing, and he gets the whole quickening, and the quickening is what blows up the shield. Or does he get the full quickening from Katana? And then what I think makes more sense is he's doing what Ramirez, quote-unquote... He's, he's fully taught. measuring his life. Yeah, he's yeah. doing the Ramirez move at the end and being like, I'm going to just, like blast my highlander energy so blast my load into this shield so so just so we're clear on this ramirez his full measure of life is the ability to stop a fan and open a door yeah. and connor's ability is to blow up a massive network of shields spanning the entire earth maybe mm. all right I mean, I've got a I mean, better I explanation. I don't know what is yeah. going on in this scene. This but, doesn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> so he blows up the shield. There's like a shot of the night sky. So it's like, oh. You, you see stars for the first time. Also, this should be the daytime, right? Yeah. Like it's, It absolutely because should. They, they, especially in the special edition. Like, they show more shots. And it's like, oh, like, here's the city. Yeah. Isn't it pretty? It's like. It's all dark. I can barely see anything. Like, yeah. yeah. It should have been the daytime. But I think they're reusing shots. They're yeah. reusing footage that they'd already shown with the shield and just 
replacing it with the sky. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Which is a lot harder to do and you have to put in all the white effects. Yeah, then yeah. painting in a whole new thing. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, to me, this ending should have been in the daytime. Absolutely, it should, but... Yep. Ramirez has this voiceover, and he kind of recaps this measure of life thing. And it will be glorious. And then there's just a freeze frame right. of McCloud. Yeah. And, and then the movie's over. It's over. <laughs> and also, he says it will take the power of you both to destroy the shield. What does Louise do? She shoots some of those guys, I guess, maybe? She could have stayed in that dumpster the whole, <laughs> the whole movie. Yeah. She's, That's she, after the credits. She, like, comes out of the dumpsters like, hello? And she's like, arrested. She really accomplishes <laughs> nothing in this movie. No, it's she, terrible. She, she, gets the, she gets the initial information that the shield isn't doing anything anymore. Right, yeah. which is cool. Like, which she's like cool. an action hero in the very beginning, and then suddenly she can't be anymore. And then they get that information three more times. <laughs> yeah. Then Naaman tells them. Then they go see the hole in the shield. Then Naaman tells them again. Then they go see the hole in the shield. All right, so we got to talk about the other ending of this movie. Which other ending of this movie? All right, well, in the special edition, let's talk about that one first. Okay. okay. They go outside. The opera music comes back. Yeah. Which, okay, it's, like, cool, I guess, to, like, symbol- It's a ring. Sorry. <laughs> uh, they like smooch it on like a riverbank or whatever, and like, yeah. the shield's in the background or whatever. Mm-hmm. The building. Just around the riverbank. Uh, and then we get more Connery. This is where the Connery voiceover is. Yeah. Oh, it's not in the other one? No, it's not when he blows up the shield. Oh, it, like he after. blows it up and it's just over. I thought there was always a voiceover. No, no, no. In the theatrical release, right. he blows up the shield while there's a voiceover. Okay. And then there's a freeze right. frame. Gotcha. In the Ultimate Edition, he just blows up the shield. Then they're out on the street smooching. smooching yeah. Then they get the thing, and yeah. then it's over. That's it. That's yeah. it. Okay. Because they get their smooches. Will you show me your home? Can you see from here? See that little star next to the moon? That's where I'm going. (laughs) Come with me. Sure you can. Well, how? It's a can of magic. Come on. We can do it. Remember, Highlander, you've both still got your full measure of life. Use it well. Your future will be glorious. So the fairy tale ending of this movie. He like points out to her in the night sky. Oh, Zeist! Like where they can Zeist, see Zeist. Where, where Zeist is from from, from Earth. Earth. Like with your <laughs> naked eye, you can see Zeist. And then 
he like ghostifies, like yeah. he Obi becomes Obi Wan, right? And like floats into the air in his jeans, like. Yeah. And she's well, like, "I can't come with you." And he's like, "You can, you can come with me." And then she ghostifies, yeah. And this is now where you get the Connery thing, right? This right. is now where you get the full measure of life. And then they ghost off to Zeist together, yeah, <laughs> to Zeist up the rest of their lives. <laughs> I up your life. Every boy and every girl. So, like, is Connor now, like, the de facto leader of Zeist? I don't know. Is he, like, their king? I don't know. But was he chosen to defeat Katana in this way, like, on Earth? And now there's no more rebellion? Like this or was- is he about to, like, go and form a bunch of rebels? Like, I took care of your problem, brah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, he fulfilled his, like, sentence. Like, this was his sentence for rebelling. Yeah, was exile to Earth. So, like, are all those priests going to, like, be angry at him? Like, oh, you're back? To or are they just going to be like, oh, I guess you're acquitted. Yeah. But it's still, like... Is your there faith st- restored? Yeah. But is there still, like, a need for a rebellion on Zeist? I don't know. We never knew what they were rebelling about. Well, right. like, I have to imagine he's got, like, a whole series of, like, high-level commanders that are not going to be vying for his position. Like, I imagine Zeist is about to, is probably still on the cusp of a very brutal civil war. <laughs> right. Well, like, who, wh- who knows what he's coming back to? Or when he's coming back right. to? <laughs> yeah. Has 500 years passed on Zeist? Isn't everyone he knows there dead? Dead? Yeah. For, maybe. Because if, if he was mortal on Zeist, like, all well, those Katana other relatives toast. Right. Katana didn't die. They have a different calendar, I guess. I guess. It was supposed to be, like, a p- point that never made it into the movies was, like, one day on Zeist is equivalent to a year on Earth. All right. Oh. That was, like, their thinking. That would have been important originally. information to include. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they're practically immortal because no. of, like, time differences or whatever. Relative to Earth. Yeah. So uh, like, it would at least explain how, like, he'd still be alive. Interesting. Yeah. If he was not also immortal. But that's probably not canon because it's not in any of the versions of the movie. Nothing about this is canon. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like Luisa's mom probably has some issues because, like, if she had dinner with, like, Mac and Luis at some point, she would lose her mind. It's like, wait, you guys, like, hooked up in a dirty alley? <laughs> and then it's like, how long have you, like, how long has Luis known McLeod? A day? Two days? Yeah. And now she's Maybe. going to strange And now she's going the- to outer yeah. space with a stranger. Yeah. After winning the fight of her life, like, accomplishing her lifelong her goal, goal that she right. founded the vanished cobalt yeah. for, she then is like, oh, I'm not going to stay here to enjoy this. Yeah. She got to see, like, the sun for the sky for, like, two, two minutes seconds. on that mountaintop. Yeah. Then they destroy the shield. It's still nighttime. And he's like, we got to bounce. Like, <laughs> we're going to space. She's like, how about we wait till the morning so I can see a sun, sunrise nah. Nah. once in my whole life? No. Nope. We're just going to go to my shitty desert planet. Yeah. You'll love it. It's beautiful. You're going to love it. <laughs> it's beautiful. You look pretty zeist. <laughs> zeist. West zeist. How would you guys have rewritten, maybe not rewritten this movie. What, what would have been an appropriate Highlander sequel for you? Oh, boy. I feel like trying to explain it is pointless. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. And there and the explanations they came up with are rough. I mean, we talked about this during the fan reboot thing. Unless your explanation is dynamite, don't even bother. Right. Because it's so silly. Frankly, my version of a sequel would have just taken place in the past. 
Yeah. Right. Like that's the way to do it. It, it just the entire thing would have been in the past. It's a self-contained story. You're gonna need to like ratchet up the interpersonal drama because like there's a sense to which you know he survives. But, right. Like, you could have ancillary characters. Cast the gear could have been a main character. Like they could be fighting another bad immortal or something. Yeah, Ramirez yeah. can be there because more. he's still alive in the past. Yeah. Like it can, you know, it, can, it could all just it should have just all been flashbacks instead of yeah. flash forwards. Or like I mean. I wasn't like in love with the sorcerer, but that was a way better explanation if you wanted to move the plot in like a forward direction. Yeah, or I mean, just it's fucking retcon it. There are still more immortals. Like, yeah, just redo that last segment of the the last couple minutes of that movie, and it's just like there are more people out there to fight. Yeah, and, yeah. like just ignore it and move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's what the series does, and it kind of works. Like, it works out fine. It I mean, it does perfectly. like it does raise some eyebrows initially, but it's like. You buy it instantly. You have to you like, move on. That you have to move on. So, it is yeah. so much less disruptive to say, like, eh, there are actually more immortals than it is to say, well, actually, all immortals are from another planet and that you can reignite the game by sending more immortals from that planet to here. That is such a larger leap than, eh, you know, there was a couple more left. Yeah. There well, and, a couple more left. And also in that process, like, basically destroy the movie you liked this yeah. whole thing completely recast what was going on in that movie highlander 2 i can't justify that the first movie even happened but it kind of <laughs> had to right none of it makes sense yeah it's like really hard to stick the first movie into this movie storyline which is insane because yeah. this movie was made after it yeah and because of it yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> It's nuts. Um, very puzzling choices made from top to bottom on this thing. Like, I just don't understand how, like, a whole group of people got on board with this concept. Yeah. Like, how a, a roundtable worth of, like, creative types got on board, and then someone was willing to invest $30 million because they believed in the vision. I just don't understand it. And then the other thing I was thinking about, let's say this thing wasn't taken away from them by, like, the Bond company, or, like, none of that stuff in Argentina went wrong. This movie, as it is, is still a clunker. Like, it's, it's still got all these insane structural problems the plot's still nuts like yeah no matter so much how much the they script fix it, like, is still poorly written and poorly done and like the jokes aren't funny all these like, jokes like <laughs> yeah a good what like 25 percent of this movie if not more are jokes or like shithead jokes it's yeah. a kind of magic jokes weird lambarisms all the goofy settlers of Catan stuff like i don't know does highlander 3 have jokes in it it's the sexiest movie in 1995 mm. it has boobies <laughs> Is that funny? No. No. <laughs> in Star Wars, people have referred to the machete order of wow, wow, like you should watch Star Wars to make it like more palpable with some of the prequels that people don't like. Is there a better way to watch Highlander movies? If you were like, oh, you should check out Highlander. Do you say watch Highlander 1, 2, 3, 4? I say watch Highlander 1 and watch the TV show. And then, That's what I if you and then watch- maybe 3, 4. Maybe. And then... Two and well, then just five? watch the movies at your discretion. Yeah. But, like, you're not missing anything. The only one I haven't seen at this point is three. I've never seen ah. three. You're in for a treat. Do you remember the plot to Highlander 1? Yes. Oh, cool. Then you've seen three. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's magic. Yeah. A kind of magic? It's a magic. You could say that. Oh. Kind of. <laughs> there were rumors, I guess, that the third movie was going to take place on Zeist if this was successful. Oh, I read that. That's yeah. scared me, but yeah. Uh, I mean, like all that stuff on Zeist in the beginning feels like it never gets paid off. There's this big conflict. It's like, oh, are we supposed to care about this world? And then at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, I guess they're not going back to Zeist or whatever. Shrug. Who cares about all those other we, people? We never even really know what the problem on Zeist yeah. is. Yeah. Like, well, we know that Katana runs things, and he's obviously an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Like, there's no way he's like a steward of a good government. Sure. Zeist is abandoned. 
Scythe is abandoned. Yeah, its chosen one has left it behind. Well, except then, for in, in the fairy tale ending. In the in the the special edition, like, is it really improved that Zeist isn't mentioned? It's almost just as confusing that they're just from the past. It doesn't necessarily make it any less confusing. It just, it just gets rid of that alien. gut reaction that, like, of they're why? aliens? Like, yeah. Ugh. It yeah. just gets rid of that, that insanely stupid thing is what it gets yeah. rid of. That, that almost adds a new layer of confusion to it, like that they're going to the future. And they had to re-record all the dialogue. So if he goes back to the past and overthrows the Katana government, is he going to change the history of the human race? <laughs> That's a great question. Well, I, I had a note on that, right? actually. What are, what are the ramifications? Of going back in time and changing the government? Or is yeah. it like a self-contained paradox where like our history assumes that Connor defeats Katana in 2024 on the sh- on like the August Shield building. So you start with Highlander 2. You're wrong already. <laughs> Highlander 2 happens. This, and he goes back in time, right? Back in time. And he fixes everything that was wrong, right? And he changes the timeline. The timeline then proceeds as normal up until Highlander 1, maybe? And then the Whoa. TV show continues? Like, he's created, like, a, uh, in Back to the Future, a tangent. Like, he's got this alternate timeline. Where there's no General Katana, but how does that result in him fight? I don't, fight? I don't, how does that I don't know. I don't know. in 86? Because he's immortal. I don't know. He, he just lost his life. It doesn't though. matter. Ah, it's so terrible. Zeistfully uh. <laughs> clean. Eamon, yeah. let's use that to segment into another segment. Let's use that to segment. I just let's say. use that segment to segment into another segment. Well, I didn't get to use these. Uh, I made a list of Zeist puns. Ooh. So I thought I'd just read them to you and you can tell me what you think. Okay. Uh, <laughs> a reminder of who the author is. It's me. So they won't be good. <laughs> we won't be nice. I'm just kidding. We will be. This movie's the greatest thing since Zeist, Zeist Bread. <laughs> that might be the best one. I like that. <laughs> well, I guess after they die, do they become a Polterzeist? Ooh, I like that too. Ramirez sacrifices himself to save God. <laughs> <Ooh>, sloppy. <laughs> uh, number four. Uh, what was the... Oh, I did use this one. The Zeistgeist. That's good. That one is actually good. Yeah. That oh, one's funny. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think Zeist about that one. Um, yes, that was number oh! five. You can go Zeist Versa. All right, okay. Okay. You, you, you undersold oh, yourself a little. It, yeah. yeah. Oh, one of my favorite uh, spices to use in the cabinet is all Zeist. <laughs> oh, the Zeist girls Zeist up your life. The Zeist is right? Mm. Mm. Okay. If you go to Hawaii, it's really a parasite. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you're going to get like a parasite <laughs> like, <laughs> in your foot. Um, one of my favorite books in high school was w- Wuthering Zeist. Ooh, I like that. Was <laughs> um, that one? Oh, guys, I was curious. With General Heathcliff. What do you call people from the planet Zeist? I don't know what. Israel Zeist. <laughs> what? <laughs> like Israelites? Israel yes, Zeist? I got that part. <laughs> Not great. Oh, and nobody followed good Ed Zeist. No, with the- <laughs> wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Well, that's been the Zeist puns, everybody. Zeist pun. How did they make this movie for $30 million? By the way, I adjusted for, like, the inflation rate on all this stuff. So check this out. So this movie had a budget of 13 The other, the original Highlander had a budget of 16 But if you adjust for inflation, if Highlander 1 was made in 1990, like this movie, Highlander 1 had a budget of $20 million approximately. So this movie had $10 million more to play with. Wow. And where did it all go? I can't see any of it anywhere. Up in smoke. 
Didn't go into the script. Good men of the planet Christ. We usually rate these movies. Kyle, how many stars? One to five of, uh, let's see, uh, defaulted bonds would you give these? I give this <laughs> one defaulted one bond. One defaulted bond. Damn. Wow. Uh, Eamon, how many uh, hedgehog haircuts would you give this? Hedgehog haircuts. I don't know. <laughs> like Cordo and Reno. Yeah. I... And Keith. We'll give it one as well, or even maybe a half. Ooh, a half. Woof. I will give this movie one tall glass of warm milk from Jimmy. So, yeah, our Yogurt reviews were not boy, too favorable. Uh, but they pale in comparison to film critic Roger Ebert's assessment of this movie. This is from his 1991 special uh, of The Best and the Worst. This is the number one worst pick for Roger Ebert. Of, of 1991. 1991. Oh, Let's boy. take a listen. And now my choice for the single worst film of 1991, which Gene has already said has the worst title of the year. Yeah. Highlander 2, The Quickening. Now, this was the sequel to the original Highlander. Not such a bad title. A cult film in some circles, but you'd have to be more than a cultist. You'd have to be a zombie to enjoy part two, The Quickening. The movie takes place at a time in the future when the Earth's ozone layer has been depleted and the planet huddles, huddles under some kind of protective shield that's administered by an evil international cartel. The film stars Sean Connery and Christopher Lambert as two immortals from the planet Zeist who find themselves in the middle of this situation. The plot of Highlander 2, The Quickening, is one of the most hilariously incomprehensible experiences I've had in a long time. This movie shows real evidence of having been edited almost at random. Let's take out this and this. And the science in the movie is just as crazy. I think in a way what got me, though, was the interlocking of all of these plots. The immortals from the planet Zeist who are caught in a time warp of their own involving the fact that they got oriented in Scotland 500 years ago, plus events in uh, the year 1999 and more events in the year 2025 plus the cartel, plus the ozone shield, plus the mysterious killer, plus the beautiful independent scientist who exposes the secret of the ozone. You know, in a way, all of this insanity could have added up to something that would have made a great bad movie. But Highlander 2 was so crazily put together, you get the impression that a lot of the key scenes were just never filmed. It is pretty incomprehensible. Yeah. The only question I have is something you said earlier, which is that you'd have to be a zombie to enjoy this, and I'm not exactly sure why a zombie would. Well, I don't think a zombie would like this film. That's how closely I listen. Probably okay. proves why you didn't like That's it. That's it for this week. <laughs> Next week, we'll be back with a special uh, show that animosity between them. Nominations. Yikes. Did not like that movie, but a lot of people did. Uh, so somehow, I, somehow, a lot of people really liked this movie. Uh, so I went through some online reviews and found some lovely five star reviews of Highlander Two. This is from Sally Cat. I like all the Highlander movies. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Sally Cat. Great movie. I think I enjoyed the music the most. Excuse me. You really have to see Highlander One first, though, to get the whole picture. <laughs> five stars. It makes it so much more confusing. It makes it more yeah. <laughs> I like it. I'm getting more off Highlander. Five stars. Getting what? More, more off, off Highlander. Like, just more content, I guess. More off. More of Highlander? Maybe it's just supposed to be more of Highlander. I'm getting more Oh, maybe. <laughs> He's getting off. Getting off again, everything rough. went, everything was good. And thanks again, everything was wonderful. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> what? Read that what do you mean? I was everything I expected when I bought this DVD. Five stars. <laughs> I like that one a lot. They're secure. I'm glad you were everything you're They're secure with themselves. That's a five stars. Just what my child wanted. If a child saw this movie, that's awful. Oh, there's so much swearing. Yeah. Yes. And fucking. <laughs>
Valley fucking... That shit's not for kids. Do yeah. it in bed. This one is a little tongue-in-cheek, but I think it's worth it. This movie is a legitimate 11 out of 10. It is, without any shade of doubt, the single greatest piece of cine- cinema ever committed to celluloid. This movie is a tour de force of the human condition. Please allow me to expound a bit on its achievements. Right off the bat, the acting is superb. I especially love the attention to character detail and depth by the actors. When Michael Ironside, as the villain, Katana says, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, if you don't take it out and use it, it's going to rust. You can feel the ennui that permeates him (laughs) right down through his soul. Also of note is the brilliant work of John C. McGinley. Through his line in intonation alone, you can tell where his character is in his life and what his hopes and dreams are. (laughs) Uh, It has fantastic plotting and massive scope. It makes lesser epics like Lawrence of Arabia seem narrow and constrained. (laughs) How many movies can so effortlessly change fundamental plot details with subsequent edits? Depending on the version you watch, you can be dealing with either extraplanetary beings or time travel. Movies like Apocalypse Now, even with the substantial changes in the redo version, only manage to slow down the pace and add questionable character development with such efforts. It also looks towards the future like no other movie uh, with ideas like, like hoverboards. Not even movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey with all its uppity pseudoscience were so bold. Uh, I was also very fond of the environmental themes that permeated the entire subplot. It's brilliantly poignant stuff, even in 2015. Uh, it's such an amazing piece of film. I haven't even touched one of the most brilliant pieces of the puzzle, the quickening. Yet, I won't talk about it. Do you know why? Because words are an inadequate means of conveyance for such a beautiful and abstract concept. It puts trite, faux intellectual dreck like Blade Runner to shame. I am still, const- still going. Yes, I'm still, still going. constantly amazed that mere human beings can come up with something this magnificent. Maybe Zeistians can. <laughs> so much so that it almost begs the question of des- divine inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> it puts humanity into sharp perspective and makes you realize just how menial accomplishments like the pyramids and space travel are in comparison. <laughs> the movie truly was a herald of a new age of cinema, one defined by these princes of the universe. Five stars. A song that does not appear in this movie. Yeah, that was great. This is also one of my favorites. The truth about physics is revealed just by watching movies and playing games and eating good food and experimenting different things and hanging out around girls. It's really just an oxymoron for just everyone's cover-up of shit. Five stars. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, also, in my, like, looking through Amazon and various sources of, like, what this movie was getting, this movie, by and large, has more five-star reviews than one-star reviews. Isn't that That's strange? Weird. It is. Well, it's like one of those things where, like, you're only motivated to take the time to write a review if you really like something or really hate it. I guess so. But how could... <laughs> The only reason I bought this movie was because Sean Connery was in it. Again, but it was a good movie, too. This person was surprised. Five stars. Wow. And this is such a good one. This is a one-star review someone left. Disliked intensely, I, as I have no Blu-ray player. Unable to watch. They bought a Blu-ray by accident. And, and they gave it. it one star. Disliked intensely. <laughs> Sad. Amazing. Do we have any final thoughts on Highlander 2, The Quickening, or Highlander 2, The Renegade version? I mean, I never want to watch it ever again. I think we said most of what there is to say. I will say that say what the you need Ultimate Edition is literally twice as good Absolutely. as yeah. the other one. It's just still not very good. It's just like edited into a cohesive movie. Like some of the finer like plot points might make, or the mythology doesn't quite make sense still. 
But it's like but, watchable. Yeah, at least as a movie, it makes sense. Yeah, like you can get from point A to B to C in the Ultimate Edition. That is not true in the theatrical cut. Is a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, it's like it's really like, like the power of editing. Like it really shows you like in what amounts to like some small changes. Like you just move a scene a little bit over this way or that way, or like these little changes like drastically affect the way lines get interpreted later in the, th- the movie and all this stuff. I don't think I've ever encountered a movie that has such a hard time getting from point A to point B. Like just getting around itself is like a monster in the theatrical version. You know what's weird? I looked up the cast of this movie. Halfway through watching it, I was like, this movie feels really small to me. But it's like trying to feel really big. It actually has more, a lot more people than the original Highlander movie. But it does not seem that, seem way. that way. And yeah. again, that's part of this choosing to set it in the future. It's like the fact that the original was set in both Scotland and New York, especially New York. Like it populated the world with like people. You instantly are aware of like the world the universe exists in. Yeah. And that really helps. Like, that's such a shortcut. Creating some sort of fantasy world is not an easy thing to do at all. Well, Zeiss doesn't really feel like a whole planet. And even, like, the city Connor's in, it doesn't, like, really feel like a It doesn't even feel like a city. city. And it's not even a city. It's just a crashed ship. Yeah. There's no sense of scale. Yeah. And it's because of, like, their con- the constraints they built themselves, I guess. Yeah. We-, we don't go to that many places. Whereas Highlander, I mean, it was, like, filmed in, like, London and New York and Scotland. And, and there's like Boston, Com- like you're in the Boston Common scene yeah. and you're all over the place. This didn't get what made their movie good. Yeah. Do you think this suffers a little like that George Lucas syndrome? Like the, the midi, this movie gets compared a lot to like the midi chlorian aspect of. Well, that totally is present here of like, oh, let's explain where all the magic comes from. And then yeah. they just like went off the rails with it. Like it's worse than the midi chlorians reveal. Russell Mulcahy, he said something interesting where he's like, you know, we had to try something different or else why do it? Like, I don't want to do it if we're not, like, trying to push the envelope. Got to push the envelope. I guess that's one part of taking a risk is you Yeah, you can fail. Fail. Yeah, but when, like, all of human history is your canvas, why make this the risk you take? There's so many cool risks you might have taken. I mean, I guess they must have really been feeling, I guess, the burden of them painting themselves into a corner. And I, I feel like that Which could even contribute to Russell saying, to like, is- we have to take a risk because if we just make a sequel that is whatever, it's like, it's clearly a cash grab. It's like yeah. somebody just gave us money to make a sequel. Well, I guess that's the other thing. Because Bill- the movie ended. I don't yeah. know. Bill Panzer is saying that's the question they were always getting is where did these guys come from? So I think, like, they wanted to give the fans what they wanted. And but also, who wanted I that? Wanted, I really wonder how many fans really were clamoring for that. Or is that just, like, the vocal fans that are, like, would yeah. write them letters? And, it, like, it seemed like a lot of people wanted it. I mean, that might be an interesting question. Like, do you care where the Immortals came from? No. Not really. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I guess, Kyle, like you said in the other episode, if they came up with a really good explanation, I guess I'd be like, oh, neat. I guess that's cool. But, but if they to, don't... have to be dynamite. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's like, no, I don't really... If it's not going to add anything or, you know... But if you're two swashbuckling aliens from the planet Zeist, like, that is not getting yeah. you there. We've juiced this orange. We've crushed the last sweet drops of content from this monstrosity. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next would be Highlander Season 3. Right? Highlander Season 3. That's going to be great. Now, yeah. What a pick-me-up after this. <laughs> yeah. We need it. Real shot in the arm. Yeah. So, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, We'll probably just jump right into it. I mean, get back into the swing of things next week and get into some Highlander 3. Season 3. Yep, I keep saying that. (laughs) We are not jumping right into the Saucerer. Saucerer. The the Warlock. The the Warlock. warlock. (laughs) Final Dimension.
That's right. Oh, boy. That's another movie. These titles. What's the first dimension? Good question. (laughs) I have to watch the movie. Well, it's like a dot, right? It's like a point in space. A point in space. A single... Mm -hmm. Very good. Point in space. We've all, we're definitely losing our minds right now. <laughs> yep. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, iTunes reviews. Yeah, write, write us those iTunes reviews, baby. Yeah. 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 Get them in. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for joining us, and we can't wait to bring you new Highlander stuff in the future. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I'd hit that dude. <laughs> He'd hit that woman. Yeah. <laughs> I'd hit that woman, dude. <laughs> there we go. We do not endorse the views of Sean Connery. <laughs>